three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all. It's going down right here. Episode 34 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror is coming at you live right here, right now. I'm your host, Mood616, and of course, I've always got my hetero life mates with me, NES Ruler22, also known as Jeremy. And of course, we've got the lovely Mexican, Double Shot J, also known as JP. What's up, homies? Just What's going on? Sick. Yeah. You don't sound very good. I know. I, I keep having Dude. to mute like every two seconds to cough. Man, I heard that guacamole cures it for the you Mexicans, though, doesn't it? Ha ha. <laughs> it's just like silence. <laughs> that silence like super, like, super delayed laugh. He's like, it took me a second to process that. He's like, yes, well, we do eat a lot of guacamole, don't we? <laughs> I was actually coughing when you said it, so I was like, shit, I'm not going to be able to respond for a couple seconds, but... I actually uh, don't the, like a lot of Mexican food, surprisingly. Like, I like regular tacos with regular ground beef, cheese, and, like, some lettuce, and that's pretty much it. You mean you don't like wow. your favorite place, Taco Bell? I love Taco Bell. I just don't like half the me- – like, like 90% of the menu. Roots hates Taco Bell. Oh, Taco Bell is, like, honestly paste. Their meat tastes like paste to me. It's so weird. Like, what is it, though? It can't be real. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like soy meat or something, but it's like really oddly pasty. It's like, it's like soy meat. Ugh, it's even fuck. that. And then like the liquid cheese and oh, oh that's my god, my, I love the Nick liquid cheese. It's you know, it cheese. actually is good, but man, it, it it's so bad for your butthole. Like, <laughs> well, everything's bad for your butthole. You ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, guys, uh, uh, so of course we are back this week. After last week, we had. Something come up, so of course we could not do the show, but we are back, of course. Um, so what ex- what exciting has happened in uh, your guys' lives in the last two weeks? Mm, nothing too exciting. Uh, typical school stuff. Starting to finish stuff a little bit more. I have, let's see, 2,500 out of 3,500 words done on my French extreme paper that I'm writing, and then I have a thousand out of 3500 on another one done so after i finish those i should be done my movie's done my one of my other papers are done so shortly but surely we're coming to the end so i'm pretty happy to be finished awesome Awesome. french extreme so did you uh did you get a little tied up or for words with the um um high tension film like what exactly like how did you get into that one well the main main thing i'm focusing on is that um marie uh she takes away the male gaze because she herself uh 
follows the typical tropes of the male gaze because she gazes at Alex throughout the entire film. She wants Alex. So throughout the film we see, uh, you know, through fast cuts and things like that, that she takes away the male audience's gaze at Alex and she replaces it with herself. So to have another female gazing at another female, something interesting. So that's that's like the main thing that I'm focusing on. But aren't we still following we're kind of following marie though like we're looking it we're looking at it from her from we're looking at her still though right i mean kind of yeah but she's not a very attractive woman she uh, she obviously has masculine uh attributes i mean look at her she has short hair her ears are pierced i mean she looks like a, a manly woman so the, kind of like that the audience kind of identifies with her as a male even though more more male than female than your typical female like alex like the scene that i talked about is the scene when she's standing outside of the outside smoking the cigarette and she looks into the window when alex is taking a shower and you see like it's like a three second shot you get a three second shot of alex or alex is showering and then you get like a like a 10 or 15 second shot of just Marie's face looking inside of the window. Mm-hmm. So she's taken away the male gaze's uh, power and replacing it with herself, with her own gaze, which women typically aren't allowed to gaze in the horror film genre unless they, uh, the main argument is, well, one of the main arguments is that woman, uh, a woman is allowed to gaze at another being if they see if they go through a monster, so let's say Universal Monster Movies, um, if they see the monster as themselves, then they're typically allowed to gaze. There's a whole bunch of shit. It's now, confusing as hell. But. If we, if you, if you're kind of perceiving uh, Marie as a masculine character, wouldn't it still be the male gaze then? But she's she's attributing to the male gaze. She herself is a how do i say this she herself follows the male the typical tropes of the male gaze if that makes sense yeah it does like instead of she does everything that's in the criteria of what's understood as the male gaze that females typically aren't allowed mhm therefore it the whole film is explained even before the ending then if you're really paying attention to these well, real technical terms, I guess. Like when she's dreaming and she's running and she's talking to Alex when she wakes up, well, it feels like I was chasing myself. So it's like, hmm, there's yeah. something right there when she's yeah, like, Yeah, there's oh, actually yeah. a lot of hints throughout the film. And I 100% get the ending. A lot of people say that it doesn't make sense. It actually does make 100% sense if you're yeah, yeah. looking at it the correct way. And – you know, I've only heard one other person explain it, and they've explained it a lot better than me. Um, if I could find that clip, I would probably link it, and if I can, I will. But the whole thing with the ending and uh, you know some of those looks and some of those uh, little moments in the film—it's all a metaphor for her uh, suppressed lesbianism, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm that that's all i had to say <laughs> okay i thought there was more to that but yeah well, I mean, we already know she's sense. a lesbian just by the way she looks at alex and things like that yeah exactly well but but, but, she's that, not but a... it's not just about being 
a lesbian, but that's, right? That, but that's another thing with the male gaze that, like, they think that she's a lesser being because she's a lesbian, even <laughs> though even though that she likes another woman. Like, oh, here's a woman that likes another woman. And it's like, oh, I'm I'm supposed to be the one that likes the woman, that bitch. I'm going to punish her for taking away my gaze. So, at we look at, so we look at other guys like that, too. Because <clears throat> they like... Well, you know, they like you know what, too. guys? You know what, guys? Okay. Um, you know, I think in the future we're probably going to be covering, you know, maybe doing like a French extreme show. So let's maybe kind of save the conversation for that. Yeah, maybe exactly. We should. Well, I've already, know. I've already wrote a paper on inside high tension and martyrs this semester. So I have a lot of stuff mm-hmm. for that show. So that'll be. Yeah, I think th- I think there's a lot to say. Like you know, you, you, those four or five films that yeah. are, you know in that. In yeah. Well, I know I could talk about high tension specifically for quite a while. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, hey, let's let's ask the people, right? You guys want to see a French extreme show? Let I think it would be fun to talk about the it's main five French extreme. bloody and violent. Yeah, we'll do the the main five from that I, era. I like to called the women being punished five. I've heard it called all, the Fab Five. Yeah, because it's like all five films have women being punished in some way or another. What it, what is your guys's favorite film from the the Fab Five? Well, I've only seen High Tension. Inside for sure. Oh, you've only seen one, JP. In- the, what is it? Martyrs, Inside, Martyr- High I- Tension, Frontiers, that- and Them. Yeah, I've only yeah. seen one. I own Inside, but I haven't seen it yet. Inside is my favorite, but it's not the most enjoyable to write about. Um, high Tension is definitely the most interesting one to write about, and then yeah. and then Fr- Frontiers has some interesting things too to say, <laughs> and Martyrs. But Inside, I don't know why I chose that one to write about. It's it's a it's a hard one, but it's, yeah, it's the I, best I, I, out of the five. I can see where you're coming from. Inside is also my favorite one too, but man, I them I just I love them. That movie is fucking awesome. It's great, but I mean, really, I like all the films though. Yeah, to be honest. But, yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. This past week, uh, got a schedule change at work, so that was kind of you know what's going on with my life now so we're recording at a very odd time right now <laughs> yeah not even an odd um, time but an it's like an odd day and an odd time so it's yeah like odd day odd weird. time so we got to adjust this new schedule and stuff so we'll try to we'll try to keep these shows on coming and whatnot but you know they'll still probably post monday nights though yeah yeah, yeah we'll, i'll still post them at the beginning of the week and stuff right so yeah jp what's going on with you man Oh man, I've had a rough week. Well, today I got sick, but on top of that, um, we have like a big inspection coming up at work that we're probably going to fail. We failed last time, so it's like real stressful and chaotic there. So uh, I've just kind of want don't even want to talk about that right now. <laughs> Alrighty, man. Well, I mean, not much really happening the last couple of weeks. Uh, so why don't we just uh, get right into the news? Do, do we have lots of news? Are, are you covering from like the last two weeks, JP? I am covering from the last two weeks and no, we don't have a lot. Just kind of a slow week. Actually, two kind of interesting things came out today. So it kind of beefed up the news a little bit. I'd say probably two of the more interesting things came out today. So that's cool. Um, mm-hmm. First up, a while back we talked about a anthology film called Tales of Halloween. Now this was the one we kind of talked lengthy about it. We talked it kind of got us into the whole conversation of anthologies and like why they don't do wraparounds anymore and stuff. You guys remember that conversation? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so this is the one that has like 
the guy who directed like Saw 2, 3, and 4, the guy who did Never Sleep Again, uh, Big Ass Spider, The Descent, uh, you know, The Hills Run Red, Grace. There was a bunch of directors attached to it. Well, we just got one more director attached to it. And in my opinion, it's one of the one of the bigger ones out of this group of people. And it's Lucky McKee. So he signed on. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, so um, th- it, there's a ton of people attached to this. Uh, and, you know, that was kind of our, our negative a little bit because we started talking about ABCs of Death and, like, how it just was too many shorts and stuff like that. Um, but it does have a plot description now. And it goes, 10 stories will be woven together by their shared theme of Halloween night in an American in America's sub- an American suburb where ghouls suburb suburb where ghouls imps aliens and axe murderers appear for one night only to terrorize unsuspecting residents nice so it's all around mischief night yeah and it says interwoven which is a great little thing to say nice yeah that's cool as interwoven yeah, well, that's cool. good, man. So it's basically kind of like trick or it could be like a full length film, but you have all these little segments that kind of yes, it is just like Trick or Treat. That's who's cool. releasing this JP? Um, I actually don't know who's releasing it. I think I might have said a while back. I feel like it might be like Image or something. Yeah, it, that's it where I got like the a, press release. It sounds like an Image movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't sound like an Anchor Bay movie. So I would say well, it's an Image. The thing is, I think one of the same women who sends out the press release for for these, I think she also sends Anchor Bay press releases, which is weird. Yeah, I, I you know what? This can't be an Anchor Bay film. Yeah, I don't think it like is. You know why? Because it sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Anchor Bay hasn't released a good movie in a long time. Yeah. Um, well, it depends where you're getting your films from because yeah. – you know, Blood Glacier, of course, was was released by IFC in uh, in the U.S. and in Canada, it was released under Anchor Bay. <laughs> I like Blood Glacier. Anyways, I just same with Willow Creek too, right? Yeah, Willow Creek was also released by Anchor Bay. That's weird. Yeah, who weird, released uh, Willow Creek here? Dark Sky. Oh yeah. Was it really Dark Sky? Yeah. Oh shit! Crazy. Um, well, that's weird. Oh, that's very <laughs> odd. Sorry. So next up, we have a little update on it. Now, it has been talked about being remade for, I don't know, four or five years now, right? I mean, it's literally been in the news like every, you know, six months for the past like four or five years. And basically, they said that they're going to start uh, officially prepping for the film in March for a summer shoot. Uh, They said that it's going to be two films. The first film will follow the uh coming of age section of the film the first part of the miniseries right and then another film will be made following the adults as they're still trying to deal with um pennywise hmm i wonder if pennywise is going to be a person or cgi oh he'll be a person for sure there's no need to cgi him i know but yeah wouldn't surprise me stupid yeah but <laughs> i will say that i think that uh, it's interesting that they're doing these with the Stephen King films. Like, first we have The Stand that's going to be multiple movies. Now it. Interesting, right? Yeah, that is that is interesting. And, you know, it's also interesting that you bring up it, too, because 
um, actually, before we started recording the show, we were talking about, I was telling you a story about what happened at work this week. A guy from work asked me what my favorite horror film of all time was because he doesn't really know me that personally. And I told him Dawn of the Dead. And uh, he instantly responded, the remake? <laughs> and I was like, dude, come on, man. Don't insult me. And I'm like, no, the original 1970 George Romero classic. And he's like, oh, that movie fucking sucks. And then so, of course, we get into it. But that's a whole different conversation. I was like, you're a fucking idiot. I'm remake like, but, isn't bad, though. But no, I'm not saying the remake isn't good. Oh, you know, yeah, it's, it's not just, as good. Yeah. But it's not my favorite movie, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we get into this conversation with horror films. And I was like, he, he, he basically said that he can't enjoy horror films because he he can't he, – he looks too much into them and he's just, you know – he well, can't deal. He, he can't deal the fact that, like you know, these certain situations just would never happen. So he can't enjoy it. He's like, that wouldn't happen. So yeah. he's one of those. People. He's one of those anyways, people, like my cousin, where I'm watching, uh, yeah. you know, the stepfather, and he's like, and she's, he's like, run, run. What are you doing? That is so stupid. Why wouldn't she run? Why yeah. would she stay? And I'm like, dude, you gotta just chill, suspend exactly. your disbelief a bit. First of all, I've actually been chased by someone, and you do get a little bit confused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, anyways. So Dawn, the, the Dawn of the Dead conversation or argument, whatever you want to call it, led to he, – he brings up It and he goes, what's the deal with the movie It? And he's like, that movie's not scary at all. He goes, that's fucking – that movie's just awful. He's like, it's just a terrible, terrible <laughs> what movie. What does like, he like? And, no, and then he's, he says to me, he's like – he goes, well, he goes like the clown. He's like penny sense. He goes, that guy's not even fucking funny at all, or scary at all. And I'm like, what would you say? Penny and I'm like, size. Penny sense? And I'm like, no, dude. It's Pennywise. <laughs> I started fucking laughing so hard. I, walked, I was penny like, oh sense. Like, said penny like sense. sense. Like sense. Like two cents, three cents. Like penny I was sense. Like, well, I'm like, you were halfway there, buddy. You know, yeah. Penny Sense is close to Penny. Penny Sense like, isn't bad, dude. I'll go yeah, with at least Penny you got Sense. the first name right. Yeah, it's not bad, but yeah. Anyways, I just thought I'd throw that into the you know tell that little story because it had yeah. me fucking cracking up this week. But That's hilarious. But so the, anyway, they said that um, they didn't want to go forward. Much like I've noticed, a lot of these people say this. A lot of these writers. Um, he said he didn't want to go forward with it and forward with it unless he had Stephen King's blessing. So they sent King the script. And he said, go with God, please. This is the version the studio should make. Hmm. That's funny that he has to get Stephen King's blessing. Did the guy who's doing the stand had to get Stephen King's blessing? I believe so. I believe so. He said, I, I think believe it's... something was said about that. People are afraid, afraid to adapt his work now considering, you know, most people think The Shine is a classic film. Stephen King hates it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like... a lot of Stephen King films. Are, Misery's fucking awesome. Pet Cemetery is awesome. Dude. There's a lot of awesome. There's Stephen a mi- films. Stephen King films are amazing. There's Children of the Corn, yeah. uh, fucking The Dead Zone, Carrie. Like, there's a million and, good ones. Cujo. It, you know, it all depends on who you talk to. Like, I mean, in the world of film, a lot of those movies are really good as films. As adaptations, I mean, we all know adaptations are always yeah, quite yeah. different. When have you ever heard somebody say like that adaptation is better than the book? Yeah, I know. I've that, never heard it. That like never no. happens. But, you know, coming from somebody that has a very, very large Stephen King library, and I've read a lot of his books, um, Misery is a great fucking movie. James Conn's awesome. Kathy Bates kills that I fucking movie. I think that's movie. the only Stephen King film to be nominated for – well, Kathy Bates won the Oscar. I think that's like yeah. the only Stephen King film that yeah. – yeah. um, but as an adaptation, it is really good. But I got to say the book is way more violent. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't he get his foot chopped off with a chainsaw in no. the book? Oh, no, wait, but in the, the in the, the book, book, there's one part. There's one part that's fucking awesome. His birthday rolls around, and she cuts off his thumb and uses it as a birthday candle. I, w- <laughs> I wish they had to throw that in the movie. Man. I don't know, man. That might seem. <laughs> think about it. Stephen King it's can morbid. word things. 
perfectly. But I think if that would have been in the movie, it would have came off cheesy or or like comedy. No, I don't think so, man. Because like, I mean, what about the part where she, you know, she puts the boards in between his feet and that is dark and scary. But it's something about like lighting a finger on fire, like on it, like it seems like it could be funny. I mean, you see what I'm saying, Jeremy? Where you're coming from? Yeah, totally. It does come off a little comical, but the tone in the film is so not comedy, though. Like, if if you if you cut off the thumb appropriately, (laughs) appropriately, listen to me. (laughs) What the fuck? Um. But you know what I'm saying? I think you could put that in there and still keep it serious, though. You know, but I do understand where you're coming from. Like lighting a candle. I'll tell you right now, if on, I was making a little the wax film, on the tip of the. <laughs> I think I would have seen that scene in Axted as well, simply because I think that it could have been taken as comedy. But, I mean, in the book, it doesn't come off like that at all. It just, when you read it, it's just, it's brutal. She does a lot more shit to yeah, him. doesn't he, like I said, she basically he, tortures him. Doesn't he get his foot sawed off with a chainsaw in the book? Man, if that happens, I don't remember that. I swore I read that. that the hobbling thing's way better than like it, that part makes me cringe every time I fucking watch in it. In the book, but in the book, she does break his ankles with a sledgehammer, though. Ugh, same ugh, with same with the movie. That part so makes... that is adapted properly, but um, if she cuts, I fuck maybe I just forget that. I don't know. I haven't read it in a lot of years, but I don't know. Yeah. So, so what do you guys think about it being remade? I think it all comes down to the casting of uh, Pennywise. I don't really care to be completely honest. Wow. I'm not a huge fan of the original, so. Wow. Yeah. I've um, seen it once. Maybe I have to rewatch it. You have to. I honestly think it's one. It's the best. It might be the most scary thing that was ever made for TV. Yeah. I have to rewatch it, like I said. That's a pretty bold statement, though, man. I'm telling you, dude, I've met more people who have been scared of it than, like, anything that I've ever – like, personally, it never got me because I didn't see it at the right time. But I had a friend who would beg his mom to go to Pencraft, which is a a mom-and-pop video store when I was a kid, and and he would get it. He would get it and he would take it home and he wouldn't watch it, but he would beg for it every time. He would pop it in and then run, and he'd be like, I don't want to watch it. (laughs) Seriously, just <laughs> the cover's fucking awesome. Yeah, you would see the cover and it would scare the shit out. You know, the video store. to me, to me, it's going to be really hard to replace Tim Curry, though. I mean, Definitely. like you said, it it does come down to casting. Um, but I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm I, I'm curious about the remake. I am really curious, and I I hope it turns out well. But again, I, I mean, do you really honestly think that it needs a remake? Does it need one? No. But I read some of the book and it's very, very dark. Shit you couldn't do on TV. And I don't know, man. If they did it in a film, it would be True nice that. to see all that shit. Yeah. Yeah, that makes more sense. Totally. So, but I mean, yeah, it could be interesting. I will also say that yeah. I don't know why they, like any time a remake happens – like they instantly have to be like, well, we can't have anything from the old one. Like, why can't they just be like, maybe we should get Tim Curry. He did a really good job. Man, mm-hmm. if they got Tim Curry again, that would be baller. I would see that then. I, I mean, wonder if Tim Curry would actually if do it if he got if he got asked stuff to... now. But yeah, he's getting pretty old, isn't he? Yeah, I would imagine so. But I mean, I wonder if he would actually accept it though. You know, like, hey man, you want to reprise your role as man. Penny Sense? <laughs> Tim Curry. Tim Curry has had some memorable roles, man. I, I one of my fa- oh, I yeah. think one of my favorite roles from Tim Curry is from that Tells from the Crypt episode where he plays like multiple people. Yeah, that's a good episode. That's Come on, awesome. man. Rocky Rocky Horror Picture Show, man. Yeah. 
Rocky Horror Picture Show, yeah. He's I mean, awesome even, even if you don't like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, you have to respect the, the performance, though. It's yeah. really good. Yeah, good. It's so, a good voice, man. So, yeah, I know. So, anyway. Fuck you, you never say I talk enough, and then when I talk enough, you laugh at me, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it clearly says in the intro, the guy who doesn't talk enough, and I'm finally talking, you laugh. I know. What does it say in the intro for me, though? Well, your best friend the guy is who talks the too guy much. who talks, talks too, much. too much. So I have to live up to that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm Friday living up to my portion right now. I'm drinking beer. He is. Right? He is. I see you it. Uh, the next bit of news is some interesting news that I got excited for. Um, honestly, any news about these films I get excited for. But apparently some – site caught up with platinum dunes producer brad fuller who is uh producing the new friday the 13th remake which the last time we heard rumored for found footage then we heard it wasn't then we heard it's rumored for 3d then we heard it still is then we heard it was rumored for found footage slash 3d at the same time which uh you know that's weird but hopefully no found footage but we, we did find out new what we found out is they did a 2009 reboot, and now in 2014 we are focusing on a different story of Jason. This will not be a continuation to the 2009 film, nor a remake of the original. It's just a different story. Which, if you guys remember, that was kind of what I thought they was going to do. I said they're just going to make another Jason film. Not really going to follow anything directly. But the big, big, big part of this news is that apparently... Uh, it will take place in the 80s because the producers wanted to recover the feel of the first film. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. I just don't understand why they can't just make another Friday the 13th like, movie that takes place after J- Freddy First Jason. It's like, that'd be cool just to like have like... Is that what they're trying to go at, JP? No, it, to me it sounds like... I call it like the Leprechaun 2 thing. And that's where... Leprechaun 2... Is it a sequel to the original? But all Not the Friday really. 13th sequels aren't really sequels. Yeah, they are. Sort of, yeah, I guess Most so, of them but... are connected. Yeah. But like, Leprechaun 2, cool. does it have anything to do with the first one? It's just another Leprechaun film, right? There's no continuity. War, it's the Warlock 2 syndrome, right? I mean, there's no continuity. It's just another Warlock film. Yeah, yeah. Now, as long as you keep a certain amount of the character Jason, I think it's okay to just make another jason film like part one goes into part two part two goes into part three three goes into four four even goes into five sometimes they kind of ignore the endings a bit five goes into six six goes directly into seven and seven kind of goes into eight right and then nine is like is like a standalone one right like nine is kind of your standalone jason film Yeah, it's definitely standard. Because it doesn't really have like <laughs> continuity with eight. It'll be cool to see Friday the thirteenth eleven. Well, this is the thirteenth one if you count Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, 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 but like Like after, after Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. After I don't want to see after Jason. X. That's that's awful. I don't want to see anything to do in space anymore. No, no, it doesn't have to be in space, but like Well if it's after X have so it's in the future. It's like 2000. Yeah, but Freddy first Jason, you don't see him come back from space. So it's like, why do we have to see him come back from space if they make it right after X? Well, it would be right after Freddy versus Jason then. Okay, sure. No space. 
Uh, no, no I, I mean, I'm down with I'm down with another Jason film, really, as long as they don't try something too gimmicky, like space or like on a boat or something. Jason <laughs> on a boat. <laughs> but you know, like let's just put him in '80s Crystal Lake, dude. That sounds great to me, right? Maybe let's do it during the winter. Yeah, man. Jason at Crystal Lake. He wanders out of the woods and he starts fucking up people at a carnival. How yeah. long? How long has something they didn't do in Texas Chainsaw 3D? How? Yeah, how didn't long, do that. How long has it been since we've seen Jason in Crystal Lake? Now, I don't mean like in Crystal Lake. I mean like where it feels like Crystal Lake. Well, part seven. I would honestly say yeah, part seven, and maybe even. Even Jason X, that one scene with the flashback shit, like the, uh, it really kind of felt like Crystal Lake. That, bit. that shit doesn't count. <laughs> you know, but I'm saying, like, Jason in the winter would be pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting premise, actually. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I love the throwbacks shit, dude. Like, I, I mean, like, setting it in the 80s just sounds great to me. No cell phones. Oh my God. Can we say no cell phones real quick? How awesome is that? Yeah, be? no cell phones. That's great. We love that premise. Yeah, they could they could call it Friday the Thirteenth, comma. But they might have pagers though. N- no cell phones, <laughs> and I'd be like, yes, I'm seeing that. <laughs> All right. So next up, we have uh, a bit of IFC news. IFC has picked up the North American rights to Contracted Phase Two. Cool. Yeah, and this one's supposed to pick up immediately after the first film fucking rights it should the way it ends yeah, yeah that's that, that is pretty interesting says. i that's like what i'm curious about what happens when the movie's over so that's cool that's gonna pick up right after yeah that's totally awesome contracted yeah, was cool. great yeah I mean, it's awesome yeah yeah i still haven't seen it so you should pick it up it's cheap yeah well sometimes well it's 250 on hastings right now um yeah so uh manson girls remember this you guys remember this one? No. Uh, this was supposed to be the like long talked about film based on Charlie Manson and the Manson family. Uh, but the cool thing about it was that Charles Manson was going to be played by none other than Bill Mosley. Um, and it's been talked about for a long time. Apparently, it's actually finally ready to shoot uh, next February. So this February. You know what? I think that's really good casting. Yeah. Are you I think serious? Bill Mosley. I think Bill Mosley could play fucking Manson. That is Manson probably great. the best casting, like the most spot on casting I've ever even heard of. Yeah, it'll yeah, be like pretty good. So good. Yeah. It's like so good. Like I've met when I remember when they announced this was like 2012 when they announced this thing, and I was like Bill Mosley. Like I'm just picturing Otis. Well, I mean, like fuck, dude, it's better than their first choice. I mean, I heard that they're going to go with Jake Busey. <laughs> really? I couldn't get that. I was. I just laughing. have ginger dead man in my head. I couldn't get that that's out without laughing. That's not Jake Busey. Who is it? Gary Busey. Is oh, that... it's fucking close enough. He has <laughs> a Jake last line. name. Jake Busey's the bad guy way from, awesomer. from The Frightener. From The Frighteners. But no, it just... It was a I was close. <laughs> I actually like Gary Busey, man. I was Gary close. Busey's awesome. Yeah, he was, he was the shit uh, Surviving the game. Have you seen Surviving the game, dude? Yeah, man, with his iced tea. crazy nutso story about his him throwing firecrackers at a dog is like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's oh, an awesome God. movie. Borderline horror. Not really. 
No. No. But survival. It's, it's like survival, which is borderline horror. I mean, you put yourself into Ice T's position. Yeah, it's fucking definitely horrific. Yeah. Well, I remember. <laughs> suck. I remember but. when I was a kid, the scene where he sees like what they've been doing in all those jars was kind of scary to me when I was a kid, and I seen that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, this is supposed to follow the you know real life Manson thingy thing. Uh, Monica Keenan's in it, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, some people from Texas Chainsaw 3D is in it, uh, and uh, I think the remake, the 2003 uh, one. And I hear that Ron Jeremy's making a cameo. Ron Jeremy, if you go on IMDb, he has the highest number of actor credits than anybody. That is so I think, ridiculous. I think he has like 1,200. I'll look one sec. That's crazy. And like a thousand of those are pornos? No, none of them are pornos. Yeah, they list oh. porn on IMDb. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, they definitely do. One sec, I'll check. I always yeah, find it weird funny. when I see it, though, because I'm like, oh. <laughs> Me and Moose right. were on Amazon one night, and we found some porno on Amazon. It's crazy. That, that is weird. like porno on Amazon. He has, like when... he has 1,385 credits. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> wow. Um. So next, uh, we, have, we learned that Paramount, is actually moving forward 100% with uh, Paranormal Activity 5, The Ghost Dimension. Uh, <laughs> that subtitle was awful. The Ghost Dimension? The Fuck, what is this? It sounds like Insidious. <laughs> Wasn't it supposed to come out in February? So check this out. No, it was originally so is supposed this the to come fifth out. One? So th- this is like the fifth one, but it's technically the sixth film? Well, if you count Tokyo Nights, it's the seventh one. Oh man, this is getting worse than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Matt. <laughs> but no, there's there's four films in the original chronological official story. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. there's the marked ones, which is a spinoff, but it still has somewhat continuity from what I hear. I haven't seen these films. And yeah, now see, the that's, what one, that's what I'm always been confused about. It's supposed to be a spinoff, but it has continuity. That's so weird. That's what a spinoff is kind of though, right? When you have a spinoff, I, usually it takes like characters or some little subplot and then takes it into its own show. Like I guess. Most of the but, time where it's sitcoms, but it's still, that's it's still confusing. That. Yeah. Um, so originally it was supposed to come out March 13th, 2015. They Damn, I gave it. false news in my class. They delayed it? Okay. <laughs> I, I told him it was coming out in March. Okay, well, listen. They delayed it, but apparently now, apparently it's already been begun filming, and they're re- trying to get it out by March 13th, 2015. So they they canceled it from that date, and then out of nowhere, they're like, yeah, we filmed some of it, and we're hoping that we can still meet that original March 13th uh, release. Man, that's not too far away. Yeah. It's like three months. Yeah, and also, they are planning to release it in 3D. Oh, oh, oh. great. Not only is the whole premise gimmicky, but they're going to release it in the gimmick of 3D. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. Not just any 3D. Post-conversion 3D. 3D. What the fuck is that? What, post-conversion? It's where they they don't don't film film it it. in 3D. They just, like, use some, like, fucking filter to, like, switch it around. It's it's so stupid. It's, like, old-school 3D or some shit. Such a fucking gimmick for money. It's Uh, so bad. It's so bad. But guess what? We're going to be covering these things, dude. How awesome is yeah. that? I'm going yeah, to see Godard's right. new film in 3D in a few weeks. I'm excited about that. 
next up, we have Ui Bull says that he wants to make Rampage 3, and he started up an Indiegogo campaign to help with that. Is Rampage 2 even shot yet? Yeah, it's been out. It, it's out. Oh, really? Yeah. They was in, like, all the Walmarts. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah. That's I heard it doesn't say, like... I heard mixed things, but I heard that actually some people enjoyed it, though. But I guess that's what it is expected of those films, but... Yeah. Indiegogo, eh? Wow. That's uh, interesting. Next up, AMC has officially ordered a pilot for Preacher. Now, this is based off of a comic book. Uh, apparently it's pretty badass. It's like a 90s comic book about like a preacher who uh, is in like Texas and there's probably like some demons and God and weird shit. But uh, apparently like it's a pretty cool comic that has like a big following. Um, and it is supposed to be produced uh, in the summer of 2015 and will be up for series consideration in 2016. So it's quite a while away. Not really. It's only a year. No, no. It'll be up for consideration because they make a pilot, right? And then they show it to the studios. And then yeah. if it gets picked up, then you have to go through the whole filming and produ- production process. So by 2016, we'll know if we're getting the show. But then okay. they have to make it. Yeah, okay. So it's a while away. Uh, yeah, after that, we have a bit of surprising, like, kind of cool, um, convenient uh, coincidence type news. And that is. That uh, Gutterballs 2 is, like, happening. It's called Gutterballs 2. Some of it's already shot. And there is a Indiegogo campaign up uh, where you can donate. They already have 7258 out of the $20,000 uh, raised. Go support it. Yeah, there's a couple different things you can do there. You can uh, pay 20 bucks and get the DVD. Even the Jew gave him $25, so that should tell you something. Yeah, you I've... go and contribute. What'd you get? The yeah. Gutterballs double penetration pen- <laughs> penetration DVD? I, I got the Blu-ray, so whatever the Blu-ray price was. $30. Okay, so I gave him 30 But that's in CAD dollars. Okay, so it was So that would be 26. like... six. <laughs> yeah, it's not too much difference, but... Yeah, I'm definitely going to be... Uh, contributing to that i gotta start keeping track of all these uh these campaigns that i've been contributing to <laughs> yeah <laughs> because sure you never get, get you're never gonna get your shit it's just gonna be like yeah. some movie that moods donated to like four years ago is like never got made and he's like isn't i supposed to get a dvd of this shit <laughs> i know man <laughs> but i'm pretty sure this is actually gonna get made i mean yeah. he raised that much money already that's crazy well, didn't so. he say some of it was already shot for like he's, he said that on his Facebook page that he already shot some of it. Does he any, might have. Yeah. Does anybody know the the original budget of the original film? Not very um, high. No, no idea. I'll look. Yeah. Are you so impressed, this, JP? Uh, with the budget? <laughs> well, you asked about it, so I'm. Well, assuming. I mean, I have to know what the budget is. If you tell me he had like twenty five thousand dollars, you might say no. Let me see. Twenty five thousand for the first one? Yeah. Who knows? I mean what? it probably costs a little bit to rent out that bowling alley. Two hundred and fifty K. Really? Yeah. That's that movie quite a lot. Two hundred and fifty thousand? Yeah, that's what it says. Holy Is that crap. IMDB telling you that? IMDB Wikipedia. 
Okay. Man. Just ask Ryan. He'll tell I would. I would like to ask him because I don't – I mean unless that bowling alley – I mean honestly – if it's you a tell big me bowling that, like, alley. I, the bowling I've alley there. costs like, you know, a lot, I would believe you. So hopefully the majority of that budget went towards that because if not, I don't know what the hell the money went for. The effects, man. Look at the fucking effects. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Uh, okay. Man, are you really going to get my blood pissing already, JP? Yeah. I Dude, mean – I've yeah, seen I'm, amazing effects done for like literally like, you know, like – yeah, a hundred dollars. Yeah, I'm assuming probably a lot of that goes to the usage of that. Um, yeah, like if you told me it costs like uh, ten thousand dollars like a day or something, I would believe you. Even more than that, I would believe you. It's a big bowling alley because because you don't. Yeah, one, it's badass looking. It's like one of the coolest bowling alleys I've ever even seen. Yeah. Like, and two. You don't have a bowling alley. You don't even got to film. So I could see spending a mm-hmm. ton of money on that. Although they did – they obviously recorded or they filmed everything after it was closed and stuff too. So that is quite interesting. It's not like they had to close down the joint. So I can't imagine it costing $10,000 a night. But Well, I would be curious to see what the money went for if it was really 250000 because let's say you didn't probably have to pay the actors much, right? So where no. did the money go? I'm – I mean, just, I mean, the original scores, the original soundtracks. Um, I don't know. I mean, just money. I don't know. Making a movie is expensive, man. Who knows? I mean, yeah, like, the music but, in this was, yeah. I mean, like, I'll just throw it back to the battery. That shit was made for, like, $5,000. And that has a great score, great soundtrack, stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm just, cu- I'm real curious. Because, like, that kind of actually, like, I'm almost wishing that it wasn't true. Because, uh... Like I thought this was like this super indie, like low budget thing. Two hundred fifty is quite a high budget, man, for for a film like this. Yeah. So I would be interested to find that out. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, Horns. That is the Daniel Radcliffe film. Alexander Aja. It's hitting DVD and Blu-ray January sixth of two thousand fifteen. Mm. That is being released by Anchor Bay. Once again, <laughs> Anchor Bay. Awesome. I've actually heard good things about this film, though. It looks honestly every ever since I first seen the like original artwork with those stupid horns, I was like, "This looks awful." Yeah, but I've heard good things, so it's like weird. It's confusing me. Yeah, I've surprisingly heard good things too. I mean, honestly, I'm kind of interested in seeing it, so I'll check it out. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have uh, a film called. Uh, Preservation, and this was a film that we talked about a while back. It's finally got picked up and going to be released uh, on VOD on January 9th, 2015. This one follows three family members head deep into the woods for a hunting trip that doubles as a distraction from their troubles at home. When all of their gear is stolen, they turn on each other but soon realize there's much more treacherous forces at work. Sounds good to me. I like those type of movies. Mm, hopefully there's Bigfoot in that film. That'd Bigfoot? Awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking it – I seen like a picture. I think it's like uh, Backwoods guys. Like, like uh, backwoods it's like killers. it's like a hillbilly film? Cool. Yeah. Which It'd I like cool if they had a pet Bigfoot though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They just don't make any good Bigfoot films, man. I know. We had this They're conversation. so fucking hit and miss. I just want to see – that would be cool though. 
you know, backwoods hillbillies and they, they actually have a, you know, a trained up Bigfoot. That'd be fucking, that's awesome. Um, Who doesn't want to see that shit? <laughs> I can't even process this right now. <laughs> it's because it's such a good idea. I'm telling you, man. We can make that film for about 250000 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yeah, we could. And it would look awesome. But <laughs> next up, Anger Bay, uh, once again, is releasing a film called The Atticus Institute. Um, this is going to be available on DVD and Blu-ray January 21st. Or that, that might be a terrible. typo. It might be the 20th. Um, cause it says 20 st the 20 st <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, this one sounds absolutely awful to me. It's like some like possession shit with like some doctors and some kind of institution where they have like oh, God, the U S department of defense next. and fucking next. Yeah, next. That sounds pretty shitty. Fuck man. Typical so anchor bay. I'm so tired of he- – what did they – did they purposely go out and try to find the worst films to release? Yeah, I know. Okay, so um, hold up one second. That was a bad cough. But my last little piece of news, then I'll kick it to Jeremy for something special, uh, is Scream Factory uh, went and gave an update on some of their films, announced a couple titles, and then an unannounced a title. So – um, <laughs> so first of all, uh, Phantom of the Opera uh, is going to be out two seventeen. New Year's Evil will be out two fourteen. Uh, and okay, now seriously, how does Scream Factory even fuck that up? New Year's Evil is out in February. <laughs> they couldn't even they couldn't get that shit out for fucking you know yeah. for New Year's. Yeah, it's pretty. Well, lame. Seriously, Scream I Factory, would get, from... you guys are shitting. The fuck you! I don't really consider that shitting the bed because it's like, do you want them? Do you want them to rush out a title before it's ready, or would you rather them? Well, dude, they announced it. How long? I mean, they've had this in the works. I mean, why wouldn't they try to push that one for New Year's? I mean, come on, dude. I'm sure they probably did try to do that. Well, no, the original the original release date I think was always for next year. Yeah, but I mean, like they have tons of films that they're there. I, I, I mean, I honestly, I understand this, but I'm process. saying, if you have a title like New Year's Evil, get that shit out for New Year's. That's fucking good marketing right there. Mm-hmm. You know, get it out. So, I mean, that's just me. Yeah, <clears> I don't <throat> really think it matters. No, it does, man. It does. <laughs> you're, it's like releasing it the week after. Yeah, New but Year's. you're acting it's like, like it's a fuck? big like film. Like this is like you know how many people are gonna pick this up. Well, there is a lot of people that already know about this film and even own it like I do. But I'm just saying, you want to sell a little more copies, maybe market it. Hey, man, we're releasing this on New Year's fucking, or you know, two days before New Year's or whatever. It's great. It's good for marketing. Yeah. Come on, man. Well, guess what? They did announce that they will be announcing. They announced that they will be announcing the extras for New Year's Evil on, you guessed it, New Year's Eve. So no, that's so not the fucking same. Yeah, <laughs> that is not the same. Listen, I really don't. I honestly, this this is like one of the least affecting things that, like, I, I can't even process. Like, even having the least bit of care for that particularly. Now, if it's something like the Halloween box set, yeah, you want to get that out before Halloween, like they what did. The fuck is the difference, yeah, man? Isn't the it's a big, big set. You know what I mean? Like nobody's yeah. gonna watch all the Halloween films in, in a set after Halloween. It's like, what Dude, the hell's the point? 
it's like <clears throat> if they were releasing, say, Silent Night, Deadly Night, After you know, Christmas. And, and they released it like in fucking January, people would be like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, I man? agree, because that is more of a like a holiday that has a feel. What the hell does New Year's feel like? I don't even care about New Year's. I don't know. New Year's feels like really bad hats and fucking sh- shitty champagne. Like, I don't honestly, know, I won't even watch Christmas films out of season, and I barely watch Halloween-themed films out of season. New Year's films, I'll watch them any time of year because I don't really care about that damn holiday because it doesn't have a special feeling to me. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't go for everybody. I'm sure there's other people out there who'd be like, hey, I want, for, I want fucking New Year's evil on New Year's. Yeah, you know? and his name. But unfortunately, is now, so if you're if if everybody else was like Listen. you and they watch like themed, you know, horror films like on their particular, you know, holiday days, so you get this film in February. These motherfuckers aren't gonna be able to watch this shit for fucking nine more months. <laughs> I know. Until right? fucking, you but know, listen, it's like, dude. oh, I gotta wait till fucking nine more months to watch this shit. That's ridiculous. I'll tell you right man. now, if the release date was January twenty fourth. You still wouldn't even have it till February 31st anyway, so I don't even care. <laughs> Fucking so I don't know what you That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. Touche. Um, so Blackula Scream Blackula, or Blackula and Scream Blackula Scream uh, are street dated for 3-3 now. And I think that was the original street date as well. Uh, then we have Dog Soldiers finally get, getting released. I mean, you want to talk about a delayed release, right? It's like a year later or more. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is a collector's edition. That's a cool cover. Pre-order it. I love that yeah. film. I think the okay. werewolf, that, those are my favorite kinds of werewolves, the ones in that film. Yeah, okay, cool so cover. I was reading actually just a couple hours ago before we started recording. I was flipping through Facebook like an idiot. And um, I came across someone's post, and they were talking about uh, how Screen Factory's Blu-ray release of Dog Soldiers is just going to be an up-converted fucking, you know, DVD quality and totally not in HD. Did you guys hear anything about this? No. Because this is the first I've heard of this, and I was like, what? Well, I'm like, I can't imagine Screen Factory. I know Screen Factory has not been on the ball as of late, but seriously, they're not going to pull that shit. Come yeah, on. What are they going to do, just make a 1080i? Like, yeah, yeah, like, and I was like, where did they even get this? So I like tried to Google it, and I was like, I don't, I'm not fucking finding anything. So I think people are just making shit up on Facebook. Well, I, apparently, it seems like anytime you bring something that I haven't heard, that it, I can't find it either. So I don't no, know who was, these friends are that you're talking to. Dude, I, I'm never on the general feed either. It's yeah, so I'm, funny, and I just happened to read this. I was like, dog soldiers up converted. I was like, what? I'm like, that's fucking bullshit. Listen, yeah, that is bullshit. But yeah, they're, they're, that's not gonna happen. I, the reason I don't see that happening is because if they w- were, were too lazy to do the, uh, or they wanted to try to cheat people and do the the release, you know, not do the transfer themselves and stuff, they would just release the other Blu-ray that was put out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would just release that transfer. Not the DVD like upscaled. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, uh, Invad- Invaders of Mars, Ghoulies, Carrie, the Carrie the Rage Two, and Class of uh, 1994 all are planned to have an April release. Um, and then they announced one new title, two new titles. The first being a contemporary film, and this is a creature feature called The Dark Hall. Or it Dark- looks really shitty. I think it looks awesome. That cover looks shitty. <laughs> I think it looks awesome, actually. Yeah, I like it. This is like right up my alley. I like like creature features and shit like that. So, uh, this was actually premiered on the Sci Fi Network, which give, gives me a little yeah. bit less hope. But yeah. you know, 
Uh, we'll do it on the show when it comes out. Yep, we will. And it'll be on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, I don't think they announced oh, March 10th they will release that one. So that's not too long from now, actually. No. Um, and then after that, they announced – what was that last film they announced? It was uh, – oh, yeah. It was like Jaws like 5 or Cruel's Jaws. They yeah. announced that one too. Yeah. It's supposed that's... to be paired with uh, Exterminators of the Year 3000. These are like some like ri- – the theme for this release was like ripoffs. Yeah. Apparently, like Cruel Jaws was like a like a legit like rip off, like stealing kind. So they had to axe that one. It's kind of unprofessional to announce something and then cancel it. It is so pathetic, actually, yeah. because everybody knows the story with Cruel Jaws. It was never allowed to be released here in, in North America because of all the the footage and stuff that was used in the film, and it was all copyrighted and yeah, stuff. Yeah. So that's why it was never released over here. How did they not know this? Like, this is not new news, man. This has been known for years and years and years. The movie's a complete, basically, it's just ripped off from, I mean, there's dialogue, there's scenes, there's everything. How did they not know about this? But what gets me is that they announced this title and the next day pulled it. Yeah. Like, the next day. So, obviously, people wrote on their Facebook or whatever, someone like, hey, man, like, what about the copyrighted shit? (laughs) And they kind of looked into it. But, like, how do you not know this before? Like, I mean, seriously? really think about that for a second i mean it's really unprofessional i mean when i saw that cruel jaws was getting released i was like what i was like okay you get a boner well Well, i was like well what about all the fucking material because i remember all of the talk from years ago about this it's pretty bad it's pretty blatant actually have you guys ever watched the movie before no it's absolutely hilarious it's actually on youtube um but oh my god (laughs) seriously how do they not know this man it's crazy yeah, that does it have an official total. release outside of the U.S.? Um, it actually does. It does. Um, yeah. I think there's actually a Japanese or there's yeah a Japanese release, and I think there's actually an Italian release of it too, like that are official. So yeah. Well, my thing was like one. I don't. I don't think it's you know that that big of a deal to unannounce something when you find out something has changed. But I do. Find it like extremely annoying that like how and actually dumbfounding and like puzzling that like I don't know how so many people wouldn't have noticed that before they announced it because uh, like it can't just be like one guy who like acquires titles and then he's like well I'm gonna announce this one right yeah like like, that team of people. Well, there is a team and like all these guys, you know, they must know film and they must know histories of things and stuff. Like how does everybody that's involved with this process miss this? Yeah, it it is pretty. It's pretty fucking mind blowing, man. It just, wow. That caught me off guard. Like I remember when, like when I first saw the, you know, the announcement, I was like, I, I didn't really know what to think. And then of course the next day, everyone was like, well, of course. Because it's copyrighted, you can't release that here. Well, this is this <laughs> like, is my thought processing behind it. Okay, somebody owns the film, right? Somebody has to own the film. It's not public domain, all right. So, yeah. whoever they were going to license the film from, they just assumed if uh, we can buy this film from this person, like like maybe there's some reason that the copyright doesn't apply to like these scenes or something. You know what I'm saying? So I can see how maybe like you you wouldn't full. It still isn't an excuse because it is really ridiculous. But I mean, there is ways that we're not maybe thinking of that that because we don't know about the process, right? Well, I mean, it goes back to like the whole thing of even Spielberg trying to you know basically sue 
if they released it in America and stuff. And see, I mean, this is I didn't know that. Yeah, see, there was like a whole yeah. big thing about. Yeah, this I've film, even heard that. Yeah, right. And and I'm just like, oh my god, wow, so crazy. But I don't know, man. I, I can't I can't defend him on this one. It just seems. But I mean, it happened so quick, right? They they announce it one day, and then the very next day, they're like, okay, we have to pull this. So I mean, it, they obviously got the point real fucking quick. Yeah. yeah. But how do you not look into? I mean, all it would have taken is the day before that they announced it. Hey, let's look into this film and see what the fucking history is with this. You know, I mean, it's obviously yeah. they don't acquire a film on a Monday. Tuesday, they're going. Well, you know, tomorrow we're going to announce this, and then Thursday, fucking pull it. It doesn't happen that quick. I don't know, man. Whole, it might. I mean, I've heard no them say way. like we didn't get the deal done in time, like a day before they were supposed to announce something. Like, I mean, sometimes they get a deal done and announce it the next day. They really do do that. Yeah, I know, but still, you have to do some research, you know, leading up to the the acquirement of that film. I agree, right? but also, you know, it's not like say, Sunday night the guy came to him and was like, "Hey, man, you guys want cruel jaws?" Like, fuck yeah! <laughs> Monday they announced it. Tuesday, like, sorry guys, cocktees. Was it really <laughs> one day? I thought it was. I thought it was like three days later. Well, no, it was actually the next, the day. next day. They okay. literally. The next day, I was like, "That's why I was like, wow, that was quick." Yeah, I would actually be curious. Like the the only thing that I can blame is the companies for not actually filling us in on how these things work. If we knew how like the acquisition process goes, then we could determine like if there's there's a hundred percent blame. Obviously, there is in this case, but I mean. I find it frustrating sometimes where you have a bunch of people who actually don't know the process, but we all feel like we do. And I do it too. And I would actually be interested to know the process because I'm sure it's not as simple as everybody makes it out to be. Honestly, I just want to find out who these people are that didn't know anything about Cruel Jaws going into this, man. You're looking at it from a perspective of you though. Somebody who's seen like every damn horror film. Yeah, but I haven't though, and I'm not saying that I'm, you know, that I know everything at all, but I'm just saying Cruel Jaws is not a film I think about on a daily basis at all. It's just when it got announced, I was like, wow, did they get the rights to release this? Because mm-hmm. I knew the story, like, I, I just by chance, right? And maybe it's because it's known as Jaws 5. Yeah. You know, and maybe, you know, that whole thing with Spielberg and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, really? Like, these guys are supposed to be, you would think for the most part very knowledgeable and kind of experts in this you know i mean it's not like it's it's fucking steven spielberg news man seriously yeah well like i said (laughs) we don't really know like where it comes from like like remember i told you guys a story about the the scream factory heads who were like we don't want yeah we don't want to release uh miss 45 because it's too violent and shit you know what i'm Mm -hmm. saying so like so what if those guys are in charge of it you know, like maybe I mean it, it's still the it's responsible for other people to be like, hey guys, uh, you know, I actually know stuff about this film, and I'm not sure we could release it. I'm a hundred percent in agreement that it's the silliest damn mistake, and there's no excuse for it really. But I think it's interesting to kind of talk about all aspects of it instead of just saying like, yep, they a hundred percent you know screw up, screwed up on this one, which they did, but we can at least talk about some of the other stuff too. But I mean, this is, I mean, you know, Screen Factory was having a pretty good run there for a while. And it, you know, in the last lately. couple, in the last couple months, it's been pretty bad. Like, I mean, it's with a lot the, of MGM garbage, you know, the whole thing with the Nightbreed set being shipped out to fucking people. I don't, but have I'm you heard anything about that. about that lately though? 
Um, I actually talked to someone the other day that got one in the mail when they ordered the other one. Still get it on Amazon. And they and they were like, I didn't send it back. Yeah, but. Anyways, but I mean that whole thing with the, I mean that was kind of a major fuck up on their end. I mean <clears throat> it didn't really hurt the fans. It kind of well some fans maybe, but you know some benefited. Who knows? The Halloween but the whole disc, thing, but that was more Anchor ha- Bay. Yeah, that the, the Halloween disc. You know this whole fiasco with Cruel Jaws and also Hellhole. Yeah, you know which, them announcing that film and all of a sudden pulling that one because yeah. of you know all that the negatives whatever the fuck it was. But I'm like, wow, it's like one thing after but that's, another. That's right a now. better excuse, though. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's a hundred percent valid excuse. And lastly, yeah. them not releasing New Year's Evil on fucking New Year's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I really like agree on this. I am playing devil's advocate. Oh, fuck, of course you are. But, Keanu. you know, I 100% agree that Scream Factory is where they was originally with that the first, you know, year of releases. They're about halfway from where how much I like them now. And that's a huge drop off. You know what I mean? Like, I actually, besides the Nightbreed set, there's not one real title that I'm like super duper excited for. Yeah, next year is pretty pretty shoddy man i mean it's all mgm titles that's, you know, that's all thing. it's you know always been almost besides a couple you know, of universal here and there yeah i mean i mean honestly the best thing screen factory could possibly do for their for their selves right now is to acquire some other deals yeah 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 you know they have to do it man because mgm they're obviously out of films i mean they're releasing fucking vampires like they're releasing <laughs> once bitten and shit i mean Honestly, dude, that's not tickling people's pickles right now. Well, the, the I mean, let's be frank is, here, man. Let's be frank. I mean, I'm more excited about these sci-fi films than I am about yeah, one with fucking yeah, yeah, Jim Carrey. I mean, I mean, there's still some talk. titles in there that I'm excited for, but like, remember when they announced like, uh, you know, the town that dreaded sundown and shit like that? Like, that was exciting. Yeah, yeah. and I haven't really been getting that, but I will say that. You know, one of the problems is with this is they can get contemporary titles like that new Takashi Miike film and stuff like that. But which is cool, yeah, which is cool. I'm, I'm, I like that side of Scream Factory still. I like what they're doing there. But the problem is they're running out of MGM titles. And let's let's also look at it this way: Scream Factory isn't the only company that has the the um, reign over the MGM vault, okay? Because there's MGM titles that other companies are releasing as well. Uh, yeah, Arrow. Isn't Twilight Arrow. Twilight Time doing MGM stuff too? Yeah, yeah, and so is Arrow. Okay, so yeah, but Arrow's UK, right? It's different. Well, it's still a company, but but no, but I mean, it's different process. Like, there's different rules because it's not it's not MGM. It's MGM UK, which actually owns different films from MGM United States. Yeah, but you're right, you're right. so also we have uh, the 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 market has been like shrunk and there is like six or seven studios they own everything right now it's like paramount lionsgate uh dimension slash weinstein company uh warner brothers fox and like a couple other ones and they own everything everything they own all the vaults like for example lionsgate owns artisan and uh trimark and all of those old vestron all those old you know video companies and mm-hmm. all of, all everything is owned by like six people now. So it's really hard to get into the door to get some of these old films because let's face it, like they have exclusive <clears throat> deals with other people and these people have deals with these people and it's hard to get in. Now, 
normally when a year ends, sometimes that's times for deals to expire and new deals to be created. So let's hope that this year coming up, Screen Factory can get in. That would be a good announcement. You know, let's hopefully uh, Screen Factory's announcement on New Year's this year is that they're announcing that they got a new deal with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they (laughs) don't even care about titles. Let's just say, hey, man, we we acquired the rights to fucking, I don't know, Vestron or fucking Old Wizard or something like that. And I'm like, oh, God. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be pretty. Wizard would be cool. They said, you know, there's a lot of, yeah. They said they also have a few more films to announce which will be a mix between contemporary and some retro surprises, plus two more collector's editions planned for the summer. Uh, once they get it all yeah, cleared I, up, they'll announce stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, hopefully the retro stuff is, you know, like really, really good retro stuff that we are that we get excited about. I mean, honestly, dude, Scorpion is the most exciting company right now for me because they keep announcing like awesome stuff like you know they just released island claws and shit like that like cool films like that that are really obscure and shit like yeah that's what i want to see man that, but, that's fucking gnarly but the problem is crap. if you don't have those tent poles like you're not going to be like scream factory is one of the bigger dvd companies you know out there I'm just saying they need to go out and just try. And yeah, they need to mix it up is what they do need yeah. to do. What I yeah. think is going to happen, one of two things. I think this is going to be the year that makes or breaks Scream Factory. And if not, I think Scream Factory are going to go down to a couple titles every – or a, a title or two every couple months. Uh, yeah. I think that's yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, they're in fucking – they're in, you know – They're in a hole. They're in a very interesting predicament right now because yeah. the, all the next titles that they've announced, so they could, a lot of people, I've voiced their opinions, and most people are saying that you know they're not very excited about them and stuff. And you know if they don't sell well, yeah, they're going to have to go down to a couple titles here and there. And you know, like you said, this is I think this is the year for them. So yeah, let's hope let's hope that these obscure titles and these announcements are to our liking because I mean, really, I mean, fucking once bitten. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. Jeremy, do you have uh, a little bit more news? Sure, sure. I got a few things. Uh, first is some Fright Brag news. Um, December 9th at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, uh, Fright Rags is releasing a slate of Silent Night Deadly Night shirts. Um, they have a limited edition box set, which is $125. Which when includes, was this going on sale? Or go- uh, December Ninth Tuesday, nice. December 9th at 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Pacific. No, 7 o'clock Pacific, sorry. So this includes a limited edition box set, which is $125, which comes with uh, a Saturday Night Deadly Night shirt, a limited edition ugly sweater, which is interesting. It's like an 8-bit Saturday Night Deadly Night uh, poster art on this sweater. Uh, comes with a custom, a really cool ornament of the guy on the antlers with punished crosses across his chest. It also comes in a special collector's box with a special edition stocking. So that's $125 available on December 9th, limited to $225. They're also just releasing the shirt and the sweater separately also on December 9th. These are not limited once they're gone, they'll just go into the graveyard. Uh, they're $27 for the t-shirt and $50 for the sweatshirt. Uh, the t-shirt's really cool. Um, I really like it. I recommend you guys go check it out. 
And, of course, that will be available on December 9th. Also, um, Cult Epics announced today that on Feb- in February, Necromantic 2 will be released on Blu-ray, limited to 5,000, which will probably Thank get... Thank you, Cult Epics. Which will probably get boosted up to 10,000. Because think about it. If you was one of the 10,000 It's 10, a little teaser people, limited run number. If yeah. you was one of the 10,000 people that bought Necromantic, 5,000 of you won't be able to have both of them. That's fucked up. Yeah. Ow. But yeah, um, all it says is a release date in February, so that's very cool. Well, fortunately, all three of us are proud owners of the first one, so let's yep. hope we can get all get the second one. Yeah. I'll be jumping on that, though. Yeah, I'll get that. Yeah. Yeah. Necromantic 2 is really hard to find, so this is awesome that they're releasing it. But mm-hmm. Well, they yeah. both were hard to find for me. I mean, I've known about them for years, and they were like real weird oh, yeah. to acquire. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. That's it. All right. Cool. So that's it for the news. Yeah. All righty. Yeah, so getting into mood swings here and the DVD and Blu-ray releases for December 9th, 2014. And, yeah, it has really come to a halt at the end of this year. There's not really a lot being announced. Um, I will note from last week... Um, just one major release that came out, the Tales from the Crypt Vault of Horror double feature from Screen Factory came out last week. So uh, if you do not have that, run out and grab it. Um, I actually do have that in my possession, and um, it's a good release, really good release. Also, So um, Above, So Below came out last week, which is actually getting really solid reviews, so I'm interested to check that out. It's 10 bucks on Hastings. Yeah, that one, yeah, I, I mean, it kind of piques my interest a little bit, but... No, I mean, I've heard really good reviews on it. Mm-hmm. I know Scotty really liked it. Like, top ten of the year reviews. Wow, crazy. All right, uh, first up here from... I'm not even sure who's releasing this one. It says Strand Releasings, uh, which is The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears. Uh, this one's re- being released on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, I actually didn't realize this was coming out this year in Region 1 because I actually have a Region 2 <laughs> DVD of this. So, um, But yeah, um, heard really, really good things. I have not watched yet, and it's actually sitting right in front of me. <laughs> I need to watch this movie. I've heard good things, though. Is, is um, this one – this is a new film, right? Yeah, yeah. It's from 2014. <clears throat> yeah, this actually played at Toronto, um, and uh, I've heard good things about this one too. And I like the cover. Yeah, I'll be checking it out real, real soon. Um, next up, we got Day of the Mummy. Uh, I recently watched a review by Dave, Mr. Parker, on YouTube. Um, he basically said this movie is kind of like a video game. Yeah? <laughs> kind of very kind of very odd. It has that type of feel to it. Wait, wait, like, inter- like He animatic? says it's entertaining. Yeah, he says it's entertaining, but it's it's not a great movie by is any means. Is it like means, cinematic well, video game-like? Or like, I'll actually talk yeah. to you guys about it later because I watched it this week as well. Oh, interesting. All right, so then we got Under the Dome Season 2 being released on DVD and Blu-ray. So if you're a fan of that show, you know, definitely check it out. Uh, I have not even seen one episode. Uh, I watched the first season, like, uh, probably like four or five episodes. Actually, all right, man. I was kind of into it. And it was just one of those things where, like, I'll wa- if if there's a new show that premieres, I'll be like, all right, I like the first couple episodes. Now I'm going to stop before it gets too good, and then I'll just wait till I grab it on video because I can't stand waiting week to week. Yeah. Nice. 
All right, then we got from Raro Video, uh, Slaughter Hotel is being released this uh, Tuesday, which I am super, super stoked yeah, for. That it sounds dope. Is there yeah. more of a slasher name than that? Yeah, which is very interesting that you bring that up too, because it's directed by Fer- Fernando Di Leo, um, and uh, he's really known for his Italian crime films. This is like actually one of the only horror films that he ever directed, and uh. he's like actually one of the biggest influences for guys like you know Tarantino and a lot of like action film directors in, in you know in North America and stuff. Um, so this is interesting. I've never seen this film, but I really want to check it out because I actually just picked up a lot of Fernando Di Leo stuff about nine or ten films. So. Um, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm really stoked for this. And then we got, uh, uh, ex- extent. What is it? Extent season one. Have you, you guys know about this show? JP? No. Uh, never extent. really heard of it. And I don't even yeah. see it. I'm wondering where you're seeing this at. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's called extent. It just kind of caught me off guard. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about this one. So TV show season one on DVD and Blu-ray. Okay. Uh, then we got a release called, now this title just kind of cracks me up. It's called You Can't Kill Stephen King. Um, yeah, and it actually has nothing to do with Stephen King. Yeah, apparently, yeah. It, uh, that's exactly what the cover looked like. What, that's some good marketing, though, right? I mean, because Stephen King's name pops. As soon as you hear Stephen King, you're instantly interested. Your ears perk up. So they take a film title and they have has nothing to do with Stephen King, but they found a way to get people to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. It's it's mean spirited, but (laughs) it works. What does the cover look like? Uh, It's just got a girl on it. It's probably shitty, dude. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Next up, we got a film released by Scorpion. Releasings called uh, Strip to Kill. Uh, This one looks awesome. Um, It is being released on DVD just right now. They have announced that they're going to be releasing a Blu-ray later on down the road, so I don't know why they didn't come out at the same time. That's kind of odd, but anyway, Strip to Kill. Then we got the, I believe this is the Diamond Edition of Gremlins, 30th anniversary, yeah, which is coming out. Yeah, you can out. get Gremlins in the dump bin, so who the hell's yeah. going to rebuy it? Yeah, it's exactly. It's a book. Yeah. And I love Gremlins, but... Uh, not really horror, but I guess you can kind of lump it in there a little bit, but Natural Born Killers, uh, special edition, 20th anniversary, Diamond Deluxe editions coming out. Um, yeah, I don't know why they really have this lumped in here, but They always whatever. got this shit lumped in there. Yeah. Natural Born Killers, great film, but I don't know about horror. But uh, And then last up for the releases that I got here is uh, Dead Snow, uh, Red vs. Dead, Dead Snow 2, basically, on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, I've been hearing a lot of good things about it's this awesome. film. In, in <laughs> fact, I've actually heard a lot of people say this is better than the first one. And if that is true, I'm going to love this because it's I love the first amazing. film. It's amazing. It's so fun. Yeah. See, that's that's so encouraging, man, uh-huh. when sequels are that good. Yeah, you know, when you good. love the first one, like that is the coolest thing ever. My I, only, think you're, I think you're going to like it. My only yeah. thing is now that I'm hearing this, it makes me want to wait longer to see it. So my like expectations die down a little bit. You know what I mean? Like – I always have like a weird like dilemma with that. Like like people were telling me it's great and I love the first one, so like if I see it right now, I hope like I'm not I don't have those annoying, annoying like preconceived things about the film where it affects my viewing. Because it, it as much as I try for it not to happen, it still does sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh slow week for releases. Next week got some good stuff coming out though. Yeah, but you know what? It's still really slow, though. 
there's some there's some IC stuff coming out next week along with the Screen Factory, but it's slow. It's yeah, slow. it still is. Slow, I'm really but, surprised. I'm um, really surprised because you know it's right before Christmas. You know, you think you want to get some releases out there, you know, for stocking stuffers and whatnot. Jeremy's like, "What the fuck is Christmas?" Yeah, actually, <laughs> I forgot about that. But I have Hanukkah. But if you look at the week after that, like the week of Christmas Eve, there's nothing. Yeah, I know it's so crazy. Uh, who wants man. to fucking pick up a horror movie on Christmas? Me? Yeah, but we're not normal, so. Yeah, actually, my my copy of Santa's sickest whatever the fuck it's called just yeah. shipped today, so I'm gonna be yeah rocking. And no Malone too. That ain't <laughs> no out Malone. yet, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, that's gonna do. They it made a No Malone two lost in New York already. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it can't be in New York. It has to be somewhere like somewhere else. Nah, I'm gonna bring it right to Canada, make it in Toronto or something like that. New yeah. York, New that's Jersey. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Lo- no Malone 2 lost in Newark. <laughs> lost in Newark. <laughs> uh, uh, JB, do you have any more releases? I d- do not. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's going to conclude it for the, the releases this week. Very, very slow week. Uh, a yeah. couple good ones, um, but nothing too, too major. But like I said, it's come to a screeching halt for releases this year. But. You know, the strange color of your body. and uh, That one really does look awesome, so definitely check that one out. Mm-hmm. But you know that um, film extent you talked about, or that series? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm getting conflicting release dates here. One place is saying this week, and another place is saying next week. Ah, fuckers. <laughs> well, right. So, um, yeah, so I guess we got uh, we got a few questions. So we'll get into the Q&A part of the, part of the show here. Yep. All right, so we're going to get into the uh, Q&A portion of the show. Uh, JP, I think we have a uh, voicemail. Yeah, we actually we're start with. Yeah, we, we have two this week, actually. Oh, we got two. Nice. Yeah. People Thanks, calling guys. in. Now, I thought we had like four, but it turns out, and this is actually pretty important. I should have found this out earlier. Our voicemail line only lasts three minutes. So oh, fuck's sake. you have to talk and tell us what you're going to tell us in three minutes. I was looking for a solution to that. Maybe if I find another system to set up the voicemail, which means the number would change and stuff like that, I I might be able to do something about that. But for right now, make sure your voicemails are three minutes or shorter, unless you want to call in and leave a second one like one caller did, because I can edit them together. It's not very hard at all. Um, So just, you know, do that if you feel like it. So the first voicemail we actually have is from... Uh, our good pal Brandon and uh, he called in last week I believe or the last show and it was funny because his first voicemail was going so good like he was killing it again right because we talked about how good this guy was at at talking and stuff like that and then it just cuts out and I'm like what the hell happened I guess he was at work and his boss walked in and said dude don't get fired on account of us (laughs) but I think that's (laughs) awesome that you know he's at work and he's like leaving us voicemails and shit Uh, and then the second voicemail he actually got cut off because he was talking over three minutes. So he, he called again for a third time. <laughs> so but I just see this right now. His boss is like, he's like, yo, Brandon, go take out the garbage. And he's like, yeah, no problem. He's like, oh, wait a minute. I got to go fucking leave a voicemail for the 22 shots and moods and horror podcast. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny because like 
uh, you could tell like the 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 interruption like totally threw him off because the second time like like he wasn't hitting it as good. But it's still a great voicemail, dude. Thank you for sending this in. I actually yeah. liked listening to what you had to say about it too. Uh, so awesome. we're gonna play that in a couple seconds here. Hey guys, Brandon calling in. Sorry about that old message. Disregarded the first message because my boss walked in. I'm calling from work. Just, uh, had to hang up. I didn't want to hear me on the phone calling into the podcast because that's what I pay you for. Um, but anyway, this week's top five. And like I said, I was going to do Christmas-themed horror films, but I feel like we do enough talking about them, and they're all great, so we probably all have similar top fives. And uh, me being Jewish, I want to see a... Uh, Walk into the group. ...themed uh, horror film. Like I, like I said in my previous message, Menorah Massacre 8. Eight lights, eight nights of terror. <laughs> that, uh, that needs to be done. Let me know what you think, Jeremy. <laughs> um, okay, so top five um, for this week is based on um, New Year's tradition of watching the Twilight Zone marathon. And so... Um, before I start my top five, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give out honorable mentions to four different episodes. And then, <laughs> and then I'll get into the original top five. Yeah, he's going to get fired. Okay, so my honorable mentions for this week for Twilight Zone are season one, episodes two, one for the angels, about a pitch man, Edwin, and him having to pitch a sales... A sale, uh, he's a salesman who has to make one final pitch for death in order in exchange for his life. Season That's three, a great episode. episode five of Game of Pool with Jack Bugman and Jonathan Winters. Season three, episode fourteen, five characters in search of an exit, which is like, which has a great look to it. It looks like Fellini directed this episode. And season five, episode six, The Living Doll. Okay, mm-hmm. now my official top five Twilight Zone episodes and. These are kind of all interchangeable with the exception of my number one. But at number five, season two, episode 29, The Obsolete Man. Um, this one stars Virgin nice. Meredith, nice. and it's in a future totalitarian society. A librarian is declared obsolete and sentenced to death. I'm just giving a brief synopsis because I don't want to spoil anything. At number four is season two, episode six, Eye of the Beholder. And I will read the description for that one. A young woman lying in a hospital bed, her head wrapped in bandages, awaits the outcome of a surgical procedure performed by the state in a last-ditch attempt to make her look normal. Awesome episode. My number three episode is from season one. It's episode eight, and it also stars Burgess Meredith. It's called Time Enough at Last. Brandon, again, I can't believe I got cut off. I guess I'm leaving too long a message, but let me jump right back in. Number three, season one, episode eight, Time Enough at Last, with Burgess Meredith, a henpecked book lover finds himself blissfully alone with his books after a nuclear war. I like that. Awesome episode. Number two, also from season one, episode 30, A Stop at Willoughby, tired of his miserable job and wife, a businessman starts dreaming on the train each night about an old, idyllic town called Willoughby. Soon he has to know whether the town is real and fancies the thought of seeking refuge there. And my number one episode is actually probably the nicest episode of The Twilight Zone, and it's season three's finale. Um, 
and it's called The Changing of the Guard, and it stars, um, oh my gosh, Donald Pleasance, the awesome Donald Pleasance. After being forced to retire, Professor Fowler contemplates suicide when he doesn't feel he has made a difference in the world. That night he has an experience that shows him that he is wrong. It's probably the nicest episode of all 156, and um, I revisit it often, especially since I own the series and have access to it on Netflix also. So there you go. Be interested to hear what you guys say. You could probably pick any five of the 156, and and it'd be uh, it'd be okay because the whole series is awesome. So keep up the good work, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Man, really, really great choices. Uh, <clears throat> it's got to be like the hardest top five list ever to make. <laughs> so fucking hard. Didn't we talk about this one time, JP, about making you know your top ten uh, Tales from the Crypt episodes? And we're like, it's yeah. fucking so hard to do. Twilight Zone for me is is very much the same. Uh, I don't even know how I could break it down. There's so many episodes. We say there's 156 in the original series. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Oh, wow, man! I and I've watched watched them numerous times. I wow! I need to get the show, man. Like I need to get into. Yeah, it. I've been some of his at... descriptions were like, "Oh, that sounds fucking badass." I need to dude, watch no, that. Twilight the show Zone is... has some of the best like simple synopsises ever, dude. Yeah, yeah, but they work so well. They're always executed so perfectly. That show was a little ahead of its time, though, man. With some of the exactly. scenarios, and, and yeah. so good. It really like ahead of its time. Like some, you're right. Like some of the scenarios were like really advanced for for when it came out and stuff. But um, yeah. also, this this reminds me of like just the age of imagination. Like just where where people were so creative with like their scripts and stuff. Where it just seemed like like some. Some of these scripts for the Twilight Zone, man, are just like, like you just do not see like, and most of them have like twists and shit, right? So it's like, yeah, it's like you just don't see that kind of storytelling anymore, especially on like a week to week basis on a, on like a, uh, you know, TV series. But uh, I really, really, because I'm not that familiar with them. Like I've only, I only seen like three of the the like f- nine episodes that he mentioned there. Uh, but I really just need to grab that like one of the box sets, whether it's the Blu-ray one or the DVD definitive collection yeah i want to get the blu-ray sets but they're fucking expensive well i think they were about 120 ish for all of them recently that's not too bad yeah that's actually a really good fucking deal man yeah because they were like three when they came out yeah crazy (laughs) fucking cbs man their shit's always expensive yeah for sure so I think with uh, this voicemail and the question and stuff was kind of <clears throat> kind of a last minute thing before the show. Um, unfortunately, I'm not really going to be able to answer it this week. Um, I can definitely do it next week, though. Um, JP's fault, really. All right. So actually, yeah, it was my fault because Moods likes to stew over these questions like all week at work and stuff. That's why his answers are usually uh, the best. <laughs> and just, mine and Jeremy's are like thrown together really fast. Yeah. I just honestly like to really answer the question to the best of my ability. And you know, if I listen to the cast back and I'm like, that wasn't fucking cool. That's not right. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I like to, you know, kind of work it out. But yeah, it that's a really, really hard question, you know, top five episodes because there's so many good ones. I mean, I can honestly say that there's really no shitty episodes in the original series at all. 
You know, I I never watched an episode and went, wow, that was pretty lame. Like, it never happened, you know. I think maybe there's, like, one or two in Tales from the Crypt that I was like, it's not really that great. Um, But, you know, that's a pretty good run, too, because they had six seasons and a lot of episodes. So, I mean, was there any for you, JP, with Tales from the Crypt? Oh, Tales from the Crypt? Yeah. Any any that I love or what? I, I mean, no, that you, you that you didn't like. Uh, th- there's a handful that I feel like get a little, a little dry and tells from yeah. towards the end later seasons. The first couple mm-hmm. seasons are are really really solid, but yeah. some some I of the think, later episodes do get a little bit watered down. I think there's a couple episodes actually in the sixth season that I don't really care for. You know when they move the show to uh, to the, the UK? UK, yeah. And there's a couple episodes in that season that I'm not really too fond of. I think they're actually kind of bad. I but. love the finale, though. The final episode of Tales from the Crypt. Mm-hmm. The Three Little Pigs. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah, good. it's just something different that you didn't really expect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but Twilight Zone, I mean, there's so many... I, you know what one of my favorite episodes of the Twilight Zone is? And the only reason it's one of my favorites, probably one, it's a good episode, but two, I've seen it so many times. And it's the one where the guy uh, is finds the the like bum guy finds that bag full of like toys and he, it's like christmas and he keeps like giving them out and shit and like nobody believes it like he, they think he's stealing them because he's like a bum mm. like i just like that episode for some reason it's like real like warm feeling it's like perfect for like christmas time and i shit. love the episode where the old guy tries to be young of tells mm-hmm. from the crypt yeah oh, i was talking about twilight zone but i oh, do like sorry. that episode william hickey i think yeah. schwarzenegger opens that one yeah yeah is that the one that he directs I think he does direct. Yeah, that. I think. I yeah, think he like directs that episode. That's so bizarre. Yeah, that's a good um, one. Oddly enough, with this question this week, you know, the, about the original Twilight Zone, I've been watching the '80s series still. I've been kind of working my way through it and stuff, and it's over, pretty decent, man. There's some good episodes in there. So. Over Black Friday, the '80s series, the complete series, was like twenty bu- twenty two bucks on Amazon. I didn't get for it. That's good, man. That's good. You know, I actually because I, I I've talked about this before, like the packaging on it. I went out and grabbed uh, two, you know, DVD cases, you know, the six, um, the six holder, yeah, however you want to fucking call them, and they fit perfectly into the box set, so I no longer have them stacked up on each other. They're in like two different cases with six, so That's sweet. it's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah it nice. worked out great, man. It's fucking gnarly. But there's 13 discs, so I just put one of them into a sleeve and shut it up. But you know, they're not stacked, man. It's awesome. It feels more solid now. It's great. Yeah, but uh, Brandon, you know. Definitely keep leaving voicemails. I know you had a tough one this go, but we really do enjoy them. And like, I love your feedback. You're like, I look at, I actually look forward to your voicemails now. So yeah, they keep that up on me. So, uh, the next voicemail here, I, I can't remember the name of the person, but I'm sure he states it. Uh, it's the first time caller. Uh, and <laughs> well, let's just listen to it. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, my name is Chris. Um, I'm a big fan of yours. Um, thought episode 33 was awesome, even though the Warlock movies sub total completely horrible. <laughs> but yeah, great episode. Um, my question for you, uh, guys, this week, it isn't a horror movie question per se, but it is uh, quite a horrific question, so I thought it would fit well. Uh, anyway, this is kind of a gun-to-your-head type situation. Oh, Gotta no. choose one. Uh, no options. Um, here we go. Would you rather fuck a beautiful woman in your mother's body 
or your mother's personality in a beautiful woman's body. Got to be one or the other. Keep up the good work, guys. Looking forward to hearing your answers. <laughs> okay, guys, I got a story about this question. Moods, you know oh my, my answer, God, okay. I love it. Listen, listen to this shit, dude. Okay, so I'm riding home. You know, th- I got this voicemail. I just came in. Like, uh, I got an email, so I'm like, I downloaded it to my phone, and I was talking to my, it just so happened that I was talking to my papa about the podcast. So I was like, yeah, man, you know, this shows we're doing is, like, really cool. A lot of people seem to enjoy it and stuff. And, he, of course, he doesn't really know what it is. Like, I just tell him it's kind of like a radio show. Yeah. Um, And I'm like, yeah, yeah, actually, you know what? Like, people call in and stuff, and I was like, you know, somebody actually just left a voicemail. So I'm like, let's <laughs> check it out. And I played that. And it made me look ass. <laughs> Once he started going, it was like I was like in too deep, and I was like, "Oh my god, like, this is the worst voicemail to play right now." Oh, that's uh, my awesome. It's that's like funny. he's like, "What the fuck is that boy talking about?" <laughs> and I was like, "No." <laughs> okay, so I'll answer first. This is a terrible question. Like I literally want to gag when I think of this question, but I'm just gonna say both. Because either way, it's terrible and it's going to suck. So I'll just do it both. Uh, I got to go with B, man. Yeah, me too. The personality <laughs> thing. Yeah. The personality. Um, just uh, A, the option A to me would just I, – yeah. I couldn't fuck, man. I, it'd be – it would be <laughs> – Couldn't get pretty, it up? It, yeah, it would be pretty soft, man. Yeah, um, yeah but maybe that would be better, right? Well, it could be. I guess it depends. <laughs> I mean, honestly, but he said, gun to your head, you have to choose one, no options. So I got to go with B. Yeah. No question. Me too. Yeah, I'll just do it both. <laughs> I mean, that has to be worse, right? Wow. That was uh, unexpected, that question. Yeah. I figure I'm screwed either way, man. So instead of picking one and feeling like an idiot and wishing I picked the other one, I'm just going to pick them both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terrible it's... voicemail. <laughs> I'm just fucking around. Go ahead and send in more. That's fucking crazy. But like, it really was awkward as hell. Just saying. That's good stuff. Um, yeah, that, that's that's it for the voicemails. Alrighty, so uh, we do have some questions. You um, actually? Yeah, there's a little bit of questions here this week. Um, not as many as last show, but uh, there's still a few here. Um. I got one here from uh, Zach. He asked us um, what our top five African American. I was actually quite impressed that Zach actually wrote, you know, the you know the politically correct. <laughs> I thought he wrote it. black. No, he did not write black. He wrote African American characters. You know, all actually, black people I actually, aren't from I actually Africa, started right? laughing. What? All black people aren't from African descent. No, yeah. I've had this conversation with with I have a black buddy and he hates the term African American. So do I. Because because he's from he's Canadian, right? And he's like, "Well, what the fuck?" He's like, "I hate when people call me an African American." He's like, "You know, I, I have nothing against Americans, but I'm not American. It's fucking it's almost derogatory." Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it's you're calling someone something else. He's like, "I'm African Canadian, I guess." And I'm like, "You know what? That's a good point." And I'm like, "You know, if you're from Germany, you're like African German. I don't know." But I mean, yeah. the, the term is. Let's not really get into this, but it was more the fact that Zach actually used the term African American. It made me laugh. <laughs> Maybe yeah. we need to bring up a new term in the dictionary: African Canadian. 
I, I guess I'm, I'm just, just gonna go with black to be honest. I so don't see honestly, it as offensive, and I don't think no, and it, and it's not like even according to my buddy, he's, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't get offended when people call him black. It's like it, it is what it is. It's like I don't get offended when you know, but you know. I actually even wrote down top five black characters yeah, <laughs> on my so list. That, here, I just so, wrote top you know, five. Sorry black. if I'm offending anybody out there. I don't mean to, but that's just it was definitely yeah, I, shorter to write. I'm like one <laughs> so. of the like least racist people that I've ever met. So I mean, like, well, dude, y- you're the, you're Mexican. We have a Jew, and then yeah, you know, from moods. Yeah. So and I'm the moods is a race of its own. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So top five African American slash black characters. Yeah, Here, we'll I thought he's, I, so. you know what sucks is I I started doing actors at first because I thought he said actors, so I had to go redo all these, so I didn't have as much time as I wanted to. But um, I got some good ones. I'll go first. Okay, number five. I, these aren't really in order. Maybe they're like top three or uh, number five is Benny from Texas Chainsaw Three. Of course, Ken Forey, awesome, awesome. He's just so likable in that film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, number four, Fool Man, good old Fool from. From uh, People Under the Stairs. That's an awesome kid right there. Yeah. Uh, I also like his sister a lot, too. She was in Elm Street 5. Uh, number three, Candyman himself, Mr. Tony Todd. Nice. As Candyman. Uh, number two is Creighton Duke. A lot of people don't like Creighton Duke. I think he is the shit. He's the best part of Jason Goes to Hell, pretty much. He's like... I don't think so. And he's just badass and he has a presence and he's <laughs> breaking motherfuckers' fingers. <laughs> and he's That's just not a bad badass, choice. dude. I love Creighton Duke. Um, and number one, of course, is probably the most damn coolest character in the entire series. He's also just – like I love this dude and it's such a shame that he was not in more films. That's Kincaid from Elm Street 3. Uh, we have yeah. fucking uh, – that's so awesome. Um, yeah, I'll go next here. I don't have these in order at all, but I'll just read from top to bottom. Uh, number, well, I guess number five is, uh, Thing Rame's character, uh, Leroy from People Under the Stairs. That's a good character. <laughs> yeah. So cooler, I thought, but yeah, yeah, I, I thought Leroy was cool. Um, <clears throat> number four, I've got Ben, of course, played by Dwayne Jones from Night of the Living yep. Dead. You got to have Ben in there, man. He's yeah. he's so memorable, you know. Yeah. He's one of the most memorable characters ever. Yeah. Uh, number three, I have uh, Tony Todd's character Daniel Robitaille, of course, aka Candyman from Candyman. Yeah. Um, number two, we have Ken Forey's character Peter from Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. I love it's Peter; he's fantastic. And of course, number one, I also have. Ken Sagos, also known as Kincaid from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors. Kincaid is the shit. I agree, he's man. The fucking, he he's is the, the shit. shit, dude. He's like literally one of my favorite characters of all time. Not just yeah. black. <laughs> no, he's so much fucking fun, man. It What's sucks up? so bad that he, dude, when he dies in Part 4, isn't it so depressing? <laughs> yeah. It is. But, oh, you know, you're just like, ah, oh, damn, it's Kincaid. I forgot that he was in Part 4. That's how, you know, I just said Part 3, but you're right. He's in Part 4, too. Now, yeah. I'm just gonna, you know, speculate here, but I'm feeling Jeremy's list isn't gonna have any females either. So why no love to the women? Um, what do you want me to have Brandy on there or something? From I know what you did last summer. Yeah, that's the only one I thought of. Seriously, <laughs> I was like, so I was sitting funny. there thinking, and I'm like, I'm like, I was well, like, about, maybe I should, you know, make some girls on this Aaliyah? list. What about Aaliyah from Queen of the Damned? I don't like yeah. that movie. Yeah, I don't like that movie either. 
My next? Yep. All right, number five, I have Keith David from The Thing. That's a great pick. I, I considered oh, awesome. him. Yeah. Dude, I totally didn't even think of that. Good choice. Yeah, I like that guy. Uh, also from uh, They Live. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Number four, Dwayne Jones, of course, from Night of the Living Dead. Number three, Brandon Adams from People Under the Stairs. Number two, Ken Forey from Dawn of the Dead. And number one, Tony Todd. Holy shit, are fucking I guess the exact same. Black actors about the same. Yep. That's interesting. Wow. <laughs> That's in, that is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of Texas Battle from Wrong Turn 2 also. I like that dude. His name's Texas Battle in real life. <laughs> Texas, that, uh, man, seriously, that's too good. That's too awesome. Yeah. So uh, what's the next question we got up here? Uh, we got... But wait, JP, you forgot your favorite African-American character. Who's How that? can you forget Trey Songs? Come on. <laughs> no, Trey Songs oh, is awesome. Good Lord. Trey Songs is actually quarter black, so he doesn't. Oh no, we could we could say your you forgot yours your favorite character too, Jeremy Buster Rhymes from Resurrection. Oh my <laughs> god, <laughs> Buster Rhymes is actually white. Postmaster P, man. Postmaster I could have said the entire cast of Tales from the Hood. Dude, all those guys are awesome. He's like, hey, I know, give me and beans. <laughs> I love, but I love the uh, I love the the march uh, the the Undertaker, yeah. whatever you want to call him. Just write him shits right the first time. <laughs> the funeral director. I always awesome. loved that line so much. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, top five films, uh, horror films that represent represent the eighties the best for you. Oh yeah. Hmm. Interesting question. Um. Wow. There's just so so many. There's yeah, so many. Um, this was actually kind of a hard question, but I just basic, the way I did this one, I just, I, I try not to overthink this one cause I would have been stuck with this one all day. You know me overthinking things. Um, so number five, I went with the stuff. Uh, yeah. I don't know something about this movie just like screams the eighties to me. I don't know. Um, number four, I had to throw one of these in there because this is like so fucking eighties and anything shot on video from back in the day. And that's video violence, man, like. Really synthy score, just video shops, shot on video, big hair, shitty, <laughs> tight jeans. <laughs> it's just, it's so fucking 80s. And then on the flip side, we've got number three, we've got the Lost Boys. Again, with that really ridiculous 80s soundtrack and just so 80s, overdone fashion, you know how it is. Um, and then number two, we got Fright Night. Um, again, just, that's a great I pick. Th- that one just totally seems. I don't know, the 80s to me. Um, And uh, I've talked about this many, many times in the past. My number one, I I think this is like the ultimate 80s flick, man. It's just so fucking 80s, and that's Killer Party. Uh, From the soundtrack to the characters to everything, the way everything is executed in this film, it's fucking so 80s, but very memorable. So, yeah, top five 80s. Uh, I actually have a couple of the ones that you picked as well. I have The Lost Boys. 100% 100% agree on that one. I have Fright Night, uh, Return of the Living Dead, yep. uh, Elm Street 4. I think Elm Street 4 is like the most 80s Elm Street film. Yeah. It, it really is 80s to me. Um, and then, Elm Street 4 came out in what, 88, right? Uh, it was in 88. So like so. right at the later 80s, most of the films that are like, you know, 85 and above are just like 
you know, the eighties hadn't really established itself fully until like they're, you know, kind of almost like the mid, you know, like, yeah. you know, some of the early 80 films, they still kind of feel like the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. Um, and the last one, I, now I can't really remember this film too well, but I, I want to say that when I watched this film, I was like blown away at like how eighties it felt. And I, that's like the only thing I really remember about it. And it's nine, seven, six, evil two. <laughs> wow. Interesting. My next. Yep. Okay, number five. I have Gremlins. I mean, how could you not have Gremlins? It's so very mid eighties. Uh, I think anything f- with Corey Feldman's like automatically eighties approved. Yeah. Number four, of course, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. Um, I'm glad th- I left that off the list. We all three would have put had it there. Yeah. I actually took it off and put the stuff in there just because. Number <laughs> three, I have the Lost Boys. Also. Yep. Number two, Terror Vision. I mean, it's this it's 80s. It's oh, awesome. Yeah. I actually thought about putting that on my list, too. <laughs> and number one, the most 80s film, Maximum Overdrive. Oh, that is yeah. pretty damn 80s. Yeah. Nice. So Listen, 80s. Man, does that mean that The Lost Boys is the most 80s film of all time? You know, it's, it, yeah. I mean, <laughs> according, according to us, it definitely is. Yeah. I mean, if I had to take in... If I had to not taken uh, Return of Living Dead off, you know, yeah, that could have been up there too. But yeah. Uh, so next up, we have uh, top five most watched films. Now this is like in your probably in your collection or whatever the film that you've probably seen the most times out of everything. Yeah. Guess I'll go first on this one. Um, these are in no order. Uh, Elm Street three because I literally pop it in like all the time. I love that film. Elm Street four just simply for the fact that I could not stop watching it as a kid. I had it on VHS. It's the only one I owned. And I just watched it over and over again. Uh, Return to the Living Dead, I, this is another one. I literally popped this in like like, like once a month. Um, number, the next one is Texas Chainsaw, of course. My favorite film ever. I've watched it so many times. And this one is actually the film that I've probably watched more than any film ever uh, in the horror genre. And that is Scream. Oddly enough, uh, it played so much in the nineties and there was actually a summer where me and my cousin would, would stay up all night and put it on like right before we would go to bed every, at like 6am and like every day for the entire summer. Like I watched scream like every day for an entire summer. Ah, you poor bastard. Jesus. Scream is an amazing (laughs) film. 10 out of 10 probably. Uh, top five most watched films. I didn't, you know, honestly, there's so many that I do watch a lot, but, um, yeah, these are also in no order. You know, recently, ever since Screen Factory put out the Terrorvision uh, Video <laughs> Dead fucking double feature, man, I've watched Terrorvision, I swear, like a hundred times. So I have to throw Terrorvision in there, man. I uh, watch that shit all the fucking time. Uh, next up here, we got uh, Return of Living Dead. Um, I know JP can vouch for me on that one. I would I would watch that like every time we were talking on, you know, Skype or whatnot or whatever the fuck. Yeah, we're doing. dude, it's amazing. I'd always be watching Return of Living Dead. Uh, next up, of course, JP had this one on there. I knew he would, but that's Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three, Dream Warriors, another film that I will just pop in all the fucking time. I, I love Dream Warriors with a passion. Um, next up, we've got. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, another film. I don't know how the hell you watch that film all the time. 
I know it's so funny. like People I like the film. Time. It's it's a fantastic, amazing film. But it's so damn long. I couldn't see watching it like a lot. <laughs> I know I do, and and that's exactly what surprises me too. Because generally I won't watch films that are that long like all the time. But there's something about Dawn of the Dead. I just I find so intriguing, and I don't know, man. It just I love everything about it, and probably my most watched film um, that I can possibly think of is American Psycho. Wow. I seriously used to watch this movie fucking every that's a every week choice every weekend man i I know this movie like word for word um it's just so crazy man i I remember writing a paper on this movie and it's it's so intriguing when you actually you know write about it and this would be a good one for you jeremy to I'm surprised you guys don't do this one what movie American psycho oh yeah is you it know, like so there's so it's, much to talk about it. It's such an interesting film, but didn't a female um, direct that one? Yes, that's interesting. It's in it by itself. Um, but the the whole film is just it's filled with so much goodness, and I don't know, man. It's the dialogue that gets me though. Like in Kristen Bale's fucking performance, I just it's so it yeah, sells me every single movie. time. It yeah. sells me every time, and I just I love the way it looks. It's fantastic. It's just it's a great film to throw on you know late at night and just kind of stare <laughs> i yeah. love it my next yep all right number five i have house of the devil um really yeah man house of the devil is fucking awesome i probably watched that movie like eight or nine times it's now. so slow to watch all the time though not all the time but i've watched Nothing it like happens. nine or ten times at least uh, honestly these ones that i've listed i've probably watched like near like yeah but i don't that. have the span to watch movies like a million times like you and moods <laughs> i'd rather spend my time watching something i haven't seen uh number four i've returned to the living dead number three gutter balls which we will discuss later on today uh number two hobo with a shotgun which i've talked a whole bunch of times i've watched that movie all the time and number one gummo i'm just kidding uh <laughs> yeah child's play gummo. now what's funny is i think three out of the films you just picked we've covered on the show yeah so you really yep. like them <laughs> that is that's interesting yeah you know house of the devil was a surprising choice wow you know i would watch that movie probably more if the fucking ending wasn't disappointing yeah <laughs> but yeah yeah, I don't know. All right, next up is favorite underwater horror film. Mine is the only one that I've seen, and that's uh, Leviathan. I just that's wrote down the... like movies that take place in the water. It's underwater specifically, though. <laughs> oh well, fuck! I don't have anything then. <laughs> you haven't seen Leviathan? Nah, Leviathan's solid, dude. Check it out. I was gonna say the Wrath from Creepshow too. Moods. So. Well, fuck, man. Favorite underwater horror film? I wrote Leviathan, hands down. <laughs> I love Leviathan. I even talked about it on the fucking podcast. I believe you gave it like a 9 out of 10 or something. Dude, I love Leviathan, man. I, there's something about that movie that just it works for me, man. It's great. Yeah. It awesome fucking I love uh, Daniel Stern. Yeah, Daniel Stern's awesome in it. Yeah. But cool stuff. Uh, all right. Um, so somebody asked Mood, since I own Doomsday County – Blood Junkie, Redneck Zombies, and Poultry Geist. I was wondering what five other trauma films I should check out. 
Well, I mean, I had to go with, you know, list off a couple of the obvious ones. You got to check out the Tex- uh, the Texas, the Texic Avenger. You know, that's the underground film. Uh, the uh, Toxic Avenger. Um, of course, you got to check out that, man. I got you know, one. You've never seen it. I yeah. recommend there's there's nothing out there or something, whatever it's Why called. Why do you let him finish his fucking list first, JP? Why don't you? The sh- one that JP is talking about is good. It's a good film. Uh, next up, of course, uh, Class of Newcomb High. You know, you have to see Class of Newcomb High. It's fucking amazing. Um, and then going to the newer version, uh, it's kind of kind of remake, but not really. Yeah, how was that movie not on your list for most watched? I know, right? I watched this movie like seven times in one week. But that is Return to Newcomb High from 2014, the first part of it. Got to check it out if you've never seen it, man. It's fucking awesome. And the Blu-ray looks like stunning. It's crazy good quality. Um, another trauma classic, in my opinion, is Terror Firmer. That fucking movie is so funny. You have to check it out. It's classic. It's it, Oh, dude, it, it's ridiculous. It's so ridiculously fun. And I threw in an oldie but a classic, and that is The Children. Got to check out The Children. You do not have screenplay on there, man. Screenplay's a great one, too, man. Screenplay's great. fucking awesome. Screenplay's a great uh, trauma release. There's there's actually quite a few. Um, but I, I, I wanted to, like, you know, since the ones that you mentioned, you got to you gotta check out the, uh, you know, Screen- the most obvious ones, too. Screenplay's really Ed Woody. So if you like Ed Wood, you'll probably like Screenplay. Yeah, screenplay is an interesting film. It's awesome. Love the sets in that film. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. amazing. They're they're amazing. Yeah. But yeah, the guy's so, only movie too, which is funny. Yeah, that is odd. Very odd. JP, what are your top five Italian horror films you haven't seen but want to? So uh, I kind of cheated a little bit on this one. Uh, I'm kind of, as you guys know, I'm, I'm really like lacking in this area of horror so what i'm doing now i'm slowly trying to pick up like argento's like entire filmography uh and then i want to get like as many falchies as possible i figure i'll start there um a couple other ones that i want to see though is like cemetery man uh demons and cannibal holocaust those are like the three big ones man i can't believe you've never seen cannibal holocaust (laughs) i know right that's so crazy that's so crazy cemetery man oh dude amazing and demons of course is in my top 10 of all time mm-hmm. so. but uh yeah crazy yeah then he asked jeremy top five giant monster films you want to see can either be japanese or american this is hard because i don't watch monster movies i'm not a monster movie person so i just wrote down two i've never seen cloverfield and i should probably watch it because i know jp talks about it quite frequently sometimes so I should probably check out Cloverfield sooner or later. And I have Destroy All Humans, which I hear everyone talking about also, which being a really interesting one. That's it. Cool. I think that's all of them. Yep. That's everything. That's all the questions? Yep. Alrighty. Yeah. So the Q&A is, well, thank you peoples for, uh, you know, asking the questions. We love the questions. Um, Always super fun to answer and stuff like that. Um, I did have a little topic to discuss here. Um, I was watching a recent video on YouTube and it just kind of got me thinking um, what like what your guys' thoughts were on 
you know, the idea of DVD being completely obsolete now and, you know, Blu-ray being the in thing. And then, you know, of course, next being the 4K, you know, format and stuff like that. Like, what are your guys' thoughts? Do you guys believe that DVD is actually obsolete now and that Blu-ray is completely taken over and that no. DVD is kind of worthless and, you know, and then 4K is going to take over Blu-ray? Like, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Because personally... I honestly believe that DVD is not dead at all. Not me either. I think there's a lot of companies out there that release stuff on DVD and it sells well. And, you know, there's obviously Blu-ray. But I think they're they're kind of – they're living in this, you know, this world of media and they're coinciding very, you know, well together. You know, I, I don't think DVD is obsolete at all. So what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I don't well, think DVDs are going to be going anywhere anytime soon. Like I think people still mostly watch movies on DVD over them over Blu-ray. Like I think most of the population still have DVDs. Yeah, yeah. I'll keep buying DVDs. A lot of stuff that comes out on DVD isn't even on Blu-ray. Like there's a hell of a lot more DVDs than well, there are Blu-rays. This is kind of where my argument was going. Is that you know for people that basically say you know they're done with the DVDs and they're fucking you know they're all about Blu-ray now, which is fine if that's the way you want to be. That's totally cool. But my argument is is that you know a lot of people have problems with limited edition Blu-rays and DVDs and stuff like that. I think it's kind of the same thing. You're just limited to your you're limiting yourself and what you can see now. You know, if you're willing to only buy Blu-ray, there's a lot of movies out there that are only strictly released on DVD, you know, and probably won't get Blu-ray releases, you know, in the future and stuff. So basically what you're doing is you're limiting yourself on the films you're going to be seeing. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, a lot of – I think more titles get released on DVD than they do on Blu-ray. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, especially with the obscure stuff. So if you're strictly in pro Blu-ray now, you know, you're basically saying to yourself, well – you know, here's a film, you know, you know, fucking whatever the hell it is. Naked, you die, you know, Italian fucking giallo. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never going to you're never going to see that or pick that up because it's only on DVD. You know, it's crazy to me, man. I can't I can't go one way or the other, man. It, for me, it's all about the film. It's not about, you know, DVD or Blu-ray. It's about the fucking movie in question. Mm-hmm. Right. So. I don't know, man. I don't see him going away anytime soon. No, either do I. And like, I mean, you know, I have no problem with people that are just, you know, pro Blu-ray, you know, and say fuck DVD, whatever, if that's what you want to do. But I just, I find it interesting that there is actually quite a few people out there that that are saying, you know, DVD is basically going to be out pretty much soon. No, no way. No, I don't think so at all. Absolutely you know, not. No, I mean, there's a reason why these companies are still releasing stuff on DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah. Because the DVDs are obviously selling just as good as the Blu-rays, if not better. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, if if you're all about quality, then it makes sense just to go strictly Blu-ray. You know, if you're like, if you want the highest resolution, you want the best quality picture, that's cool, man. Go with the fucking Blu-ray. But, at the you know, you have to look at it in, you know the realm of film it's like there's so many movies out there that you're never going to see now because you're kind of being snobbish towards dvd and just going for blu-ray yeah totally you know and it sucks man there's a lot of indie films out there and stuff that are probably not going to get blu-ray releases anytime soon or if if ever and uh i i I don't know i kind of feel sorry for those people man it's like you know i'm not gonna fucking buy found or check out found because you know it's not on blu-ray a lot of movies aren't on Blu-ray. 
there's so many movies, especially yeah. older films, man. And, and that's my thing, man. I love older Italian films and so many films that I buy on a daily basis. Like I just got a package today in the mail. There was fucking I got I had 15 movies in there, 15 fucking film package. One was Blu-ray. I had one Blu-ray. Blu-rays in there. are expensive, too. It's like that people are not going to be spending money on Blu-rays like that. Yeah, and that's and that's the other thing, and I think that's the reason why DVD does stick around, like how it does, because you know DVDs are cheaper, Blu-rays a little more expensive. You know, I think JP made the argument one time that you know if Blu-ray did drop its price to like DVD level, yeah, I think the DVD sales will obviously go down. But it's not economical. They won't. But make it's money not going to happen. They, yeah, they won't make money if they lower it. Exactly, that's the thing. It's never going to happen. You're never going to see. You know, D, uh, Blu-ray price prices on brand new releases the same price as DVDs. It's it's never going to wow. fucking happen, right? You know, you, you maybe down the road you can get these things in the dump bins or whatever, but it's never going to happen right, right away. It's just not going to happen. So, no, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it, JP? <clears throat> well, first of all, let's cite the video. That's uh, Emperor Corn Dog, so people can understand what he was saying if they want to check out that video. Uh, two. You know, well, I wasn't specifically attacking that video at all. I was talking. No, I, I was gen- I was generalizing too. I was but using I the video as a video reference too. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just okay. Go ahead. No, I mean, uh, you you was. Pro- I'm just saying, like, like we've heard this before, but it recently got brought up with that video. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, my thing is, like, you look in Redbox, all right? You go through the red box listings like there might be three four five blu-rays the rest are dvds it's yeah. what people are buying it's it's actually a silly argument that that they're obsolete i i think personally um because yeah they're obviously not listen 70 to 80 percent of all dvd sales come from walmart let me ask jeremy is your Blu-ray section bigger in Walmart? Hell no. Or is it the DVD section? My DVD section is probably. Um, yeah, I think most people. Twelve hundred DVDs to four hundred Blu-rays. Yeah. yeah. Moods, yours too. DVDs or more? It, it, oh man, it's like eighty percent DVDs mm-hmm. and the rest are Blu-rays. It's cr- it's crazy. Yeah. Listen, wow. like literally, that's a real statistic. Look it up. Seventy to eighty percent of all, depending on the year, of all. DVD and Blu-ray sales come from Walmart. That's fucking That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Um, so, also, you know, film, like, I believe he even mentioned in the video that IFC Midnight, most of their shit is DVD that they put out. They release yeah. fantastic films. You're missing mm-hmm. out. It, yeah. I, I, like, I don't, I mean, if somebody wants to only collect blu-rays that's fine but i'm just saying they're not obsolete dvds are not obsolete it's into and you know you you said it the price if blu-ray if if the companies really got together and lowered their price to equal dvds that's the only way dvds will go away unless a new format comes out to replace blu-ray and dvd but this ain't this ain't the vhs days anymore right just because only one format could survive before doesn't mean that it's like that now because it's kind of the same format almost, mm. right? It's still disc. It's still the same type of players. A Blu-ray, they're backwards compatible. DVDs were not backward. DVD players were not backwards compatible to VHS. That's why VHS died. And honestly, it's a big difference from VHS to DVD. Yeah, not yeah. so big from DVD to Blu-ray. DVDs will be around alive 
as long as Blu-rays are here. Once the next thing comes out, then maybe DVDs will go away and Blu-ray and the new thing will be out, maybe digital, whatever it is. That would suck. But for, for right now, I do not see DVDs going anywhere as long as Blu-rays no. are around. It's never going to go straight digital, man. There's no fucking way. There's still a market for, for physical media and stuff like that. You know, there there is a lot of collectors out there that are willing to, you know, buy physical media and stuff. I mean, we all know the average person is fine with digital. You know, they're fine with, you know, VOD and, you know, stuff like that. That's cool. But there is a lot of us that do, you know, like physical media and, you know, like to collect it and stuff. And I think that's what a true collector is. But coming back to the DVD and Blu-ray argument, um, like I said, though, I mean, it's it ultimately comes down to the movie the film in question, you know, I just have a hard time with, okay, I'm not going to pick up that movie, even though I really like it, you know, or I really want to see it because it's only on DVD. You know, I can't ever even bring myself to being like, no, I'm not going to grab that shit, man. Cause it's only on DVD. You know, I want Blu-ray. Isn't that f- fucking crazy? Yeah. I mean, sometimes if there's a film that I really want to see, but I feel like it's going to get a Blu-ray release. It's only on DVD right now. I'll hold off on that film, but I'm waiting mm. for a Blu-ray release. Now, it's different to pick up like a film that you know, like Dead End or something. Like Dead End's probably not it's probably like the last film on whoever owns its mind to release on Blu-ray right now. You know what I mean? So grab that on DVD. It, I think there's a difference between DVD collectors and cinema lovers because I want to see as much as possible on any format. If it's on VHS and it's never been on DVD or Blu-ray and I see it very, very cheap, I will pick that up because I want to see mm-hmm. what What's my for- favorite format, man? Like, come on. My favorite Laser format disc. is a format that's been obsolete for 12, and this, and this is what 14 I, years now. It's like, come on. Just because it's I, old doesn't mean it's not awesome. Exactly. And this is what I just I did recently too, man. I picked up a VHS of the Kindred. You know, it's hasn't it doesn't have an official DVD release or Blu-ray, obviously. So I grabbed the VHS. It was cheap, so I grabbed one. I'm like, fuck, whatever. Same with the Supernaturals VHS. Doesn't I'm have still a, rocking uh, tells from the hood on VHS because the DVD is yeah. out of print, and until that gets a Blu-ray too. release, I'm gonna keep the VHS. But I mean, the main argument here is it's it's not it's even about, close to being obsolete. That it's no, so far removed from it. It's not. And like I said, man, you know, it's all about the films, though, man. Like, I love my Italian cinema. There's so many fucking Italian films that will never see the light of fucking Blu-ray. So, I mean, if I was just be like, you know, fuck DVD, I'm only Blu-ray. I'm never going to fucking have these films or see them. I mean, perfect example, a film I just got yesterday in the mail called The Girl from uh, Cortina. Um, There's no way that that film's ever i mean I, I shouldn't say there's no way but chances are it's never going to see the light of blu-ray so if i was just being, you know <laughs> all about blu-ray. fucking blu-ray you know i'm probably never going to see this or own this film you know and i it for me it's about the movie it's about the film and collect i like collecting dvds and blu-ray and you know I, i'm not much of a laser disc collector because obviously or honestly i mean if i seen more around my area yeah, i'd be, be totally cool yeah, with that way but too importing expensive. Yeah, I mean, honestly, fucking shipping. No, it just doesn't happen. Even in the states, it costs like six dollars to ship yeah. one disc. Exactly it's right. Expensive. So up here, if I can't find them in the you know in the wild, it's not going to happen. VHS, I will purchase here and there. No, if I find them and stuff, but it is about the movie. Like I said with the Kindred, 
and it doesn't have a it doesn't have an official release, so I fucking copped it on VHS. And you know what? I already watched it. I watched it on my fucking on my on my player. So and it was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. So it was great. Yeah, I don't mind VHS. But the thing is, like, also, like, Jeremy collects laser discs, but those are obsolete. They're out of date. Yeah. Now that that's he likes collecting them, and mm. I feel like if you're gonna um, do specifically Blu-ray because you you feel that DVD is is obsolete, then you're not actually like there for the film. You're there for collecting. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. At the end of the day, the film is what matters most to me. I'm a collector because I like it, but that's secondary. Like honestly, if if there was no DVDs or Blu-rays, it was all digital. I would still be watching all these films. It would. I would. <laughs> it would be boring as shit. Fun. Yeah. But I mean, not with the films. But I just like collecting. But that's separate from actually liking films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if it ever came to the point where everything was digital, I'm like, man. Yeah. This this fucking sucks, donkey dick. But you yeah, know, I would be- definitely I would definitely watch the movies still. But I mean. Yeah, I mean, I can't just, I can't be like, you know, fuck DVD, I'm only Blu-ray, or fuck Blu-ray, I'm only DVD, you know. It's like, why do that to yourself, man? It's about the film, you know. So yeah, if I it is only never... available digitally, you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to check it out. I'm gonna it's go not watch Blood it. and Crips here, man. Like, this is yeah. like, <laughs> like, it's not like one or the other. You can have both. I hope we never so. get to that. It's like yeah. having a bisexual relationship, man. You have the best of both worlds. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we never get to that instance where it's only digital because that would seriously suck. I don't see it ever happening, but yeah, man, <sighs> I don't know about ever, dude. Like, mm, not in not not for, in, maybe not in our lifetime, but like, yeah. I don't even know if anything will be physical. And you know, as technology, there's technology to you know. Of course, we don't even know it's undiscovered yet. Who who the hell knows what everything will be? Mm-hmm. I mean, as long as it's not straight digital, I mean, ugh. I mean, really, like, you just have nothing to look forward to. It's like, hey, guys, check out my movie collection. It's like this little fucking hard drive. <laughs> it's not cool, man. It's not cool. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. Do you guys have anything else on the, you know, the DVD? Who the fuck cares? Do what you want. Yeah. I mean, it's just for I the mean, sake of argument, just, right? Yeah. It's just for the sake of conversation. I yeah. mean, I mean, I stress, stress my views on it. I love DVD. I love Blu-ray. I love VHS. I love I, movies. You know, it's movies that's that really counts for me. So, but yeah, so I don't know. That it for that. Yep. And everyone should buy laserdisc because they're awesome. <laughs> laserdisc are they're big, but you can surprisingly <laughs> get a lot. You know, in I mean, laserdiscs are funny, man. They're just like vinyl, man. They're big, but you know, you can surprisingly get those things. You know. In a collection, you know, it, they're weird. They're weird like that. They're not as bulky as you really think they are. Yeah, they're real thin. They're thin, but they're heavy as shit. <laughs> they are heavy as shit, man. So, already, yeah. So, uh, getting into the corners report, courtesy of Rue Morgue, and that is the weird stats and morbid facts. Uh, this is coming from the September 2011th issue. Um, yeah, awesome. This one's rather old. Uh, what did I have here? So I thought this was actually kind of interesting uh, about the 1962 The Haunting film. I don't know. I You know, there was some other cool ones on here, but I picked this one out. Uh, the famous effect of the bending door in the 1962 The Haunting was accomplished by constructing a matching prop door wholly made of rubber. <laughs> That's totally awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> made a fucking rubber door. 
yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. You said the so, haunting, yeah. right? Yeah, the haunting from 1962. Yeah, but it's awesome. actually a really good effect. If you've seen the film, it, it looks pretty damn cool. Yeah. A rubber door. Very cool. <laughs> so that is going to conclude Mood Swings. And yeah. Alrighty, now. So we're going to get into the uh, what we watch portion of the show. Uh, Jeremy, do you want to start it off? Sure. So Lazy Me have really only watched the two French extreme films I talked about in early on in the show and one other film. But um, I guess I could talk about high tension, my thoughts of it. We really didn't talk about it. If I liked it or not, all we talked about was uh, analytical stuff. So high tension is actually a pretty interesting film. Um, I, I kind of like it actually. I know some people really don't and when i saw it in theaters i saw it back in theaters when it came out i had to fucking sit through the dubbed version which is horrendously bad um the the voice actors who they got to dub the film are really really shitty so that's already an unfortunate thing already that i've i watched it dubbed i still haven't seen it undubbed i'm i had to get that blu-ray so i could actually watch it in its native french but um I think the film's pretty cool. Um, it has some awesome gore, especially even though the film isn't that gory. It has you know the two main kills of the film with Alex's mother and the guy in the convenience score are actually really fucking awesome and really really well done, like expected from any French extreme film. And um, next to the Hills Have Eyes, it's probably Alexander Aja's uh, you know best film which is awesome considering it's his first film. But High Tension is really good. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, I gave it a 7.5 out of 10, and that's from the year 2005. I like the uh, I like the decapitation death in that film on the high, staircase. <clears throat> high Tension's from Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Three? Yeah. I thought it was from 2005. Is it really 11 years old? Isn't that crazy? I thought it was... Wow, man. In 2005. I, re- I remember watching that movie when it first came out. I remember uh, I basically used to go to my uh, my local video store that was closest to my place, and I would always pretty much just go to the foreign section to rent films. And that was one of the first ones I seen one day and grabbed it and fucking checked it out and just loved it. Yeah, the, that decapitation scene is pretty awesome. You don't yeah. you don't see you've never seen that before. Where, like somebody's head through the stairs and you just fucking rams it off. It's awesome. Yeah, and it's with like you know, like a dresser, like one of those, I don't know, jazz dressers. It's yeah, actually a cabinet dresser thing. It's a pretty original kill, actually. What yeah. was the original title? Too high tension. Hot tension. H a u t e tension. So they just, I guess, hot means high in tension, and the translation is switchblade romance. Yeah, I like the title switchblade romance. Um, yeah, but he but really it, doesn't use a switchblade. <clears throat> but. Uh, that's actually Alexander Aja's second film. He had a film from 1999. I don't think it was a horror film, though. Wasn't it a short? No, he had a short from before that, but then yeah, he I actually thought featured. that he had a film before too. Hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. Two mistakes hmm. in one review. Look how prepared I am. <laughs> it's awesome. Right. What What did you give that one? Seven out of ten. Seven and a half. Mm. Seven and a half out of ten. Mm. I, I'd probably come a little higher on high. Why? What do you give him moods? I would probably give it an eight. I really enjoy the film. Um, you know, I think it's one of those films that 
it gets made or you know it either you know you make or break for your you know ah, that's why it it got released in 2005 here in the states yeah that made, makes that's sense. why i got confused okay so yeah it's one of those films that's interesting because you know it seems like the ending kind of makes or breaks it for everybody, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, oh, this movie's great, and also the ending hits, and I'm like, oh, well, that's a fucking five and a half. But, you know, to be honest, man, the first time I watched the film, I wasn't uh, completely 100% sure, I'll be honest, what the hell happened in the end of the film. And I actually watched it again, and I was like, okay, it's making a little more sense now um, because you got to pay attention to the beginning, too, which really helps. It's not um, even the beginning. It's literally, like, just one line of dialogue from, like, an early, early scene. Yeah, you're right. easily missed. Easily missed. Well, like, it's, you yeah. can't... I was chasing myself. That's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, after rewatching, I was like, wow, this does make a lot more no, sense. No, but... it's not even that, though. That's not, like, the only thing. I know, but that's, but, like... Okay. No, there's definitely lots of hints throughout that film what exactly is going on and stuff, but... Um, yeah, the first watch, I probably would have gave it like a six and a half and second. I was like easily an eight. I've seen the film probably four or five times since I really enjoy it. I I really like it. I think it's one of those films you do have to watch more than once if you're not sure about. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think upon multiple watches, I think your rating might go up. I'm not specifically telling you, Jeremy. I'm just telling the viewers. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So eight, probably an eight out of 10. I actually did review this film, a few months back on my YouTube channel, and I also did give it an eight out of ten. Yeah, I actually watched that review. I didn't remember what you gave it though, but really, it was eight out of ten. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, what what would, it, what would did Jeremy give it? Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Yeah, all right. And Moods gave it an eight. Eh, sounds about right. I mean, I I I think it's definitely a film we should talk about more in depth one day. Yeah, uh, but for right now, I guess uh, Moods, you want to go next? Uh, sure. Um, first film I want to talk about tonight is a film released by uh, Plot Digger Films, directed by uh, Ryan Nicholson, who actually stars in all three of these shorts. It's called Dead Nude Girls. Dead Nude Girls. Uh, yeah, it's um, roughly it runs about an hour, so each short's about twenty minutes long. There's no wraparound. It's literally just a collection of shorts. Uh, and it, it, they're pretty much exactly all the same, too. It's pretty, it's kind of interesting. Like the first one's called Axe Wound. And it's basically about Ryan Nicholson kind of plays this like drifter, whatever. He asks these two girls if they want to hang out or if he can actually stay at their campsite because the whole campsite's full. And uh, he ultimately kind of drugs them, brings them back to this apartment and fucking has his way, has his, way with them and does like a bunch of nasty ass shit to them uh the second one is pretty much the same thing it's called golden shower (laughs) and it's it's about this girl she's applying for this job it's like an in-house kind of nurse job or whatever and of course he drugs her and then fucking ties her up in a in a bathtub has her way with her and pisses on her ultimately golden shower does come into play (laughs) and then there's a third one called rump roast you can imagine what that's about and it's basically the same thing he has this way with a girl that he induces and ultimately there's some cannibalism and stuff without giving too much away in in these but they're all very similar Uh, like i said ryan nicholson stars in all three of them so these are really really low budget kind of shot at home type deal things um pretty entertaining though i have to say and I really, really hate using the word torture porn. Like, I hate the term. I, I know we it. all do. But this is actually kind of fitting for this because it, it basically is what he's doing. He's torturing these girls, but it's 
pornographic at the same time, quite literally. Like there is open vagina in these and like there's no hold bars in this, man. You see butthole, everything, man. And there's some pretty nasty shit. So, you know, (laughs) I generally would never use the word torture porn, but this is quite, quite Uh. literal. (laughs) So, um, I don't know if, if you guys are into this type of stuff, which I know a lot of people really aren't. Um, it's definitely not for everybody. It's not your typical Ryan Nicholson film. There's not a lot going on in these very, very low budget. Um, you know, I would recommend it, uh, you know, for your hardcore, you know, torture fans, and if you like to or see butthole, yeah, or if you want to see butthole and vagina mutilation and golden showers and eating of asses and yeah, you know, lots of really awesome stuff that you know we like to watch. But um, I, I would recommend it. It's not really overly that great, so I'd probably just give it like a six and a half out of ten. But I was still really entertained by it. I was actually kind of shocked in a couple parts. Um, the effects are good though. You know, that's one thing that Ryan Nicholson's really, really yeah. good at is really good effects. And it's quite, uh, quite fucking nasty. I'll, I'll give him that. So, um, but yeah, you know, dead new girls, you can get it at the website and I think that's the only way to get it. It doesn't actually have a if wide release. It. Yeah. <laughs> it did take a long time and Ryan actually sent it to me personally. So thank you, Ryan, for that. Um, but yeah, dead new girls. What was the rating? Uh, six and a half out of ten. Okay. Um, the thing with the you mentioned the torture porn word and stuff, like we we always say how much we hate the word, but the thing is, like, it actually does work. I mean, nobody really has a better like word for it, so I guess we kind of have to conform, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, like it's actually quite literal, you know, yeah. with the pornographic parts in this, and I just thought it was so fitting, and I, you know, I try to avoid the word torture porn because when you say the word people kind of cringe or like, Ugh. yeah, it's a, it's a negative word, right? It is. Yeah. It's very negative. It and you always get that. as a negative thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's not too many people that use the word torture porn and just like keep talking like not like they didn't say torture porn. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you always kind of think about it when you use the term, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's just very fitting to this. Uh, like I said, so yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, the film, that I'm going with for uh, this what we watched is um, Deathbed, The Bed That Eats from the year 1977. JP, energy, buddy. Energy. Come on. I'm sorry. Where's those monsters? Where's those monsters? I'm so sick. (laughs) That's one thing you don't want to drink when you're sick. Oh, I can just imagine. Fuck your immune system right up. So uh, this film, um, bringing this review from Cult Epics, uh, the Blu-ray for this film, one, I'll say that I didn't really, you know, the Blu-ray doesn't look like that great and stuff. Uh, so that was a bit disappointing. But I thought that this film was just completely interesting because it it never was released before. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually an introduction on the Blu-ray. Uh, there's two introductions, one by the director and one by an author and i know that doesn't trauma do that sometimes they'll have the introduction yeah. by like lloyd kaufman i realized oh, yeah. how much i love those things i love it's that too. definitely an underused thing on dvds especially with lloyd he's so funny like his yeah, redneck zombie his redneck zombie yeah, is so funny mm-hmm. that's one of the coolest things about trauma man is definitely those intros yeah it's awesome. i don't know why more super entertaining don't do that it's like it's like it's really cool to see like a little bit of like insight into the film before you watch it. Um, but this essentially this film was never released. It was made and uh, like I believe it started filming in like seventy two and then it was like completed in seventy seven and nobody picked it up ever. So it never got a US release on VHS on 
uh, DVD later, theatrical, none of that stuff. And over in the UK, it got bootlegged and it got passed around in video stores over there. So uh, <clears throat> I thought all of that was extremely cool. Yeah. But the film itself, it follows this bed, okay? <laughs> and there's this bed. Really? In yes, <laughs> there's this bed in a building. Uh, I believe it was um, it was like filmed in Detroit or something. But uh, basically, this bed eats people. But what what it does? It, it's kind of a weird story. But essentially, it's like this uh, interdimensional thing. Like when people lay on the bed. You can obviously see under the bed, and it's only like a couple inches thick, right? But when they get sucked down inside it, they end up in a big, like, uh, you know, tank or whatever of like yellow liquid, and uh, their bodies get like dissolved, like it's like an acid. But okay, is it is it like phantasm yellow? It's kind of like that, but less like thick and more like Have like you not seen it looks this like movies? beer. It looks like no. Oddly enough, I've never seen this film. I've been waiting for the price to go down on this fucking Blu-ray because it's so expensive here, man. It's like 25, 26 bucks. I'm like, no, not happening. Yeah, it, it looks like beer, basically. It's like a big tank of beer. And, and it's like, it looks like acid. Like it's like just eating away at people's flesh and stuff. Um, so the thing with this film is how do, because essentially what you're watching is this bed kill person after person um in like this abandoned building so it's like how does the story go along and this is where i found it kind of interesting because it's told in like a fairy tale okay I, okay okay just back up i'm sorry to interrupt but like okay this bed's in an abandoned warehouse why is yeah. why is there people walking into this abandoned, abandoned warehouse building. and yep and it's and, like and, a house and, okay in this abandoned house and then why are they laying on the bed because they're like is they it a have like sex and stuff and this oh, random house yeah, yeah, it's like it's like an abandoned like mansion style house or something. People <laughs> and go in there. Do we get a backstory of the bed? Yeah, we do actually. Oh. But so the the thing is like, we, we how do you tell this story from like the because the bed doesn't talk right? So it's like it's like are you just gonna watch scene after scene of people dying on this bed? So how do you tell the story? Well, the the director kind of had a little creative thing here where. He has a guy trapped behind a painting from, you know, something to do with the bed, and he's kind of narrating the whole story. Overall, I mean, it's not that impressive or anything, but it, it gives it this very, like, fairy tale or, um, you know, odd feel like that to it. And I thought that that was pretty cool, almost poetic, I would say. Because, one, the guy's, like, British, so he has, like, he's narrating it, like. Wow, elegant. I have to love that. You just described deathbed as poetic. It kind of is. So awesome. Yeah. I mean, the the film itself, though, um, it drags a little bit. But I thought a lot of the scenes were really, really cool involving, like, uh, the way that the, the – the way that the bed like kind of reacts, like there's this yellow foam that comes out of it and it like sucks people down into it and then they're like bleeding and it's kind of gross and stuff. Um, overall, the film, I would give a 6 out of 10, uh, but I definitely do recommend this Blu-ray release simply for the fact that uh, the special features, which I checked out all of them, I listened to about half of the commentary and I was really, really enjoying it. It shed like a lot of light on something that that should have never even been released in the first place. You know, it's like, it's interesting to take, 
you know, magnifying glass and look at something so uh, bizarre and like lost. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like really examining like a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) uh, it's, it's definitely a good release. Like I I was really impressed by the, the cult epics release and, um, I do recommend grabbing it. it. I would not say you pay the full price for it. Um, like moods was saying, it's kind of expensive. I would say if you could get this for 12 to $15, that's pushing it. $10 would be a fantastic price for this, but I, I couldn't recommend grabbing it for, you know, 15 or 20. It's just ridiculous. You know, it's interesting. I was in HMV a couple weeks ago and, uh, I'm always in there and they, they know me by like my first name. And, uh, so I go in there and buddy's like, Hey, he's like, uh, he's like, do you have this? And I'm like, no, actually, I don't. I'm like, what's the price on that? He's like, 25 bucks. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. He had a copy of Deathbed sitting off to the side for me. He's like, oh, you know, Moods will want this. And, uh, yeah, I was like, dude. shitty horror films. And I'm like, there's no fucking way that I'm paying 25 bucks for fucking Blu-rays. I'm just like, no. It's a good, good, interesting... I, like, like I, I kind of like called epics after watching this because I was like, th- who would do this? Like, who would take a shitty film like this, this sixteen millimeter, like, like, like low budget film that some random guy who never made another film after that in his entire life shot in Detroit, and then they make commentaries for it, they make special features for it. That's crazy. Yeah, you know that. I mean, honestly. Does the Blu-ray look pretty good for a 60 millimeter shot film? Yeah, I mean, it looks as best as it could look. Yeah, like it's okay. not gonna look any better. It's exactly. just, it's just you know, like it's not like mind blowing or anything. But it, other I, than Near Dark, oh yeah, Near Dark <laughs> sucks on Blu-ray. Is it is it in full screen or is it in widescreen? Uh, I I don't think it's in widescreen. I'm not. Would it like? Is it four by three? I, I'm I'm really bad with any of that stuff, but basically it was like more square than yeah, like rectangle. Four by three. Yeah, okay, so it's four by three. Yeah, I was wondering about that because like a lot of those films that have been you know kind of upscaled from sixty millimeters stuff kind of look like that, but that's expected. I mean, it's probably the best it's ever going to look. Yeah, definitely. The the introduction really, so. with the director, um, he essentially just said that he was like cruising around online and he's seen these forms and it was like you know like have you seen this movie or something and he clicked on it and it was like deathbed he's like what like like he didn't know like anybody ever seen it but apparently like it made its way to the uk back in like the 80s and was like in all the video stores and shit like under in like like bootleg form but um he never figured anything would ever happen with that film because uh you know it never got released in the u.s is the only film he ever made uh, it was like mm-hmm. one and done type thing because he spent money on it and never got it never got picked up. Yeah, that's an interesting story, actually. Yeah. I mean, not very often you, you hear about a film that was never released at all go straight to Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, exactly. try and make a top 10 list of that category right there. I don't even think there is 10. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty rare. It's crazy that it never even made VHS, though, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, that's really bizarre. It was never on VHS. That's like affordable. Mm-hmm. It's not very hard to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy, crazy stuff, like, man. Like even like Charlie Band would like pick up like Deathbed. <laughs> yeah. Well, ironically enough, Full Moon even has a film called Deathbed. It's a completely different film, though. Are you serious? That's funny. No, I didn't even know. No that. fucking shit, man. They actually have a film on Full Moon called Deathbed. <laughs> that's really bizarre. Yeah. Which I've never seen that one either. Yeah, definitely, definitely an odd little gem. Like it's it's not a great movie, but for what it is, I was pretty impressed. Like the guy had high, 
um, you know, dreams with this film. Like, like you could tell he was trying to do something better than it was actually worth. Like he was mm-hmm. trying to like say something with this one a little bit, maybe, or uh, just just make it bigger than what it should have been uh, in terms of uh, like storytelling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Deathbed, six out of ten. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Jeremy, do you have another one before the pick of the week? No, you can go ahead. Okay. Um, next film I want to talk about here is from. It was originally released in the UK in 2012. It just came out on media. Uh, here in Region 1, um, released by Mondo Macabro. This is their second Blu-ray release. Uh, this one's called The Devil's Business. Um, basically, the story in this one is about two hitmen that uh, that basically break into this guy's house, and they're just waiting to kill him. They're waiting for him to come back. Uh, these hitmen are employed by like a mob boss and stuff, so they're literally just in this house waiting for this guy to come back. So what do you do in the film? You have to kill time. You have to, you know, tell some pretty interesting stories and stuff. So basically one of the hitmen is like an old veteran guy and he's got like a brand new guy underneath him. And he basically is what he's doing. He's training him and stuff. Anyways, the younger guy, you can tell he's really nervous and stuff. So he asked the, the older hitman, he's like, well, what's like the most fucked up thing that's ever happened to you on one of these jobs? And he proceeds to tell him the story about, this girl that uh, his boss's girlfriend that they had to kill and blah 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 and stuff like that and uh so while this is going on um they uh they continue to wait for this guy and uh ultimately they discover some really fucked up shit in the house before the guy gets there and now it really kind of deeply disturbs him and shit like that and then once he come once he gets there shit just fucking go hits the fan man it just goes crazy um I'm just going to leave it there because I can't really give too much away about this one. This movie only runs 72 minutes. Um, so it's kind of like right to the point, which is awesome. I think my biggest complaint with this film is that it doesn't run long enough. I, I could have used another 20 minutes in this film. It was this good. This movie is fucking fantastic, man. The the acting in this film is brilliant. It Cinematography, the setting, the atmosphere is fucking amazing. The story that this guy tells is so damn creepy. Um, it's got some really disturbing shit, which I'm not going to give away. Um, and really, really fucked up scenes in this too. Like actually to the point of like kind of freaky a little bit. Like I was getting kind of a little paranoid because, you know, they're in this house and it's very quiet and shit starts going on. And then there's like really bizarre things that are going down and shit. I, I can't give anything away. Just, I don't want to ruin anything, but, um, ultimately this one has a really fucking bizarre ending to it. Uh, really weird shit's going on. And that's pretty much all I want to say about it. But I highly, highly, it's called The Devil's Business. It's uh, directed by a guy named uh, Sean Hogan. Um, You know, it's one of these ones that's really hard to talk about because you can't give any specifics away because you'll just ruin shit. Um, But it's a very, very enjoyable watch. Really enjoyable watch. Like, it's super entertaining just for a couple guys conversating. And then when shit starts going down, it's like, it actually had me feeling a little like almost terrified because you you don't know what the fuck's going to happen mm-hmm. at all. Right. Like you do not know what the deal is with this guy because they're not giving anything away. The boss isn't giving, he's not telling these hitmen what the fuck he wants back from this guy and then why they want, why he wants him dead and shit like that. There's no information given. So everything's a mystery. And as sounds they kind like of my kind of movie. Yeah, it sounds fu- pretty cool. It's fucking good, man. I was like, by the end of the film, I just kind of stared at the screen and I was like, 
wow. I ha- it's been a while since I actually felt like I was kind of scared watching this film. It was creepy oh. as fuck, man. I was like, what? Such good cinematography, really well shot and executed. It's none of this bullshit fucking jump scares and shit they didn't have to. It's really, really good the way they did what they did in the film. So I give this guy mad props for this one. Like I said, my biggest complaint is that it's just I could have used a few, like a, a few more minutes. You know, I, I wanted more. You know, have you ever watched like a short film and you were like, fuck, I could have used another half an hour, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but th- this one right here, 72 minutes. It's just, uh, but, uh, definitely worth the watch. The fucking Blu-ray looks really, really amazing. Like this is awesome. Obviously this is a newer film too, right? So, you know, shot, but, um, yeah, it looks fantastic. Highly recommend this. Got tons of special features. Everybody needs to check out this film. I know you guys will like this. Most people out there will definitely dig this one. Um, yeah, Mondo Macabro, uh, The Devil's Business. Definitely check it out. Write that down. Yeah, oh, that, yeah I, that's one I that need, I'll probably definitely check. Shit, I didn't give a rating on this one. Uh, I give it a uh, nine, in, 9 out of 10. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, I was just, you know, I was blown away by this movie because first of all, Mondo Macabro, I didn't even know was putting out, well, they put out one Blu-ray and I was like, that's awesome. But then they released like a, they usually don't release newer films like this. So that had me intrigued, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I I had to check it out. It was like newer film by Mondo. I'm like on Blu-ray. I'm like, fuck. Okay. Wow. Really, really good. Highly recommended. All right. So I guess, uh, Back to me again. This next one comes to us from uh, Image Entertainment, and actually Moods mentioned it earlier in the show. Uh, It's uh, Day of the Mummy from the year 2014. Uh, I believe you said that Mr. Parker reviewed this one recently, right? Actually, he did. And you know what? To uh, come to think of it, he actually reviewed The Devil's Business, too. (laughs) So there you go. He's always one step ahead of us, I guess. He, He is, man. Dave's the man. Uh, so yeah, this one follows a kind of hero character as he is, uh, kind of souped up with some new technology where he has, uh, he wears these glasses. They're kind of, uh, it's like a HUD for like a video game pretty much. (laughs) Um, and so when you mentioned that Mr. Parker, mentioned that you know it feels like a video game and he, yeah that's like a good point because it kind of does huh. um and he's like kind of mic'd into this uh you know big time like uh high level like bad guy pretty much who has like all these connections and is like he's one of those guys who are like looking for like the world's like greatest like treasures like this what he's looking for is this diamond uh, like this diamond codex stone or whatever that's supposedly in the tomb of like this mummy. So he sends this guy in with this, uh, uh, you know, these glasses that like are recording. It's like a live feed back to the dude, um, to the big boss guy. And, and he's like kind of telling him what to do and shit like that. Uh, and they go down into this tomb. And it kind of caves in, and then there's a, a group of them, and it turns out, like, the the mummy is, like, real when it's alive, and it's, like, it's kind of found footagey. Like, the glasses, like, make it found footagey. So, one thing I'll say is, 
the set pieces and the locations felt completely unrealistic to me. Not, hmm. It did not feel like a, like a real tomb or like underground. It felt very uh, manufactured and that was really annoying me. Two, it's really slow and it doesn't really do much until the uh, final couple scenes. And I'll honestly say those final couple scenes, I thought that I like there was a moment that actually like made me jump a little bit. And I was like, whoa, like I thought the mummy looked cool as hell. And I was like, what the hell? Why did, Why wouldn't they make the whole film like this? Comes off really gimmicky with that whole like sunglasses thing. Uh, the video game film. Don't like that at all. Was he going to say something? Nope. Nope. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, there was a couple awesome scenes in this one towards the end. Uh, like the kills and stuff towards the end I thought were pretty okay. Uh, overall, it just takes way too long to get going. This is one of those films that if it's in a red box or something, you might want to give it a rent if there's nothing else in the red box. Uh, it's very, very average. Never really gets ahead of that. I give it a 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10. Yeah, I think that's pretty much where he was getting at with his review, too. He, Do you say it's, like, you know, fun, though? At least? It, it is and it isn't. Like, there's moments. Yeah. Um, it's one that, like I said, if you're at a red box or, like, you know, I know Yins don't have them up there or whatever, but... Uh, this, this is kind of one of those films that is like very mainstream. Like this is, this is a film that my cousin down the road would rent in like a red box. Like I, I could see this doing okay at the red boxes. The cover is kind of cool looking. Um, it kind of is, it has Danny Glover in it. So it has a name and, uh, I could see a lot of people renting this one and just kind of being like, yeah, it was all right, man. Like how does like I was so confused when I found out that Danny Glover was in that film. I'm like, okay, his agent's like, hey man, I got this film, Day of the Mummy. Um, you know, probably big career move for you. You know, <laughs> like yeah. how, like how does Danny Glover get attached to doing a film like this? That's a pretty fucking big name. Yeah. Well, honestly, this is this is the Redbox model, man. This film was made for Redbox. Like it, mm-hmm. like this feels like one of those films where you get you get one name. Like, you just need one name that's popular, and then you spend most of your budget on that name, and then you kind of have a generic story that has a couple good moments in it, uh, designed like a cool cover that's catchy, and then you throw it in the red box. And I can see what this one comes out this Tuesday, and I'll bet it's in Walmart too, and it'll probably be $9.99 at Walmart on DVD. Well, I can guarantee it's not going to be in my Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man, I was up there last night. Oh my god. Did they not have anything? They didn't have anything out. Like, everything was empty and just, oh, there was nothing out. It was fucking bullshit. Yeah, we had to go up there to pick up some dog shit, but not literally dog shit. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But like, uh, some shit for the the dog. Some shit for the dog. So I went over to the media section. I just started laughing. I was like, this is fucking pathetic, man. It's Christmas. There's nothing there. I will say that the uh, slipcover for this, I kind of like. It's like embossed and stuff, and it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Nice. Cool stuff. So, Jeremy, you got a pick of the week? Sure. So, my pick of the week is a film that I watched in one of my classes, and I told Moods and JP this. And about, I think me and one other kid was the only one that enjoyed the film, and uh, it's near dark. Now, 
That blows my mind. Yeah, it blew my mind too. I was sitting there, you know. Unreal. I was like to sit in the back because I like to watch people's expressions when they're watching these movies that I've watched multiple times. And everyone was like laughing and like like talking to each other how terrible it was. I was like, how do you think this is terrible? I mean, the dialogue isn't the best and shit like that, but it's still a fun, goofy film. And if you don't enjoy a finger-licking good, cheesy film, then you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> you don't even think it's that cheesy. It, it has a, the dialogue's pretty cheesy. Yeah, some of yeah, I, I can see that. And according to the history, it was supposed to be Catherine Bigelow wanted to make a western, but, it, but she couldn't. She couldn't get the funding for it. So yeah, I've always kind of thought that it felt like a Western. Yeah, yeah, me too. So she pretty much like still conveyed that that vibe, even mm-hmm. though it's not you know it's traditional Western. Yeah, yeah, like that was the main thing. Like she was going to make it a Western, but she couldn't get the funding, so she made a horror movie instead, which was a good choice because the movie's fucking awesome. I love the film. Um, I think the characters like I want to like hang out with these guys, even though they're fucking crazy. But they're just, like, people that I wish the film would have spent more time with than just Colton and spending the time with Colton. I wish it was just more time with the vampires. Like, Homer. Homer's fucking awesome. Like, I can't really... What else has that kid done besides Near Dark? Like, not many popular films or mainstream roles like that one. I don't think this film's mainstream, but films like that. But the film's an awesome... Sorry, JP. Oh, God. No, no, you're going to say something. Oh, well, I, w- I was going to say, like, it's it's not really that mainstream, but, I, y- you know, this film came out the same year as The Lost Boys, and it mm-hmm. was really close to the time that The Lost Boys was released. And I think The Lost Boys really just overshadowed this film because everybody was paying attention to The Lost Boys, and, and Near Dark, in my opinion, is one of the best vampire films ever. It's probably in my top five favorites. Yeah. And uh, I do like The Lost Boys better, but I do feel like a lot of uh, this film's unfortunate unsuccess is, is due to The Lost Boys being so successful at around the same time. And I think it's gotten popularity over the years on the on the home market that it's kind of built a, a cult status. Didn't uh, didn't Vamp come out the same year? Probably. Mm. Yeah, I don't <laughs> didn't, know. didn't they all come out in eighty seven? It's possible. So, so that was a, a pretty decent year for uh, for vampire flicks, to be honest. Because yeah. those three, three of those are you know in my top ten right there. I love Vamp too. I like and Grace Vamp as well. Grace Jones. Is, it's an oddball um, vampire flick, but it's it's fucking cool, man. It has I a lot of that. really cool lighting in Vamp. Yeah, it, it's different. So like I, the only sure. yeah the only thing I was confused about in the movie is how the fuck do they change back from vampire to human like i know the blood transfusion but it's like how the fuck does that work like they never really explain it yeah they do kind of change the mythology a little bit right? yeah like it's like because, oh i'm just gonna give you a bunch of human blood and now you're not gonna be a vampire anymore it's like it's oh, as far as i can, yeah as far as i can think you know that might have been the first movie where that i mean first vampire film i ever you know with you know changing from a vampire to human uh, with a blood transfusion, yeah. I think that was really the only time that was ever done up until that point. I don't know if it's probably been done since. Who knows? But that is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I never you gotta, really fucking explained what was going on. 
Dude, Lan- Lance Henriksen and Bill Paxton. Bill awesome. Paxton's fucking hilarious. I love that guy, man. He's yeah, so Bill funny. Paxton's awesome in that film. He's great. Especially in that bar scene. He's so fucking awesome. He's yeah. so funny. Yeah. 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 I, I will say that um, even like the uh, the mythology of of the characters and stuff. Like I heard Lance Henriksen talk before about this film, and <clears throat> I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but this is why I've always kind of liked Lance Henriksen. Besides him just being awesome, is there? I believe there's something written on the like he has like something on the inside of his jacket, like written or something, and. In his mind, his character was like a uh, was in all kind of wars or civil something. war. He was yeah. a civil war. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. you never yeah. they never really say that in the film, but like he had this whole backstory planned for this character that mm-hmm. will eventually kind of shape who the character is. Well, he says he's from the he says he's from the civil war because he's like, oh, how old are you? And he says, oh, we lost or the yeah. South lost or something like that. And it's like, oh, he's from the civil yeah, war. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I remember the line. I like a lot of that stuff. And um, how about the the kid? You know, you feel yeah, Homer. Like terrible for that dude. Homer's awesome. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I love near, near Dark though. Yeah, That's awesome. Awesome. I don't know what the hell's wrong with all your classmates. I guess we'll find out next Thursday when we talk about it. <laughs> I want to know oh, so what you, the hell they were thinking. Oh, so you guys watch the films and then don't talk about them right after? No, we have to wait a week. Oh, shit. This class crazy. is only three hours, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I give Near Dark an 8 out of 10. Solid. Cool. QL. QL. Um, JP? Or is uh, it my go? I think it's I your go, right? It is my go. All right, so I don't have a pick of the week this week. I'm going to start off a new segment called My Italian Stallion of the Week, I guess. Italian Stallion. <laughs> Sounds like a damn monster movie. I don't know. That was literally the best I could come up with for... I, I basically just want to do a segment where I just pick an Italian film to talk about from the week or whatever. So it's called My Italian Stallion. Does that work? Yeah. Is it, or is I that really bad? Yeah. yeah, I think it's okay. cheesy and stupid, but it works. <laughs> well, exactly. I, I, I said it while I was holding the film and I started laughing to myself. I was like, oh my god. This yeah. is so pathetic. It seems like right, like it, it fits your personality, so we'll go with it. Yeah, okay. So um, I had to choose this one because I just watched it, and I was like, oh, this is so perfect. Uh, this movie is from 2003, directed by the legendary Bruno Mattai. Um, of course, he's known for directing a lot of really low-budget, shitty Italian horror films like Hell of Living Dead, Rats, of course, and stuff like that. Um and this one is called Mondo Cannibal. Uh, he actually went under an alias for this one. He's called Vincent Don in this one. That's because he was he was filming so many fucking movies that he he I think Bruno Mattai actually has about five or six different aliases that he puts films under. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. But anyways, this movie right here, Mondo Cannibal, is basically a cannibal Holocaust ripoff. It's essentially the same type of story. Um, it's basically follows a um, this uh, this newscast team uh, or this news network or whatever. Their their ratings are really shitty right now. Uh, the lead cast, uh, the lead broadcaster, whatever you want to call her, um, she uh, she's really famous and stuff. And right now she's willing to do anything to get like a really good story to you know get the ratings up so, to save the network and stuff. So she brings this idea to her 
superiors and stuff about uh you know going over to the jungle and you know doing a story on cannibals and stuff because you know people want to see cannibalistic shit and stuff like that and they agree they're like well yeah you know that could possibly sell so basically they tell them well we'll send you with a crew over there and you got to film everything so when they get there they get this bright idea that they're really going to do anything to get the best story and just film everything and shit these people are the biggest fucking assholes ever it's basically the same thing as cannibal holocaust but these guys are just oh they're all of them are just the devils man they're they're fucking doing bad shit to these cannibals of course they're filming everything um they're raping girls they're fucking doing a whole pile of terrible ass shit it's basically like i said the same thing as cannibal holocaust very similar in story but uh yeah so what it all comes down to is that they're just trying to you know get you know shoot the most ignorant shit ever to get the ratings up it's pretty fucking nasty really low budget actually some pretty good gore in this i was really impressed with the gore um and uh the thing that surprised me about this movie is that this was actually shot in 2003 and it feels like very very old which is kind of cool i mean that's quite obviously what matai was trying to do make like a you know a throwback type film but surprisingly did a pretty good job um the acting in the film's fucking terrible. It's pretty bad. Um, pretty entertaining though. A lot of, uh, cheesy dialogue and just bastard characters. Like you can't help but just watch this film because it's just, you know, you're thinking to yourself the whole time, this is not a good film, but it's super fucking entertaining. Uh, it's got lots of, you know, nudity and lots of sleaze, fucking uh, gore, um, just, everything that you want in a, in an Italian cheese fest. So this one really delivered, man. Mondo Cannibal highly enjoyed it, man. Um, yeah, I give it probably about a seven and a half out of 10 just on the uh, cheese meter. <laughs> it's pretty fantastic stuff, but you know, if you like cannibal films and you like cannibal Holocaust and you're willing to sit through something that's a total ripoff of it, you know what? Check out Intervisions release of Mondo Cannibal. It's fucking fun. And, you know, honestly, if you're a fan of Bruno Matai's films, you know what you're going to get yourself into. There's not as much stock footage used in this film. There's the, the odd scene where he uses stock footage. I know Bruno Matai is really well known for using stock footage, especially in, like, Hell of Living Dead and, you know, of course, Cruel Jaws, which we talked about earlier in the fucking – in the podcast. Um, and – well, not even stock footage. That was just, like, blatant ripoff right there. But he's really well known for stock footage and stuff. But this one doesn't have a whole lot. It's quite surprising. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I recommend Mondo Cannibal, you know, if you're willing to, you know, give it a shot. So, <laughs> but yeah. What's the rating? Uh, I give it a seven and a half out of 10. Um, you know, what's interesting is I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think that remember how I said in the cult epics release of uh deathbed that there was an author who was speaking on there. Okay. He actually uh, wrote a book about all these like undiscovered um, American horror films, uh, but he's from the UK. But what's funny is he actually talks about his next book, which I believe is like a complete history on that guy, uh, Bruno Mattai or whatever. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Bruno Mattai is a pretty interesting story actually because he's done – he's directed a lot of films. But his career is interesting because – like I said, you know, he's he he very much is known as a ripoff artist is he still because alive? no, Bruno Matai actually died, I believe, in two thousand seven or eight or something like that. Uh, not too long ago. <clears throat> yeah, he was quite old. Like, yeah, I think he was close to eighty or whatever. But uh, um, yeah, he's really well known as that guy that you know does a lot of Italian ripoffs. Like, 
you know, there'd be a Rambo film that came out in the eighties and then, you know, next week he would have a Rambo ripoff, you know, kind of thing, right? Like he would always do these type of films and stock footage and it's crazy how long his career was, you know, but honestly, <clears throat> these movies are super entertaining, really entertaining stuff. So I, I would definitely be into reading that shit. That Actually, awesome. I think it might've been Jess Franco that I'm thinking of. Oh, that's just as fucking cool. <laughs> that's really cool because I actually posted a box set that I just got of Jess Franco yeah. on, the, on the last night. So cool stuff. Okay, so um, into my pick of the week. Um, my pick of the week this week is a film from the year 2014. I actually decided to rent this one, which I normally don't do. Uh, but you know how sometimes when you buy those DVDs and they give you like free voodoo money yeah, or whatever? Yeah. So I had like enough for a film, like a new film. So I was like, fuck it. I'll review, I'll, I'll rent something. And I decided to go with the film that was just recently released and that's uh, Starry Eyes. So this film follows a struggling actress uh, who, who, you know, an inspiring actress. She hasn't even got a role yet. Um, and she kind of lives in, in L.A. or whatever with a lot of other struggling actresses and actors and filmmakers. She's like really has a whole group of friends around her who are all there for the same thing. But the thing is, they're all very shitty to each other or they're especially shitty to her. Like there's always these backhanded compliments and, you know, these undertones of like jealousy and stuff like that going on. Um, so essentially she finally gets like a big break where she feels like she kind of, uh, is going to, uh, be part of this film, this new horror film. And she goes in and auditions and does an okay job, but they're kind of very weird. The people who are the casting agents, they're, they're kind of just very uninterested. It looks like. So, uh, they tell her, you know, okay, that's enough. And she, so she Im immediately just, just breaks down, goes into a bathroom, starts flipping out and like pulling her hair out and shit. She she's a very unstable person. And then they the casting agent actually saw her do all this, so they call her back in for another casting uh, call or whatever. And they essentially say like, "We want to see that." Uh, I guess I'll kind of wrap up the story a little bit right now. She ends up getting in with these people, the elite. The elite of, uh, pe the elite people in the industry, these like hidden Hollywood, uh, elitists who are big time people. They're not real people, obviously, but like they're supposed to represent like the big people in Hollywood. Um, and shit isn't as what it seems. So the thing about this film is one, I thought the, the angle of the struggling actress was done really well and I found it very fascinating, especially a struggling actress who might not, who really, really wants it, but might not have the skills to actually do it. Um, so I thought that it was actually kind of heartbreaking in, in a weird way. Like you, you, I never really got the vibe that she was any good really. Um, but she believed that she was going to be huge. Um, so I like that about it. And two, I, I can't really talk about what this film is about. And I don't know if this is a negative or a positive or what, but sometimes, you know, when a film doesn't really know what it wants to be, it's a negative, but in this way, it's done in a way to where 
you're not really sure if it doesn't know what it wants to be or if it's just trying to be something really different. You know what I mean? I just I love that right there. You know, there's nothing worse than trying to do a review of a film when you can't actually explain what it's about. <laughs> I know I'm struggling, and I apologize because I'm not at my best right now. I'm really sick. I just I love that. That's that's classic. Um, so I could actually say like one film that 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 would kind of shed some light on it. Uh, where if I'd say it's like this film, but I don't want to do that because I feel like it would give away what this film's about. Um, which I'm not even sure if that's what it's about in the first place. It's really weird, hard to explain, hmm. and hard to review. Um, but overall, I found this film very dark. It was very, very dark, uh, very um, unsettling, and the gore was actually really good and fit very well in the film. It kind of takes a weird uh, turn, uh, very deep. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like Starry Eyes a lot. I'll say that I, there was moments where I kind of was like, this... I, I'm not sure if this is great or just a little sloppy. Um, so I'm kind of conflicted on it still, but I do give it an eight out of 10. Hmm. Very interesting. Cool. Alrighty. So, um, quick cuts. <laughs> are these going to be quick? I know Jeremy's are going to be really quick. quick. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll get into quick cuts here. I'll make it really, really quick. Um, <laughs> yeah exactly right we don't want to hear quick cuts for f- fucking 20 minutes uh first up here from 2003 is death watch uh basically a film that takes place in world war one um really cool film actually i gotta say um this one was obviously made before the squad this one did it properly it's a little more entertaining uh it actually goes somewhere um basically kind of a similar story of fucking soldiers that get caught in this certain bunker shit starts going down and then yeah so seven out of ten really interesting watch highly highly enjoyed it actually it was pretty cool um next up i watched tales from the crypt uh the scream factory blu-ray um i did not watch vault of horror though um i watched tales from the crypt uh the transfer was fucking fantastic everybody knows about the shorts my still my favorite short in it though has got to be uh the uh the christmas um and on through the night i think is what it's called with um uh what's her face um joan uh, joan collins the beautiful joan collins is in it um i fucking love that short but uh tales from the crypt i give it eight and a half out of ten i love the anthology film it's great uh then i watched a couple coffin joe films uh joe yeah um at midnight it will take your soul from 1964 uh which is presumably the very first spanish horror film like you know to make it out of spain or whatever um it's just such a fucking amazing film man coffin joe's character is such an asshole he's basically a undertaker mortician undertaker i guess um he runs like a funeral home and uh, he's basically looking for a woman to have like a perfect child with and stuff he's got this whole storyline it's pretty bizarre but he's like a fucking dick and he like kills people and shit um it's just awesome just fucking amazing it it's shot really well it's just so bizarre um i couldn't recommend it enough nine out of ten uh this night i will possess your corpse uh from 1967 which is the follow-up to at midnight will take your soul um basically follows the same type of storyline now he's still trying to find you know this wife this girl to have this child with (laughs) and stuff like that more of the same type of stuff this one's really kind of hypnotic and really fucking bizarre too 
it's got this whole scene in it that's if you've seen this film, you know exactly what part I'm talking about right now. It's really fucking it's almost like an acid trip in the middle of this black and white film. It's fucked up. Uh, kind of goes into color for like five minutes or something. It's really fucking bizarre. Uh, and that I will, uh, possess your corpse is fucking awesome. Eight, eight and a half out of ten. It's really long. It's a surprisingly really long film. It's, it's crazy. Um, <clears throat> next up, I watched another anthology film called Death by VHS. Uh, basically it has, I don't know, three or four shorts in it. Um, none of which I did care for. I thought Wait, what's they... it called death by VHS. Yeah, yeah. I've seen this one around. Oh, that's an interesting title. Yeah. Death by VHS. And that's what sucked me in, man. I, I liked the title and I was like <laughs> anthology death by VHS sign a brother up, uh, watched it, hated pretty much everything about it. Three, <laughs> three out of 10. I thought it was complete garbage. Every short I did not care for. It was you know, I like these micro budget films and stuff, but this one just had no flavor to it. It was, it just felt forced and it just, ugh, it was garbage. Um, <clears throat> next up from Necrostorm, I watched Hotel Inferno, uh, basically about a hitman that goes into this hotel to do this job. It turns very, very sour on him and now he's got to get the fuck out of there. <clears throat> and because there's all these crazy ass fucking monster people and shit. If you're familiar with Adam Chaplin, you know exactly what you're getting yourself into. Very yeah. tight, very similar to this. The effects in this are fucking mind blowing. It's gory as shit. It's all shot in POV. That's explained in the story of why it's like that because I'm not, I can't get into the whole thing, but ne- um, Necrostorm is killing it with the releases right now. Oh, fucking amazing. Love this film. Eight and a half out of 10. Awesome. Awesome. Next up, I watched the other one from Necrostorm, who also directed Hotel Inferno. This was his first film called Tater City. Basically about a city that no longer has criminals. They they have this device that can actually de- detect criminals. And they go out and kill these people. And they send them to Tater City, or Tater Burger, which they grind them up. And they feed them to people. Cannibalism is a normal thing. It's the everyday life in Tater City. So they have no criminal activity <clears throat> that's run by this, you know, this group of people and stuff. It is fucking awesome. This movie is crazy gore. Again, in the vein of like Adam Chaplin type. Hotel Inferno, Tater City, perfect double feature. Tater City, 9 out of 10. I did like it a little more. Uh, next up, I watched uh, Dante Tomaselli's. I believe this is his first film, his first full-length film, I want to say. And it's called Horror. It's actually called Horror. <laughs> uh, we actually reviewed one of Dante Tomaselli's films on the podcast one time. Jeremy or JP was not a big fan of Torture Chamber. Um, this movie right here is a fucking lot better than Torture Chamber. This one is really fantastic. It's really nightmarish. Um, basically, it has two kind of storylines that kind of combined into one. These kids escape from this uh, drug rehab habilitation place uh, to go and seek out the psycho psycho fucking priest or whatever meanwhile the other story is developing in his house with this girl his daughter um and then it kind of comes together and it's just it's like a fucking it's like an acid trip uh it's really awesome man the the atmosphere in this film is not to be fucked with it's really cool um yeah I, i couldn't recommend this one enough it's just such an interesting film um i think it actually takes place on halloween to be honest, I think it actually, it's not actually technically a Halloween horror film, but I think it does take place on that night though. It's kind of interesting. Uh, awesome flick, man. Nine out of 10. Loved yeah. it. I actually, I think we reviewed, I reviewed another one of his films a while back too, uh, Satan's Playground, which I didn't like. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Satan's pay- Playground either, to be honest. It's not a very good telling of the uh, New Jersey Devil story. Yeah. Uh, what did you rate this one that you just talked about though? Nine out of 10. 
this is the best uh, Thomas Ellie film I've seen so far. This one's really fucking good. Would I like it? You would. I think you would really dig this film. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, last up for the uh, quick cuts here is Torture Garden. This is an Amicus anthology film. Holy shit, did I ever watch a lot of anthology films? Jesus. Uh, this one is from 1960... <sighs> 1967. Um, this one has four stories in it. It's got, you know, of course, uh, Peter Cushing's in it. Um, Jack Palance is in this, actually. You know, the stories in this aren't bad. It's it's kind of one of the weaker Amicus anthology films. But the last story, the Edgar Allan Poe story, oh, my God, so good. I, it fucking saved the day on this on this one. It was so worth the watch. Uh, read up and, you know to get to that story and shit like that. It was, it was fantastic. But, you know, overall, the other ones were kind of weak. Not terrible, but six and a half out of ten, Torture Garden. And that concludes for Quick Cuts. Was that quick enough? That was Not actually... Really, but that was pretty good I for you. For him. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think I just talked about 12 films in like seven minutes, so yeah, I think that, that's pretty fucking that's good. That's yeah. All right, so I'll get into my Quick oh, Cuts. Nine films. I don't have many. Uh, so first up, Planet of the Dinosaurs from the year 1977. This one is pretty bad, I guess. You know, it's kind of one of those B-movies. It's really, really B-movie-ish. I did enjoy it enough, though. I mean, it's a bunch of people on a lost planet, foreign planet, dinosaurs, a lot of stop motion and stuff. Very bad acting, very bad, like, sets and stuff like that. Uh, some of it looked better than others. Like, the clothes... It just seemed like, you know, very, very low budgety, but, uh, four and a half out of ten. Uh, next up, Shaun of the Dead from the year 2004. Uh, what can I say about Shaun of the Dead? I, the, I always say that this is overrated. I think it's kind of funny, but I don't really get a lot of the humor. I think, I don't like the idea of ignoring the zombies which they do so many times in this film where the characters will start talking and the zombies will be in the background and they'll just ignore it and it takes the if you ignore the threat then it becomes less threatening i don't like that but still it's an all right film i give it a seven out of ten and uh last up is uh a film that all have sent me and that's a uh, moontrap from the year 1989 uh, this is the Blu-ray. I know Jeremy sent me a review from Blu-ray.com that that had the Blu-ray quality very, very low, and that I was a half out of five. A half out of five. Yeah. So when I actually popped <laughs> what it the in, fuck? When really? I actually popped overall, in, they gave it a half out of five. As wow, like, I don't think I've ever seen a rating that low. Yeah, yeah. they say it's like on quality as VHS quality. What? Okay. So listen. I popped it in and I was expecting like like the worst. I was expecting like worse than Grace, worse than uh, Near Dark, and honestly, like I don't know what the hell they was watching because I didn't think it was a half out of five. Maybe like a two out of five, maybe a two and a half even. I, I didn't. I was like, what are they talking about? I, I would actually like to read what they had to say, like why. Um. Anyway, the film, uh, Bruce Campbell and another guy on a on the moon and there's like robots it's like it's like it's weird it's like robots it's like the it's it's like the thing kind of but like with robots where like robots like take pieces of humans and everything and like and metal and stuff and then get bigger as robots it's not that good honestly it's very slow i give it a six out of ten Wow, a half out of five, man. I'm just fucking blown away by that. Yeah. I have never I, – I swear I've never seen 
a rating that low. Can you think of one, Jeremy? Because I know you read a lot of uh, the Blu-ray reviews on there. Mm, nah, I'm curious <laughs> to see what Grace is. And, it's uh, so crazy, man. Grace wow. is rated as a 3 out of 5. JP, yeah. do you have anything to comment out of that? I think Grace is one of the worst... Worser Blu-rays that I've Wait, seen. Let me check. Worser? And Near Dark, <laughs> and Near Dark okay. is rated two and a half out of five. That's probably right, man. I've seen worse transfers than, than Near Dark. I have. So. Well, they're saying fucking Moontrap half out of five. Fuck. Really? That's, unbelie- that's unbelievable. I, I just, wow. Are they huh. sure? That's Did they get like a bad copy or something? <laughs> I'm being serious, man. Like I was like, <clears throat> I was like, what are they talking about? Like, I could try and find the lowest rate. It was really grainy and stuff, but, I mean, like, the, the, like, okay, there are scenes that are filmed with, like, from the point of view of the robots, and it and it's supposed to look like shit. It's, like, it looks like a VHS or, like, worse. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks like that, that one Beastie Boys video where it's all, like, shitty looking. Yeah, man, I, I have to seem so ridiculous, like... I don't even know how you even rate the Blu-ray a half. Yeah, I'm trying to find if I can <laughs> find cra- a way. I, I want to read. I, w- I actually want to read what they write. That's pretty interesting. I can find then, a way to like, see what the lowest movie is. But, you know, to be honest, though, I've read a lot of, uh, you know, the, the reviews on Blu-ray.com. And, you know, they've been pretty modest, you know, like, you know, say three out of five and stuff. And I pop in the Blu-ray and I'm like, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. But I don't know. Well, now it's a one out of five on Blu-ray.com. Oh, they moved. They changed it. Yeah, it was a half. How the fuck does that happen? I mean, the film's very dark and stuff to begin with. It's set on a moon, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it. But how? Like, like VHS quality? Hell no! Like, they say worse than VHS quality at some points. <laughs> That's crazy to me. I don't know. So at those some points, is that the POV shots from the robot? I don't the, know, man. It's a little blurry. Were they it's not paying better. attention to the film? Like, oh, this looks like shit right here. It's like, well, it's supposed to look like shit. <laughs> That's fucked up. Yeah, I don't know, man. You could, you could re- oh, here we go. Sort by video rating. Let's see what the lowest is. But yeah, all right, so. Yeah, but Moontrap itself was like, it was just, I don't know, like, it had potential. Like, there was some cool moments. I'm like, this could have been an awesome, awesome sci-fi film. For one, they have Bruce Campbell, and they neglect him. Like, they, they make the other guy, like, the lead character. I'm like, you got Bruce Campbell, man. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You got fucking Ash, man. You got to utilize that, man. Yeah, exactly, because Bruce Campbell just himself, a You know, Bruce co-star. Campbell's such a, he's such a character that they fucking made a whole movie called My Name is Bruce. Yeah, they did <laughs> I mean, do that. You know, you don't just get your own film because you suck. This is why John Malkovich has his own film, too. Because he's fucking awesome. You know? So. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't really recommend buying Moontrap. It's not really that good of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to be honest, I mean, the only thing that really intrigued me about it was the fact that Bruce Campbell wasn't it, but knowing that he's not even like the lead lead, that just kind of he is good in it though. You, you know, I'm being a little harsh on it. It's it's still a it's not a terrible movie. It's just I don't know. I I was expecting a bit more from like 
the cover and like Bruce Campbell and like it started off pretty good and stuff. I'm not a big fan of like of like action like robots and shit. Like I'm, it's not really my thing. Alrighty, so we are gonna get into the main featured review. Um, reviews. Uh, I guess I got to pluralize that, right? Yeah. Um, both films from Canada's own Ryan Nicholson. Oh yeah, this is Ryan like Nicholson kind of our first spotlight <clears throat> director spotlight. Yeah, and I I tried. I I really wanted to get Bleeding Lady in there today. I was going to talk about it, but I'd never had a chance to watch it. But I did manage to get Dead New Girls, and I'm really stoked about this. We got Gutterballs coming up here, and Hanger. Um, which is, <laughs> but yeah, Ryan Nicholson's actually from my neck of the woods. He's only, you know, a few hours away from, you know, where I grew up. So very cool. feels like a very, you know, I feel like I'm at home right now, you know, yeah. this is awesome. Uh, so first up, um, from 2008, we have gutter balls. Hey guys, check this out. One man team, what the fuck is that about? It's a glitch, there is no BBK. You don't know who or where this person is. You don't just vanish into thin air, it's fucking only out of my state. It's safe to say that BBK won this game. Fuck the game! Fuck BBK! And fuck this fucking Goliath! Yo, this night is getting pretty fucking interesting. Of course, directed by. Ryan Nicholson. Um, somebody you want to give the uh, Jeremy? Do you want to give the synopsis on this? Oh, but I'm gonna give a shitty one. Let me pull it up. Unless JP, you want to do it? So essentially, there's a group of foul-mouthed teenagers, uh, very like hyper unrealistic, who are at a bowling alley, and they. I'm exactly like that when I'm at a bowling alley. <laughs> what? What, they essentially get into some altercation. They say uh, fuck a lot. They leave. Uh, the one girl comes back. She gets gang bang raped style. With a bowling raped pin. Raped gang bang style. Partially with a bowling pin. Partially with actual wieners. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, true. Very yeah. savagely raped. Yeah. Uh, then the next night, they all return to have their uh, bowling <laughs> tournament play out. And there's a killer who shows up. Uh, named the BBK killer. Uh, he's wearing a bowling bag as a mask, and they just get picked off one by one. Yes, that's essentially what the uh, synopsis you is. Say there's a transsexual man. Come on. Well, he's one of the uh, apparently unrealistic characters. Um, yeah, this one right here, I believe, is in some type of record book for using the word fuck. I yeah. love, I love it as on much I, as they did on IMDb. The synopsis is written by Ryan Nicholson. It says nice. synopsis, synopsis written by Ryan Nicholson. <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. Yeah, but yeah, I was reading somewhere that they used the word "fuck" like over yeah, they seven. Used a lot. Is it like over seven hundred times in the film or something? And yeah. it has to be mostly out of fucking. Um, uh, what's his face? The dickhead. The dick. Yeah. The dick. Yeah. Oh shit! I forget his fucking character's name, but man, he says "fuck." Literally every second word in this film. Uh, Steve, Steve, Steve. Steve. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It's so – the first time I watched this movie, I was pissing myself. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. That's a lot of swearing. Yeah. I'm like, I thought I swore a lot, but this guy's using the word fuck like it's the word the. <laughs> <laughs> really? 
It's so crazy. Which actually normally slightly annoys me when characters overly say the word fuck, but I think I think it's okay in this film because like you're really supposed to hate all of these people. Yeah. And I okay. and that, that's exactly what how I see it too because all these characters are so unlikable. They're mm-hmm. completely over aggressive. They're always pissed off for some reason. They're, they're they're so pissed off at the world. You know, everything that's going on. So you you know, the over excessive use of of swearing, you know, the word fuck and stuff is I think it's completely a pass, you know. Mhm. And it has been a complaint that I've heard from quite a few people yeah. in the past. They've said, well, you know, Gutterballs is, you know, it's good, but, you know, the language gets a little much. You know, it's like fucking cocksucker and it's, cunt. It's and just it's anno- like, it just gets annoying. But like I said, it's supposed yeah. to be annoying. So mm-hmm. it, yeah. I guess it's doing what it's supposed to do. But, I, you know, my, my thing with this film is I, I really almost wish that I could see, like, what it would have been like if it had some some – Okay, acting, and they played it super straight, seri- like straight serious. I love I, mean, it. I know you it, love the setting, right, JP? Yeah, it's definitely. It's definitely not a comedy, though. I mean, it it's does not. Have, it's very nah. brutal and and stuff like that. But but at the same time, because how over the top it gets at times, you you just like you you don't take it as serious. Like, what if it was like I spit on your grave, serious and. It, like I, I think that it could have been like, like even better if if, if done super serious. I, but the thing is, like you mm. can't do it super serious nah. right, with these. I think it actors. would have taken away. Like if you played this film straightforward, I think some of the kills wouldn't have been as cool. Because yeah, like the condom kill, it's like that wouldn't have been as like, the condom cool. kill. But like the death by sixty nine kill. Like if yeah. this movie was being played straight faced, and all of a sudden, you know the way he kills the couple in the sixty nine, it's like. <laughs> Seriously, like, how can you not laugh at that? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty, and it's creative too. Like, I can't think of another film where people died in a '69. Like, no, no, definitely like really, not. like really I thought that '69. That was you know, really, really funny. Is I like, I don't know. Like, I, I think that there is a way to play that scene like semi seriously. Um, it's gonna come off darkly comedic either any way, but um, I don't know. I like I understand what you're saying. Like there there is some things that you would have to cut out that are awesome. Um, you know some of the kills and stuff that if you played it serious, you wouldn't be able to have. But it, it's I'm not saying that I wish it was serious. I'm just curious. I'm I'm like I'm mm-hmm. almost curious to see like what Ryan Nicholson's films would be like if he did make a super serious like yeah, straightforward film. Um, and I noticed that more in Hangar. Because I feel like this guy can like pull in like this dark material, but it's it always is for a comedic effect almost. Not always, but it, there's always like undertones of of comedic value to 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 most of the scenes in his films, and like it's really dark though. So it's like, um, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> you know, some like like some of the scenes in like we'll talk about Hanger later, but just for example, like one scene in particular in Hanger like actually like got under my skin and made me feel like shitty. So it's like, like I want to see him do like something, something serious. So he basically has like a, you know, in your opinion, kind of a mixed bag of tones throughout his film. Mm, He's mostly, he's mostly comedic in all his films though. But the thing is like, I've seen mostly comedic and the thing is like, they, like they get like he, his films get really dark at times too. So it's like, it's not mostly comedic to me. Like it, it seems like it's this weird blend that you normally don't see. Like, I don't think I've seen really anything blended like this, like this. I I 
I think mm-hmm. the tones in this film work perfectly because you never find yourself going, wow, this movie's really straight faced or this one's really overly funny. You know, it does have its moments. I think the goofiest parts in the film are uh, basically before the uh, the bowling ball wax kill. That's the my wax. favorite kill of all time, man. It, the automated, the automated machine. Yeah, is, he's yeah, telling him to go fuck himself and stuff. And it's hilarious. When he's walking out, he's like, "You dumbass." <laughs> yeah, like it's got it's kind of silly, but at the same time, it's not like you know. And then it's just over. You JP, know, you have to admit that kill is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, I like all all the kills pretty much in the, in this film. Uh, I love, absolutely love the setting. I love the the music and the sounds and stuff like that. Oh man, you know, honestly, this is one mo- that I find the music is so awesome. The score is fucking amazing. I know the guy's real name isn't Gianni Rossi. Um, he's using an alias for this, but he does a, um, the music he puts in this is fucking awesome. Great score by Patrick Cobble. Oh, yeah, I don't know if you guys noticed. I mean, it's probably more for me, but there's times in this where uh, Gianni Rossi's like the music that he puts into the film totally is reminiscent of italian films like he some of the music is so fucking italian sounding i was like what the hell i don't know if you guys noticed that but i definitely do because i mean i watch a lot of Mm. italian films but it's so interesting that his his alias is gianni rossi which is totally fucking italian yeah, yeah but some of the music is so italian sounding and i was like you know it's just very odd that it works so well for that setting I don't know, man. I, I really picked it up. I love the score in this film. It's well, you know where that bowling alley is. Haven't you been there? Yeah, I've bowl- I've actually bowled. It's that shut down before. now, right? Uh, not sure. <laughs> I yeah. mean, this was back in 2002, I think, when I was in. Yeah, 2002 is when I bowled in there. So yeah, I heard I heard somebody been say that it a couple shut years down before now. Shot- was okay. it on Shabbos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he filmed this, what, in 2007 or whatever, right? Yeah, it came out in two thousand eight. So yeah, it was even before. So that's. Do you remember what the name of the alley was or no? I for the life of me, I cannot, man. Yeah. I can't remember. But uh, it's, no, it's it, awesome it was fucking looking. big. It it's was super like the, big. It definitely feels like throwbackish, like eighties. Yeah, this mm. movie would like if it was like in like a roller rink, it would like be awesome in that setting too. I think if you yeah. were able to like, mm. I always wanted to make like a slasher film in a roller rink. I think that would be. I think there cool. is a couple. Yeah. You know, Damn one it. thing I one thing I do like about this film is like, you know, all the characters are all well, for the most part. I mean, the guys bowling team is basically some of the most hated characters. Like they're just yeah. disgraceful people. But you're meant to hate them, right? Um, you know, and there's a lot of kind of like jabs, obviously with the uh the trans or the the tranny in the film. Yeah. But they're they're constantly calling each other fags and homos and stuff <laughs> like that. Like it's kind of meant to be offensive, but at the same time, like I don't find it overly that offensive. I don't know about you guys, but uh, like, it's just, nah, it, not too it kind of, it's, it's like, just goofy. Way, so you it's because it. it's coming from these shitty characters and stuff, right? So you're like, you yeah. kind of expect that from them. So the overuse of like, I've heard people even critique that before. And I'm like, they kind of use, you know, the homo and the, the fag shit a little too much. And I was like, you know what? It's a fucking movie. These characters are already hated. So what do you expect from them? Mm-hmm. You know, please and thank you. No, <laughs> they're going to call you a fucking fag. So that's just what it is. And I, <laughs> I'm sorry for anybody that, you know, gets offended by that, but it's just the way it is. You know, these characters are meant to be hated, so this is how they talk. Um, but I think it works really well, man. And I, I just love it because you hate these characters so much. And when they fucking get killed, you're just like, yeah. I love the ending, Aren't too, when they're, like, when they're in the back. And like, all the bodies are. It's just oh, fucking awesome. I fussy. love that part of the film. The whole, uh, end of this, the whole end of this film is fantastic. Yeah, I it's love, awesome. especially the way the gore goes down, and she, it's just like it's crazy gory, man. Yeah, yeah, awesome. 
Yeah. It's funny because I actually don't like the end that much. Uh, really? At least, oh. I, well, the specific part of like the reveal of the killer and then the whole motives and stuff. I was like, this feels really like like just phoned in. Like just I don't know. Like I, I didn't really care for any of that. I stuff. mean, I know we're getting into spoiler territory here, but I mean, if it was who you think it was, it would be kind of lame though, because it's what you expect, right? Mm-hmm. It, Wait, like, I mean, that's really? who I did ex- think that it was. You thought it really? Yeah, it's it, like it, it's the only person who you really can think that it is. Well, not, I mean, they do hint at it that it's one character throughout the film. There's like a bunch of conversations that they even say they're like, "Where did so and so go?" They keep coming back and forth, and you know, I'm not going to specify if it's a guy or a girl. Know. Well, but. like to be honest, like um, the, the the couple scenes that like it kind of took me out of the film was any time that like one of the characters would go talk to the the owner or whatever he's the janitor he'd like yeah, he, or he'd be like like let me give me my fucking new ball man or something i'm like i don't really care about any of this stuff right now but the, those was really like the only scenes in the films that i felt like it kind of took me out a bit because it, i it was re- those were all played for comedic effect right like that's a hundred percent comedic tone type i mean shit Totally, totally. But at the same time, it's just more, it's just more, you know, time to hate these characters. <laughs> like, like, dude, give me my fucking ball. Give me a new fucking ball. <laughs> it's like, dude, shut the fuck up, man. Yeah, but I, I almost <clears throat> couldn't hate him because, like, it's like, well, th- this fucking dude is like just putting up with these assholes. So it's like, it's like I actually hate him more. <laughs> really? Yeah. God, so I weird. think he's like the like most likable character. I really like the janitor. I thought yeah. he was awesome. I like him too. Uh, not me, really. I would have, like, been... The one it doesn't seem like you like anybody in this movie, Jake. Right here. One I don't. The, I don't think any of them is supposed to be likable. <laughs> well, what about... Uh, <clears throat> well, what about the token black guy in the film? I mean, I think he's kind of meant to be liked, but... I yeah. I mean, he's really, you know... Um, but the one thing about this movie that always pisses me off every time i watch it and it's really the only problem i have with I mean, it's not even a problem i just wish they had shown it but when buddy goes back to fix the the lanes and doesn't come back and then they find him obviously decapitated i wish they had Possibly, a fucking by the way yeah i mean look i mean i wish they had shown that somehow because it just i just every kill in the film is so awesome but i i wish they had to somehow incorporated that decapitation would have been fucking amazing I don't know about you guys, but it's maybe because I, every time I watch them, I'm just like, I want to fucking see that so bad. Because it's just like, I love when they're walking behind the bowling or behind the uh, the lanes there. And I can't remember the dude's name. And they're like, buddy, what are you doing down there? Or Steve's like, you know, fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. What are you doing with your head in there? <laughs> but then when he fucking discovers them, he's like, dude, where's your fucking head? <laughs> dude, it fucking kills me every time, man. Ah, it's funny. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I really do like this film. I think that the setting and the kills and stuff are just, are just great. Like, I, I, I actually – like, the setting is, I think, the strongest point of this entire film. I do like the brutalness of a lot of it too. Like, like even that – the, like, initial rape scene, like, like, you fucking hate everybody. You're just like, this is ridiculous. Like, fuck these guys. Yeah, because you, you see real penis and, you know, there's like some hardcore shit in this and film And close-up detail. Yeah, you know, like in the the sixty nine position and stuff like like that's what I like about Ryan Nicholson, man. He just doesn't yeah. hold back. You know, I, you he know really and I don't does know why show more it. People like, don't do that. Like, 
Like, I mean, honestly, dude, let, let's think about, like, we're, we're all, like, used to seeing, like, you know, porn in, in today's, like, time. Like, what what's the big deal about showing a vagina in, in like, a film? You know, like, it it, mm-hmm. it does, I don't, like, it's re- especially independent level, right? Yeah, because especially it's like, in the independent. It's like, you're not going for ratings. Like, you don't need an R rating. So it's like, I don't see why more people don't do it. So when, when you were first watching the film, JP, when, uh, yeah, the girl what the fuck is the main girl i'm so bad with names but anyway she goes to bowl and she bends over yeah I was like, isn't oh, that like that's right. the best way to start in the film you're just yeah. like oh gnarly man yeah you see like, like you well, see the clips and everything it, yeah, it, so it awesome. establishes like that this film is not going to have any rules like right yeah, yeah. and like exactly. i like exactly that's that's great i like when films do that it's like in yeah. um stitches i bring it up all the time when like the first scene is that clown like going at that chick it's like well i know that this film isn't gonna be like i know exactly what Pull this back. Be like yeah. so what did you guys think of um did you think that the uh the way they did the killer with the scoreboard and stuff do you think that's re- like cheesy or over the top or mm, yeah that's probably think- like my least you know favorite what though man i actually like that because it's very throwback to like the old mm-hmm. like like slashers I, man the first one of the the first time i watched this movie years ago i would love that idea of yeah. the killer marking off skull and bones every time he kills someone uh-huh. it was like it was like your own little kill count but in mm-hmm. the movie it's like, it's you know, like it was perfect. I love that idea. They, I think it's so creative. Even the way that it was thing. filmed, like where it would be like a real serious moment. Like it reminded me of like any gimmicky slasher from like the 81 or something. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I love that about this film, like where it really kind of captures those like sleazy, dark, like, like uh, shitty, like slasher films from the 80s. Like, you know I me mean? like i it's probably my favorite subgenre so like like i love anytime someone can kind of capture that feeling in modern time and i i will say that the the fucking mask is awful though dude like it's one of the worst killer masks i've ever seen but like what do you I like it though? it's like it's funny no why i don't mind because it. it's I don't silly i don't want my killer they, to be silly i want him what to else be would you want? i don't mind it actually man i, I don't really have a problem with it the theme I mean, I, I really don't have What'd a problem you say? with it. But. What else would you want to fit the theme for him to wear as a mask? Just like a regular mask? It, it don't you don't even have to show his face. I I don't know. Like it, I just think that the bowling bag is it's just it's it's not practical. It's it's completely idiotic. I mean, I don't. It doesn't ruin the film for me or anything. But like, let's be honest. Like, it's stupid looking. It is really stupid looking. I don't mind it. I actually don't really mind it. One thing I do, I really like about this film, though, is that, you know, the killer doesn't stick to, like, one weapon. Like, he really does utilize, you know, all the things in a bowling alley. Like, yeah. you know, obviously pins and shoelaces <laughs> and ball waxer and bowling balls. It's, and it's fucking... funny because, like, you don't realize, like, how fucking deadly a bowling alley is until you watch <laughs> yeah. this film. It's like, okay. Like, I know. It's a million, even, with the, it's a even with the bowling shoes, right? Yeah. You know, it's so fucking good, man. What's your favorite kill? Uh, I, I gotta say, man, the the fucking wax kill, Me man. Too. That that shit is brutal, man. The effects in that scene are so fucking awesome. It's it really so good. Is. Like when he like pulls his head out and you like see his tongue and everything. It's fucking amazing. It's so well done. If you like look at it. Yeah, I, it is. It's good. I actually think my favorite kill is Death by 69 just because how original it is. Like, and it kind of, it might be, 
it might not be the most practical thing, but I think it, at least it's it's semi possible to kill somebody by sixty nine. <laughs> uh, maybe the goat, especially. <laughs> of course, man. Of course. So like, I, I thought that that one was pretty cool. Uh, and really, like, I would admit, like sometimes when you think of like kills, it's just like, how can I kill somebody like the most ridiculous way or whatever? But I don't know. Like, I probably never would have thought of like killing somebody by sixty nineing to death. Uh, so that you know mad props for originality on that one. Oh yeah. I mean really the bowling the the bowling or the wax ball kill or whatever you want to call it. The fuck what, what do you call it one Jeremy? There's actually a name Wax-o-matic. for it. Waxomatic. Waxomatic kill, that's what you can call yeah. it. I think that's pretty good though too, man. Like yeah. it it's it, it fits perfect because you know balls basically like your head. Why not put <laughs> why not put a face in there? <laughs> out of I think it order. Works perfect. It's like fucking hilarious. What do you mean fucking out of order? It's so funny. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know. Do you guys think that the uh like the way the kills went down at the end, um, do you think it was that's brutal. Was it was it expected Mm. to happen like how it did, you know, with you know, with a certain asshole character, you know, and then the end happening? Like did you see that coming? I I actually really like the way they did that because you kinda expect like the main protagonist to be Mm -hmm. you know, pretty much the last one to die. Like, you know, like generally how it is in these type of films, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but he, you know, <laughs> getting into spoiler territory again. But I don't know what are your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I didn't. I, I liked all that. I, my main thing was just like the the reveal moment. That like I was like, ah, it, it just didn't affect me really. I didn't like it. Huh? Yeah, I had the completely different reaction when I first watched this film. I was like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I don't know why, man. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I was really drunk or something, but <laughs> no. Chance. Um, but I don't know. I just I, I think the whole end scene is just fucking crazy, man. <laughs> it's so gory and awesome. The whole movie's uh, awesome. I would, you know, what I would be curious to see. I would, I'd be curious to see like Jeremy's classmates like see this one. See oh, this is pretty <laughs> hardcore. Like, like I was literally sitting in class. Like they probably couldn't show it though because it actually has pornographic stuff in it though. No, we watch I Spit on Your Grave, man. But I mean, this actually yeah, has this like, has porno. like actual like that's like, like yeah, it wouldn't be a problem. Penetration. No? Nah. So I was sitting in class one day, like three weeks ago. I was sitting there, and somebody raised their hand, and the teacher called on him. He's like, "Have you ever seen Necromantic before?" I was just like sitting there, like r- like shaking my head. It's like, do you really just ask the fucking professor if they've ever seen Necromantic before? It's like, do you even know what that movie is? And I was like, and I even said that. I was like, do you even know what that movie is? He's like, no. I was like, well then, shut up. Like, oh my god! See, if my professor hasn't seen Necromantic, I would be disappointed. <laughs> I don't know, JP. Oh, Necromantic, good stuff. Um, I don't know, man. I don't really know what else to say about the film without spoiling anything. But I don't know. I just I love the one thing I really do like about this. JP prop probably will disagree with me, but um, I love the pace in this film. I never get bored with it. I mean, you, you even mentioned that, you know, there were scenes where Buddy was, like, bitching about his bowling ball. And actually, that part's really funny, too. I forgot to mention <laughs> when um, the janitor walks away, Buddy grabs his pencil and breaks it every fucking time. Yeah, that, that I laughed at that, too. I was like, what I, an asshole. I piss myself but every time because it's there's like no those point. Moments, those moments are actually, like, I think that's good filmmaking. Like, that's why yeah. I want to see, like other stuff from from this guy where like he has a lot of like like talent i think because like it's that stuff that most people wouldn't think of to really kind of 
uh, showcase who your character is. It's like, yeah. it's it's just so random to do. You know, he just breaks the dude's pencil. It's like, what an asshole! Like, I know. Like he, I, there was I, no need to do that, and it's out yeah. of nowhere. And like, yeah. I love stuff like that. I love when filmmakers take the time to add those little type of moments to their characters. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up because that that was like real. I remember like even like kind of nodding my head like yeah yeah like I like when people like do stuff like this with their films. I know it's a nice touch, isn't it? And it fucking mm-hmm. every time I watch this movie, I piss myself in that part because I'm just like, dude, you just broke his pencil, man. Yeah, because <laughs> like, I mean much. that that is that little moment right there completely defines that character. Yeah, totally. And that's what's cool, man. That's what's cool about that scene. But that was leading up to my point that I wanted to make about the the pace in the film. Um, I think that there's really no downtime in this one. It just kind of it keeps jumping from character to character, and it just it's always entertaining. There's really there's really no unnecessary character development. I mean, the character development is obviously you know within the first five minutes. You know these characters, yeah. are pieces of shit. You don't mm-hmm. need anything. So you know Ryan Nicholson doesn't dwell on that because you don't need it in this at all. But you know, I would disagree. I think he does a good job of character. I, I mean, like, I think he no, does. No, I, mean, I meant, like, specifics about, you know, like, slowing down the film and going, oh, yeah, you know, and, you know, just having, like, any type of backstory. Yeah, why these guys any, are assholes. You know, yeah, like, you know, stuff. You know anything think, that's I mean, unnecessary. Yeah, I, I agree. I, like, I think the pacing is fine. Like, I think it's really well paced. I think um, it's awesomely paced. I, I, I never get bored for a second. Yeah. This film actually flies by for me. It's like 95 it minutes or whatever. Yeah. And it literally every time I watch it, I'm like, holy fuck, it's already over. Yeah. I don't every time with this movie and I've seen it a bunch of times and I just love the pacing. It's so entertaining. Really, really fucking awesome. I, I love this movie. Yeah, me too. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. Like, I, I I think that that's one of the stronger points of this film is that it goes by so quick and mm-hmm. it get like there's a it feels like a lot of stuff happens in in, you know, the film, like a lot of kills um, and it, you know, it goes through each one quickly, uh, or it, the downtime is quick. You know, there's not a lot of downtime. Um, and you know, the scenes I was talking about where, um, you know, it would be like the downtime scenes, like where he would go talk to the, you know, the janitor or whatever. I didn't feel like it was downtime. I just didn't personally care for, for the interaction. Uh, but it did to me, it didn't feel like it made the film slow down at all. Um, some of the interaction, you know, like when the, <laughs> I thought it was the, like the the jerk guy, how he has like these two girls with him, but they're like, they're just like cheating on him and shit. Like, I don't know. It's like funny. You know, one thing I love about Steve though is like how fucking rude he is. <laughs> but he's, yeah. he had, there's this one moment where he fucking stands up and in one of his whores, quote, quote, um, falls off him and then he screams to his buddy. He's like, pick her up, you fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> He just has this moment in time where he's like, don't leave her on the ground, you dick. You know, even though he threw her on the ground, it's like, fucking made me laugh so hard. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, man. I just I love this film, man. Next time you watch this film, JP, listen to the, the music or, or Jeremy, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me know what you think of it. Because at I times it's like very Italian sounding. I'm yeah. like. It's I've so heard odd. somebody else say that before I even, even um, watched this really? film, so I was actually kind of looking who, for that. Who said? Who said that? It was on an old podcast, maybe like two years ago. Okay, I obviously never. I've never heard anyone say that, but um, I just it, it, it's so interesting that he went with that sound for that, but it works so well, and it's like in the kind of like the slower parts and stuff. It's like a really slow Italian yeah. kind of music and stuff, and it, it really works, man. It's really good stuff. Yeah, but. Uh, um, 
I don't know. Any last thoughts on it? Uh, overall, you know, if, if I would just tell somebody like to watch Gutterballs, I would say like it's it's really violent. Uh, the setting and feel is very throwback and kind of makes the film. It's a little over the top at times. A little. Come on, man. It's okay. over the it's, top the entire it's thing. It's really over the top at times, yeah. but movie. I don't think it detracts too much from the film. Um, depending on what kind of films you like, you guys know me. I normally don't go for the over the top shit, but I think this one works for what it is. Uh, are we rating right now? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I give it an 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy, your last thoughts on? Uh, I've stated my love for Gutterballs many times on the show. It's my favorite slasher <laughs> film. And um, it was one of the first movies I bought when I got my collection. And I've stuck by it the entire time throughout all the movies that I've watched since then as it being my favorite slasher film. It's just so enjoyable. The gore is over the top and awesome. And I haven't seen anything that matches it. And I know there's JP would probably disagree with me on that one. But it's just an awesome slasher film. It's everything that a slasher film should be. I give this one a 9.5 out of 10. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny because I uh, I recommend this movie for <laughs> – you know when like newbies come to you and they go, hey, man, can you rec- recommend yeah. me some films, you know, stuff like that? And I always recommend Gutterballs because I'm like – You recommend newbies Gutterballs? I do it for a purpose. I recommend Gutterballs because I'm like if you love Gutterballs, you're going to like a lot of the stuff that I'm going to recommend. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm starting them at the top here. I'm like <laughs> I'm like way up here. I'm going, I'm going way out in left field. I'm like I'm going to throw them Gutterballs. You know, here's a strike. Bad pun. Yeah. Okay, I know. But, uh, you know, so I always, you know, if you can get past gutter balls, or not get past, if you enjoy gutter balls, then, you know, you're going to fucking dig the shit. But I always go with gutter balls for, you know, recommendation. But, uh, you know, this one right here, I love, love, love the setting. I mean, I used to bowl like five days a week myself. Yeah, so I, too. I, I know what like it's like. I like a 212 average and then I stopped. Yeah, like I used to bowl so much and I love, love bowling. So when this when I first seen this film, I was like, this is fucking amazing. How come there isn't more films in bowling alleys, man? Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, this is so crazy. So it, it hooked me right away. And, you know, and then ugh, the gore, the soundtrack, everything about this film I just loved. I love the overtop use of language. I don't know if that was purposely intended to be like that or if Ryan Nicholson gave these characters free range on some of the dialogue, just kind of roll with it and just, you know, I, I don't know the whole story with that. I'd actually like to ask Ryan that one time. Jeremy, do you know mm-hmm. what the deal is with the language in this film? Because it does seem... I don't know. You would have to ask to see the script. Do you think, I, I do you doubt, think Ryan actually I, wrote this? Because I doubt no, it. I doubt, I doubt it. it, too. I, yeah, I, I bet what it. he told it, told the guys was like, was like, these probably aren't like actor-actors. So he's like, just you know, be like a complete douchebag and say the F word a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these guys have all done... I mean, some of the people in this film have done like a bunch of other films and stuff, mostly with Ryan Nicholson and stuff. But so I guess you can call them actors. Right. But, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I love pretty much everything about this film, man. Yeah. It's so entertaining. And that's what it comes down to for me, man. Entertainment at its best. And I love to throw in this film, be at my house playing cards, fucking, you know, a bunch of people are over drinking and, uh, I'll be like, Hey man, I'll throw in gutter balls in the background. <laughs> so I, I'm fucked up like that. But, um, anyways, I'm blabbling on here. Want to see and a half. some guy get a stick cut in half with a? <laughs> <laughs> Never did bring that up, but that part's fucking gross. Yeah. Uh, oh, ugh. but uh, yeah, nine and a half out of ten. I love this movie. Wow, 
So did it make you a Hall of Fame? No, it, no, it doesn't. Damn. But I Will. thought I was very generous with my eight rating. Nine and a half is. I hey mean, man. Hey man. You know it's your first time watch, so maybe maybe it might go up within watches. You know, it hey, couldn't. It couldn't even go up past eight simply for how bad the acting is. Oh, it doesn't it, bug me one bit. At least it doesn't bug me one at bit. At least it's not in the Hall of Pain. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. It's not in the Hall of Pain. Yeah. Yeah, we need to get on that. Well, Alrighty, so. With um, a Y-N-E. <laughs> all right, so from two, uh, Ryan Nicholson's actually next film. Um, I believe he, he filmed these almost in sequence, too. Uh, from 2009, I believe, Hanger came out. 2009, um, yeah, Hanger. Your mama was a whore. Pimp's name is Leroy. You see Leroy here? He got to thinking. And he solved your problem. And his. Well, you better have some for me tonight. Ah! One last chance, mama. I need some money. <laughs> you were the one who knocked up my bitch. I know how to treat him too good. Every once in a while, Nicole likes to stay late. And whatever she do, we think she's up there rubbing one out. Oh. I think so you don't know nothing about oh. <laughs> Give me, baby. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so does uh, anybody want to give the synopsis on this one? Um, Do it, JP. I've try, I guess. It says a horrifying tale of revenge. Okay, so, anger from the year two thousand and nine. It's actually pretty simple. A horrifying tale of revenge that begins with a back alley abortion and ends with a bloodbath so fishy, so vicious that it brings a new meaning to an eye for an eye. From pips to dealers and hookers to junkies, this film deli- this film dives headfirst into the depths of human depravity. Hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, this one basically opens up with uh, one of the most rotten yeah. fucking <laughs> scenes I have seen in cinema history like i'll never forget the first time i watched this movie i was i actually paused it after the first scene and i was like oh my god what's <laughs> the first scene a clothes hanger like, abortion man come on oh, that's not the first scene well no i meant like you know the the, the story of the film yeah right? that's why i was like i was confused i was like i was like no that's not the bad the first scene's not the bad scene it's like a couple scenes later <laughs> no, well that's what i meant i meant like you know at the end of the, uh, the yeah. backstory right yeah. i was like wow and- that's that actually effective. what I was talking about when I said like that scene gets to like a level of darkness where 
it, it totally doesn't match like the rest of the tone of the film because it, it's to me it's it's like extremely effective and it's actually one of the more and I think it has something to do with we mentioned this in proxy. Um, something to do with like babies and stuff like that and like pregnancy that like when used in, in horror can be one of the more effective yeah, unnerving yeah. things for I me. I think that's why people like Inside so much. Yeah, I mean because that's a good especially point. the end when moods when she gets hit in the stomach, like no. oh it's gross. But like yeah, Inside's it's, like it's, the same way. It's like it's just the whole baby thing though, man, because they're helpless. Is inside uh-huh. of someone it's like it you know you just uh, you just feel so shitty for them yeah right they can't help it so it's uh it's anything to do with that yeah it is very effective yeah and those are three good examples i mean these three films have all affected me in different ways and it's funny because they all have quite different tones too um so uh i don't know but yeah that that scene right there (laughs) fuck when i first watched this movie i literally paused it after and i was like oh oh that thing yeah. hit the ground. That th- he just yeah. threw it and hit the ground, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And it looks so fucking real, man. <laughs> like, dude, when he was like, they showed it coming out the pussy. And yeah. I was like, "Jesus, man!" Yeah, it, like, Ryan those Nicholson, fucking effects. He goes for it. That's why. He's, okay, like, okay. Explain awesome. this to me. Okay, is that a real pussy that they're throwing, putting a hanger in there? Because that shit looked real as shit. It looked pretty, pretty. It, it did pretty, not look like I a prosthetic. I don't think. I mean, I was wondering that as well. I I think it is fake, though. Man, does that ever good effects? Because that's that's, obviously when they're pulling the baby out, they're, they're using some type of prosthetic. But yeah. when they put the initial hanger in there, like they have the camera right on the bare pussy, <laughs> and I was like, that shit looks real yeah. as hell. I was wondering. And then my next though, question was, was, I'm like, like, if that's actually Debbie Roshan's pussy, I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Because I love Debbie Roshan. She's actually from Vancouver too, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah, she's from around here too. So, um, but yeah, that, that whole scene she is. She was just... in Wrath of Crows, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Debbie Roshan's, I think, in like 120 films or something. But, but yeah, that whole scene is really, really effective. And I do totally understand where you're coming from, JP. Where you know that opening scene has this crazy dark fucking tone that literally kind of floors you at first. You're like yeah. 10 minutes into this film. And then you get introduced to Hanger himself and all these fucking weird characters. You know, and I'll, I'll, <laughs> like I'll, it's Russell, the man. weirdest characters Can, ever. Like Russell is the dude from Gutterballs. He's one of the asshole friends, one of the white asshole friends. I'll continue on with that, though, where um, one of the things I give props about uh, this film is it's kind of like this. Like, like Ryan Nicholson kind of created this, this dark underworld of almost, almost like, it's like, yeah, it's like bizarre, like, um, fantastic, like fantasy, like, 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 I don't know, like how to really explain it. It feels like a Gotham, Gothic, uh, Gotham city. Yeah. Like like that. It's just like, you know, that, you know, you think they exist, but they, you obviously just, know they don't. But it's this like underground, this type of like dark CD type of like exactly. underworld. And I was like, and even like, you know, something I'll mention is like the set pieces, like the the junkyard or whatever. Like like that adds to that feel to me so much. And I was like, I like, I, I'll say it right away. Like I'm not like the biggest fan of this film, but I do appreciate a lot of things in it. And one of them was that like character creation of like this whole world of, of characters that, that really kind of feel 
Uh, yeah, like it, they were pulled like out of our reality and like inserted. It was like I don't really know how to explain it, but you know what I'm talking well, about. I, I know yeah, what you're saying, yeah. man. It feels like a really dark kind of graphic novel that was yeah. adapted on screen. You know, it was yeah. like these characters came to life out of a graphic novel hmm. um, because they're so fucking bizarre. Like everyone's bizarre. Almost like a Clive Barker. Like almost like a Nightbreed type thing with all these weird kind of characters and shit. Maybe. Awesome. Like I'm just saying like Clive Barker has a way of like of like creating shit that like doesn't re- exist. Like he just makes up stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So general thoughts on it. I honestly Some parts are fucking nasty, man. Man, this movie has some oh my nastiest God. shit I've and ever I could, seen. And I could like I could handle that shit. Like that stuff really doesn't bother me. But this one this one got to me, man. This one has a oh. lot of interesting parts. Like you can tell Ryan threw in a bunch of scenes, like especially with uh well, Lisa is the receptionist in the Lisa from Gutterballs. I don't know what her real name is. The one that gets raped in Gutterballs. She's the girl that's masturbating in this film. Yeah. You know, that that whole scene where it just cuts to her masturbating. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? You know, it's like it seems kinda random. It's kind of there's a point to it though, but but the whole tampon thing, man, Phil, man. they they go into that so much, man. Like Dude, when Russell's going vintage or fresh, vintage, fresh, I fucking lose it every time on that part, man. Uh, I probably thought that was the best character. (laughs) Fuck, I was pissing myself, man. Uh, It actually made me laugh a couple times. But I will say, guys, this is the film that kind of like crosses my uh, line where I kind of draw the line with with the film. Like, it just is a little too much. You have too many lines. Come on. No, uh, like I mean, you don't like a guy sticking his dick into a fucking oh the like dude, they get drunk from the. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I don't (laughs) find any of that funny. It's just stupid at this point. Like, I found the tampon thing to be pretty funny, but like, I don't know. Like, there's just certain points of this film where I'm like, you don't like the douche up the fucking girl's nose. Like, come on, Mm. that part's hilarious. Actually, pretty good effects right there. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Like, this dude comes in, fucking drugs them, and then rapes them. Yeah, you it know, just it, seemed it's like such dark. a pointless scene. No, but that's actually the point I was getting at. There's a bunch of scenes in this film that are kind of, they just seem like they're kind of thrown in mm-hmm. for the sake of, like, well, let's put it this way, to be kind of disgusting. I mean, there's shit on this guy's coming out of this hole <laughs> and on his cock. And shit. I'm like, fuck, man. It's so nasty to yeah, watch. It's nasty. not that nasty because it's so unrealistic. It's just like, yeah, it's but, silly, dude. Yeah, but, dude, it's the whole thought, dude. He's yeah. fucking it, literally a shithole. I don't like, know, man. It didn't I, seem that gross to me. I was just like, this really? is ridiculous. Oh, dude, that's so fucking Because it gross. doesn't, it looks so it's, stupid, man. But it's the close-up, man. The yeah. like the, the close-up, it's like that right part, there. That part, it's the close-up that got me. Yeah, it like, is. Like, I can handle, it's like. Right your face. Yeah. Ugh. It's fucking gross, man. But yeah, the <laughs> tampon shit is pretty funny, but I don't know, man. This one has such bizarre characters. Like, his dad in the film is actually the janitor from Gutterballs, right? Yeah, I like that nose. guy, man. The, yeah, yeah, the obvious prosthetic nose. But like, that's <laughs> what I'm saying, dude. Like, I know the I first thing I think part. of is like the penguin from Batman. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yeah. fucking nose. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. And, and it's like, why, right? Like, why do that? Like, exactly. You know, he created all these weird ass yeah, characters. That's what I like, like about it. But I, that, like, yeah. I, I just get it brings me back to my point. Like, like, what if you just cut out some of that ridiculous shit and like. I think that it could have been a stronger film, man. I really do. Mm-hmm. Like, if he played it more serious, like, especially this one, like, I like the idea of, like, 
like this story of revenge, like this pimp and this, you know, whore and like, you know, the, the underground like prostitution and like these freaks in this junkyard and like, I don't know, like I like all that stuff, but it's just, I'm like, this just gets a little ridiculous. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I think the whole premise of the film is, is cool. And like the tone and like, you know, the setting and, and kind of like this unreal, like not unrealistic, but this like alternate reality that he's created. I think everything's, there's a lot of good things there. Mm-hmm. I think we could have done with maybe without the uh, the rape scene. <laughs> I think is probably could have been cut yeah. out there because it doesn't feel like it really adds much to the film. Like it doesn't really advance the story but, or anything. Th- no, it doesn't. And there, there's a <laughs> oh, oh man, I was just thinking of another part. But there, there's some funny ass scenes in this film. It's like okay, when uh, the girl I'm going to call her Lisa from Gutterballs, she's masturbating, and then she hears a noise outside, and she fucking sits up and goes. Daddy, is that you again? <laughs> fucking, I'm like, oh my yeah. god, is this shit like that? You're just like, oh, for fuck's sakes, man! You're just you're pushing the button every fucking time. But, you know, it's like, I like it though. I thought it was pretty funny, but the stink bag at the end, which is the you shit. You look like you're about to vomit just by talking about it in the <laughs> mouth. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, <laughs> fucking gag me, man. Uh, but you gang. I think I have. Yeah, I have a pretty strong stomach. I guess, dude. It's just shit that does it to me, man. Like shit and puke, man. I can't handle. Like pus either, though. I hate pus. Those are like the three things. Tommy pistol. Oh, (laughs) oh my god! I fucking that movie makes me gag. I couldn't. The end of that movie, I was, I was losing it, man. I hate that movie, man. It's um, shitty. (laughs) I will say, like, this is like mutantus level of ridiculousness at times, but. The reason, mm. the big difference in in the, those type of films to me is simply like I can see all of these like moments and and you know things in this film that like I'm like there's there's actual art here there's actual like the guy is made like the guy has so much potential and he nails a lot of things like mm-hmm. so that's like the difference because like you would say that these are similar types of films right the tone wise yeah i guess so yeah, yeah and that's that. that's why i like this film way more than i would something like mutantis because to me this film feels like it has all these things that make mm-hmm. it just not basic <laughs> as hell <laughs> i mean i think it's so cool though man like i mean ryan nicholson got lloyd coffin to do a cameo in the film i noticed that that. Was, <laughs> that was pretty fucking funny cameo actually i'm like that, that's a nice touch and me personally i know you guys probably won't know but uh, the soundtrack to me was fucking awesome. He, he kept playing Ari the Rugged Man tracks in there, and I was like, that's fucking gnarly. Like, I don't know where he came up with putting Ari the Rugged Man tracks in there, but I'm like, that's fucking awesome. So that really worked for me because I'm a huge Ari fan. So I'm like, that's gnarly. So I, I like the overall soundtrack, actually. It kind of works for the yeah. film, I guess. But uh, um, I don't know, man. This one does. It has one of the oddest feeling films overall. Yeah, I was like, really every- blown away by like that that part of the film where you're just like yeah. this feels so interesting it is it's a really odd feel and and that's it's intriguing so you kind of get through it you know even though even though there's a lot of parts with poop and stuff that's making me gag <laughs> and, i mean the bloody tampons it's not so so bad no, but bloody i think that's way worse me. than anything else like that no, was, I, don't, I don't have man. a problem with that to be honest but although the part where they trick russell and then they squeeze out the, the blood into oh, – okay, that was fucking gross. But um, I don't know, man. This one, 
it's entertaining. It's not one I like. I like to watch on a regular basis just because of the gag factor for me. I mean, generally, I don't. I, I, you know, I like to be shocked and stuff like that. But it literally makes me gag. So for me, it's not like you know the biggest replay value for me. But I do like this film though. So. Yeah, to me, this is kind of a one-and-done type thing. Like, I probably won't watch Hangar again unless I'm reviewing it or something like that. Like, Gutterballs is one I'll probably go back to a couple more times. But uh, Hangar, it's kind of just one of those films where, like, I think it's worth seeing because there's a, a loan for that beginning scene, I guess. Well, I mean, if you're a fan of Ryan Nicholson, you might as well check yeah. out all his work, right? So definitely check out Hangar. Yeah. I mean, I would not recommend it. But, you know, just like all of his films, you know. So I think I think he's a really talented guy, and I think he's got a lot to offer. I'm I'm really excited to see what he does in the future here. You know, especially with Gutterballs too. I mean, that yeah, and just, I want to see I'm, Collar too. I, yeah, Collar just came out, which I have not been able to get my hands on a copy because it's sold out everywhere. Yeah. Of course, I had it on pre-order, and then I canceled it because it's like not shipping. It says out of stock, not shipping for like a couple months or something. Like, Fuck this! <laughs> shipping <laughs> in eight months. I'm like, fuck this. You know how it goes with my shipping. Yeah. Don't need to tell the story again. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I heard it's really different. Um, I've heard some pretty interesting reviews on it too, actually. So I got to check it out because they're kind of mixed. Even even Dave even said that Collar was not his favorite Nicholson film. So it should be interesting to see. I like the premise of it though. But Would you be interested in seeing him do like a straight – serious film though um yeah I, I would actually love to see him do a serious film maybe a ghostly <laughs> oh. not not a ghostly i'm thinking like uh i'm fucking joking i don't know man i think maybe like what kind of film would you like to see him do like i think he he kind of he's done a lot of different type of things so what do you I'm think i'm thinking like an alice kills like i think he could nail a film like that hmm. that's interesting mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like to me, like that's the, like I feel that type of feeling in his films, but then it's surrounded by like the, there's like singular moments in his films where I'm like, this feels like an Alice Kills type film, but mm. so that's why I would be interested to see him do something serious like that, but still kind of out there tone wise, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean. I mean, he's got a lot of talent, man. Have you ever checked out his uh, his IMDb page? No, oh, he worked in a lot of stuff before he did. You would be movies. really surprised yeah. at how much stuff he's worked on because oh, he was yeah. like an effects artist, right? Yeah, it is actually like crazy. supernatural and like a whole bunch of shit. Like he worked on so much stuff you wouldn't even know, like Smallville and fucking yeah. Stargate, and like he worked on fucking tons of shit that was all you know it's filmed cool. in filmed in fucking Vancouver. Play Trinity. <laughs> Grave Encounters 2 as a prosthetic designer, like Scary Movie 3, Elf, like so many weird ones. Ghost Rider. Fucking yeah. it's so crazy, man. Like it's just ugh, Hollow Man 2. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, you worked on so much shit, man. Culture um, Guy's legacy. Yeah, dude's got a lot of a lot of talent, man. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. But what does he got coming up in the future here? He's Cannibal Lipstick cannibal lipstick in post-production right now that sounds awesome (laughs) cannibal lipstick nice balls too ted bundy has a son had a had a son that's fucking amazing uh yeah cool stuff but yeah i don't know man i a serious film i would love to see one yeah like straight up like you know 
just straight faced. I think it'd be interesting. I think it would really kind of, uh, um, I don't know, man. I don't think it would confuse people, but I think to be honest, I think caller actually is more of a straight faced film from what I've heard. The reviews that I've read and, and seen, I think it does kind of play out a little more serious mm-hmm. because of what it is about and stuff. So, I mean, I'll have to check it out for myself, but who knows? It could be one. So, yeah, yeah. See, my thing is like you—you you guys know my style of films that I like, and although I can enjoy films like Gutterballs and stuff, they never hit me like a film like Alice Kills would. So that's why I'm always kind of wishing that these guys would make. You know, because that's the type of films that I like more. Is they just they give me more of a feeling. That's so. Are you looking for? Are you looking for more of like a film that isn't just fun, but like kind of affects you more? Yeah, that's like. I mean, I like. I like. I mean, I like having both. Like, you know, uh, you know, a film like um, Proxy, where it had that effect on Mm -hmm. me, and I thought about it for days. And same with Alice Kills, like those really did work, but. You know, the other side of me is like, I love being entertained. That's why I watch a lot of really bad films. I know that they're bad. Yeah. You know, I, I honestly know these films are bad. I'm not a fucking idiot. But the thing is, I, for entertainment value for me, I like a lot of things, right? A lot of different subgenres of horror and stuff, like we all do. But I mean, I will go to the extreme of watching really, really shitty stuff just for, you know, entertainment value. Sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, yeah. like Death by VHS, you know, it's supposed to be entertaining, but it was pure fucking mm. rubbish, you know, so it doesn't always work out. But I mean, I sometimes pop in a film just to have fun. Like, I, you know, I know it's not going to be good. I'm just like, ah, whatever. To me, but I, I, I totally get what you're saying, though. When I have the most fun is when a film like hits me like Proxy or like mm. Alice Kills or, you know, the million- so when you feel a little more stimulated, you know, it's like, wow, yeah. It kind of affects you and stuff, yeah. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't necessarily need it though. Like, like I said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll watch a film like, fuck, I don't know, Mondo Cannibal. Like, it's pure entertainment. You know, it's not going to affect me after the fact of, even though there was a couple like, you know, real animal killings and I think just one, but you know, that type of shit I don't like to see generally. So I, it gets me thinking, but it's more of an entertainment value. Yeah, but Bruno th- Matai, you know, so that's also like deathbed. Like, like I can watch a deathbed and be entertained just by the badness of it and shit like that. <coughs> but when I'm, what really gets my juices going is the Alice kills of the world. You know what I mean? Mm. And the well, maniacs of the world. If the, if that's the case, man, then uh, I suggest that you run out, maybe even, you know, get on Amazon right now and order yourself a copy of, uh, of uh, the devil's business right now. Yeah. I think you'll really enjoy it, man. It's definitely your type of film. You know, it's serious fucking toned and gets you thinking. So, and I will say that over the year, over the maybe last year to two years, I've really kind of gravitated away from the basket cases of the world and more towards the serious stuff. I go through, through shifts and tones depending on my mood. And lately I've really been, disliking a lot of the more silly stuff but i do Mm -hmm. like love films like basket case as well yeah i really try to not think too hard about it though because i really don't want to you know all of a sudden start hating something you know and like i'm not saying that's what you're doing but i just i don't want to start like oh man i really like there's a lot of subgenres with me that are hit and miss you know, horror comedies being one of them, they're very hit and miss. And ex- last week was a perfect example on Body Bags. You know, I, I, I reviewed two films. You know, one I really did like. 
And the next day, the one I did on my day, I, I completely didn't like. Mm-hmm. Right. So they are hit and miss. So that, that's the type of subgenre that I'm just like, ah, you know, I don't want to start, you know, completely hating it. It's hit and miss with me. Vampires is like that with me too, though. You know, so I just try to keep an open mind and just go into every film like it's just whatever. You know, yeah. I, 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 I try not anyway. to think about it too hard. I try not to think about things too hard sometimes because, you know, with me being very critical and stuff, like all of us, you know, I think that ultimately we're trying to be entertained and have fun. You know, I don't want this to ever feel like a job or anything. So, you know, I try to keep that openness and mm-hmm. I think it works for me because that's why I love such a broad spectrum of horror films. You know, everything from underground bullshit to fucking Italian classics to fucking, you know, shit from Israel. It doesn't matter what it is, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm willing to check it out and I just, that's, I love doing it. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's, one of the reasons why we care so much about uh you know films and we get so passionate about them is because we really do just enjoy the genre of horror and love films in general and i like them all too you know i i like all genres and subgenres some i like more than others but i'm also more critical than i've probably ever been and that's probably from doing the show you know we really try to get into why a film works or doesn't work you know ultimately that makes sense though because we're this is what we do we we review films and stuff and you know over time your you know your tastes are going to change a little bit too i mean that's ultimately what is going to happen to people i mean obviously you can use us as an example like i'm sure there's certain films that you loved as a kid that you watch now you're like i don't really care for that that much to be honest you know yeah or even or even vice versa maybe you watched a film that you didn't really care for back in the day and now you fucking love it because maybe you understand it more and vice versa. So it's like, you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah. But so, uh, you know, want to wrap up hanger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shit, man. Yeah. Uh, hanger. Um, you know, I really do enjoy the film for its bizarreness and, and it's just an oddity to me. You know, I think I'm good for it. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's um for for the Ryan Nicholson films that I've seen, I've seen pretty much all the stuff now except for the exception of like a couple. Um you know, this one does kind of stick out for me as being a very oddball film. Um but you know, it doesn't it doesn't really take anything away from it. I like I said it's entertaining. Um it's gaggable. <laughs> I don't know, man. I if I had to That's rate this on the poster, it, it, it's gaggable. gaggable. It's 616. <laughs> It's gaggable, yeah. Um, I, you know, I do enjoy this film. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. All right. Uh, me, I agree with most of what you said. You know, like, I, I, it's an oddity. It has a uh, weird tone to it. He really did establish and create his own little unique universe with these characters and the setting. Uh, I give that mad props. And that beginning scene was fucking terrible like in a good way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know, I do think that it 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 oversteps certain points for me, you know, like the, some of the scenes just feel a little silly. Uh but it is still a an interesting watch. I recommend checking it out, especially if you're trying to see what else this guy has done besides gutter balls cuz that seems to be his most popular film. But I'm still going to say that it's it's a 6 out of 10. Cool. I gave it a six and a half. 
Wow. So we're all pretty similar. Yeah. 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 Sounds about right. So, ah, that does suck though. You know, gutter ball is just coming short of that Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, JP. <laughs> well, honestly, no, no, I but for real, have man. Any thought that it would even come close to the Hall of Fame? So, ah, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. We're just, yeah. We just love the film. Like I said, man, maybe give it a couple more spins. Who knows? It might go down for you. Who knows? You know, yeah. don't really know. But uh, yeah, I guess that's gonna do it for the show, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed. Um, this episode, this is episode 34. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Nicholson, pretty much uh, special, really. We talked about three yeah, films. Director's Spotlight. Director's Spotlight, yeah. Got to remember that term, Director's Spotlight. So, anyways, guys, I'll leave it to Jeremy. All right. So, thank you, everybody, for listening to the 34, 34th episode of the 22 Shots of Boots and Horror podcast. As always, if you want to follow the man Moods himself, you can do so at youtube.com slash mood 616 or click the subscribe button down below. If you want to follow me on my channel, you can do so at youtube.com slash nesroller22. And if you want to follow JP, a.k.a. the man who hates Pee Wee Herman, you can do so at youtube.com slash doubleshotj. And of course, if you have any questions, you can email us at the 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. It's 22 shots of moods, A and D, horror at gmail.com. And if you have any questions to us, you can leave us a voicemail at 724 426 66665 and please leave the voicemails to around three minutes or if you get cut off please call back again and as always you can follow us on twitter at 22 shots podcast and you can now follow us on our brand new website at the 22 shots moods and horror.com that's 22 shots moods and horror.com i have some written pieces up there right now i know jp is posting a whole bunch of press releases and things like that during the week so if you guys are interested head over to our new website jp did a fantastic job on the site so please do yourself a favor and go check it out so until next week guys i hope everyone has a good week and we should talk to you guys next week with the 35th episode of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast talk to you guys next week yeah